Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Today's Sunday session is proudly brought to you by More Beer at www.morebeer.com. Great beer is about drinkability. Doesn't matter oh, yeah. the style. You guys are like walking beer Wikipedia. That's the first time that you've ever accepted me as a person. Or you have a fermentation in your gut. Yeah. I'm jet propelled at all times. <laughs> How many guys do you think that you have the privilege to slap? Somebody who's never tasted a commercial example. And this is how you know everything about this beer? Please, you don't. I think you know, that's bullshit. The, <laughs> I think it's bullshit, too. Wow. Are you guys going to arm wrestle? No. no. They're going to teabag fight. Yeah. Yeah. You heard of Junkyard Wars? No. Can I get another high five, Beavis? <laughs> now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers. Craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Welcome to the program, ladies. Another session from Sonny Pacheco. Just after the Craft Brewers Conference was in our home area, San Francisco, all week long. Beer event after beer event after more (laughs) beer events. And uh, I just stayed home last night like a big sissy, (laughs) actually. That was the last night, too, wasn't it? It was the last night. But, you know, I kind of made... I, I, I partied... Friday like it was the last night, so I didn't figure I needed to do it again on uh, Saturday. Well, know? it sounds like the way that things were last night that a lot of people did the same thing. Yeah. That's what I figured because a lot of the people that I was going to see on Saturday anyway, yeah. I was still looking in the face at 4 a.m. down in the <laughs> lobby of the hotel like a bunch of idiots. <laughs> we had gotten thrown out of you know several hotel rooms at that point, and we're still then just hanging out in front of the elevators, you know, enjoying ourselves. So, but the but the event was uh, amazing. I was really excited to have it in San Francisco. I think we were a great host city, and it. Uh, I mean, if anything, it's the same problem we always have out here. There was just too many things yeah. to go to. You couldn't. We had to miss some. There were so many good events. Um, but but I was real proud of how the Brewers Association did and how uh, San Francisco did, and our local breweries just put on some amazing events. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Moskowitz, our uh, faithful producer, has a whole report uh, about the CBC that we'll play for you later on. He was running around working while I was running around drinking. 
Um, so he'll give you the goods. Isn't that par for the course? Pretty much. Yeah. Um, that's uh, now one of the uh, best events. Just a, an example, and one of I, uh, uh, something that just made me proud of, of having it in this area because uh, it's just an example of something I haven't seen before. Uh, our guest today, Anchor Brewing Company, and one of our favorite guests we ever have on here, Lagunitas Brewing Company, got together and did a huge shindig at the legendary Fillmore. Yeah, I didn't make it to that. I wanted to go to that. Oh, that would be great. Now, the Fillmore is, I think it's my favorite music venue uh, yeah. in San Francisco, if not on Earth. And just so many, so much music history there. And when I saw that those guys were throwing a shindig just for conference attendees to go, uh, I just thought, well, now this is incredible. So I went to that, and, uh, you know, it, it was just amazing. There was free Lagunitas and Anchor Steam at every bar in the place. Don't rub it in, man. Incredible music on the stage. Yeah. And every craft brewer in the country, <laughs> in, all in one room. All in one smoke-filled room. <laughs> I thought there was no smoking in there. I don't know. It smelled a little funny from time to time. Oh, that kind of smoke. <laughs> but it was just a rad event. Chad, did you go? Oh, yeah. You went to that. Really good time. Man. Yeah, tons of people, great music, and uh, everyone was having a great time. Now, our guest today, like I said, uh, we've got Anchor Brewing Company, and there are actually a couple of them just, just running in right now. Uh this is a show with beer in hand. I like that. <laughs> this is a show uh, that I've been wanting to do in our, our entire career here at the Brewing Network. I've always wanted the Anchor Steam guys in here, and Moscow went out and, and booked them. Uh, Mark Carpenter just sat down. Welcome, Mark. Thanks Thank for coming you. in. Thank you very much. Sorry we're a little late. Don't no worry worries. about that. No one's listening to this program. They don't <laughs> care. Uh, and then we've got uh, Bruce Joseph, uh, also with Anchor Steam. He's hanging out with us now, too. And I think there's another guy here from Anchor Lake. Mike Lee, yes. Mike Lee he's, too. he's out there. He's going to be coming in a little while, I think. Okay, great. Well, welcome to the studio, guys, and thanks. Uh, I was just talking about your event at the Fillmore. Uh, did uh, either of you make it to that? Uh, well, I didn't. I don't know if Mark did. No, I did not. You I guys did. didn't either. Well, I, I've been <laughs> That's my bedtime. <laughs> I got thrown off a horse. I got a uh, dislocated shoulder and a, or a dislocated collarbone and a broken rib. So that was hampering wow. my nightlife, unfortunately. Oh, Otherwise, it would have been. Then I sound like I got a cold because I'm getting a cold now. So wow, life hasn't been real good for me. Lately. No, <laughs> and then you have to come here. That's okay. Yeah, I'll have a good. beer. I'll feel good. It's have all uphill from here, though. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, wow, thrown from a horse. Ouch. Yeah. And that's not a metaphor. That's <laughs> no, literal, right? No, that okay. was literal, right. unfortunately. Wow. Do you have a ranch uh, with, with horses, or is this a hobby? We oh, No, we live out in the country, and, okay. and we have a, a tiny bit of property, but we got horses. And All right. I really do enjoy riding them, and, and uh, or I did up till a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. I had horses when I was a kid. We had a bunch of horses. I've been thrown from a horse or two. Yeah. It's not fun. Well, you know, I'm older now. I don't bounce like I used to. This isn't the first time off, but this is certainly the worst time off. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like it. Ouch. The only horses I had were my little ponies. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow that doesn't surprise me. No. Jay. I did get thrown once. You did. <laughs> it's a different story, though. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we, we were just talking about the whole uh, Craft Brewers Conference. And, of course, um, Fritz Maytag uh, was one of the spe- uh, speakers at the conference there. And I hear just gave a wonderful talk with Ken Grossman. Um, from Sierra Nevada about uh, you know the history of, of craft beer and those two guys just sitting up there talking about how much has gone on in their career here just fascinating so 
Uh, we'll do a little bit of CBC recapping today, but if you've got questions about Anchor Steam Brewing Company, uh, Anchor Brewing Company, uh, then then please call in 888-401-BEER, or as usual, you can join Bevo in the chat room. Just hit the chat now button, and she'll get the questions over to us. We've got the uh, studio cam up and running, so Anchor guys, don't pick your nose unless, uh, well, unless you want to. Yeah. Uh, you can see that, justin.tv slash brewing network. Just uh, hit that, and you can listen and watch all the excitement, all the radio action on television. <laughs> Hot radio action. <laughs> yeah. All the slapstick comedy. Right. Just watch us sitting here talking to each other. Yeah. It's very exciting. Um, and, I, you know, I think we're going to have a great show learning about Anchor Brewing Company. Oh, for I'm sure. Ex- I'm excited about that. Especially coming off of last week's show where we didn't learn anything. Well, we learned some things. We did? Yeah. <laughs> we learned the uh, load-bearing weight on that chair you have. Yeah, that's true. We, <laughs> did have a, we did have our first failed piece of furniture in yeah. Brewing Network history. Leave it up to Mufasa to break something. <laughs> You know, in Mufasa's defense, it was more when he was tackled by Pinkerton. Oh, yeah. That was put it over the top, but right. he he snapped it. <laughs> right, a good yeah, leaning back. <laughs> yeah, uh, have you you guys know Mufasa from BJ's? The the Ma- brewmaster Michael Ferguson, Michael Ferguson the big uh, big giant brewmaster up at BJ's. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we we've known Mike Ferguson for a long time. There you yeah. go. Yeah. So he was uh, he's he's come on our show a few times, and he was here last week, and poor guy fell right out of a chair. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's how you know we had a good time. That's true. You know, people start falling out of chairs. Uh, and then, and we had Moon River on, John yeah. Pinkerton, for his second visit. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I got feedback about that from the from the listeners, about the whole show. Oh, yeah. I he bet. did, too. Yeah. I ran into him this week, and he's like, man, everyone's emailing me. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Was he smiling Positive. about that? Or, Positive. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Could be either way, I'm thinking. You never know. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. So, 888-401-BEER, hit the chat now button and send your questions that way. A couple of announcements for you today before we get to our uh, AHA Governing Committee nominees. We talked to four of them last week, and we've got three more to get to this week. Ron Price, Bob Kaufman, and Jamil Zanishef. You guys might know him from the last six years of the Brewing Network. Never heard of him. Yeah. Uh, so they'll be on in just a couple minutes talking about running once again for the AHA governing committee. Uh, in the meantime, uh, BYOB TV, our new television show that will air on Coffee TV 20 here in San Francisco, button 13. Uh, it's airing in uh, late April. We're having another weekend of shoots coming up this weekend. That's true. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. A couple more episodes will be shot, and uh, it's coming along well. You can go over to coffeetv20.com for information. I believe they're putting up our website here pretty quickly. Uh, I did get confirmation for those of you out of the San Francisco market that they will be putting the shows online. Mm-hmm. So if, you admit, you know, if you're not here, they will put their episodes in their entirety up on the website. So that's good. Because otherwise, you know, someone else is going to have to do it. We were going to have to pirate them, <laughs> you know, have our listeners host them somewhere. So it looks like you all will get to watch the show, which airs late April. I don't know. Uh, right now, I think the tentative date is uh, the last Saturday in April. Yeah. Uh, but I've also heard the Saturday before that. So I'm not giving mm. you a date yet till I know for sure. But exciting stuff. I'm real excited about it. I also think that we're going to set up a BYOB TV booth at the Martinez Craft Beer Festival, oh, really? which is up here, Martinez, on April 9th. Nice. So you can come out and meet some of the cast of the show mm-hmm. and learn a little bit about it, too. That'd be great. Yeah. I think the host is going to be there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what about the co-host? <laughs> Have him shower this time. <laughs> yeah, it's a good idea. Uh, anyway, still excited about that show, even though it's a big pain in the ass to do. Uh, coming up late <laughs> April. It really is. I didn't even know how much work we'd have to do on it. 
Yeah, I've been you doing. Know? I've been doing nothing but complain about it. That's right. Well, so have I. But then I realize you're doing more than I am. <laughs> so then I just don't tell you about it. Right. You know? It's a big pain in the ass. It really can't, is. Can't even having trouble even finding locations right now. And uh, well, it's amazing how much production work we've had to do. Yeah. And we have a production company, <laughs> but all they do is sh- and what have they take done? footage. They just shoot you on the can, you know, with the cameras. That's it. They just tell That's us what do. we haven't done. Yeah, they don't say, "Oh, I'm going to get that location for you." Don't worry. So not only that, you know, tell you, us. I thought rea- it's because it's reality TV. So I thought it'd be fairly simple. Uh, put a bunch of people together and stick cameras on them. They do silly things, and it's entertaining. But if you think about, it, we're we're really creating a game show because it's it's about it's kind of like Top Chef, and you have to find the best brewer, and they have to go through tasks. Right? What the hell do I know about creating a game show? About ta- yeah, it, brewing enough is is a task for you. You know, <laughs> yeah, just never brewing. Been. So coming up with the rules because what if you you know people are real sticklers, and if we get one of the rules wrong, right. Right. and somebody advances to the next episode by some screwed up rule that we made. Yeah. Excuse me, that was not fully connected to the bin, and I feel that in a real brewing situation, um, this would not pass, yet Team B did. (laughs) That's exactly right. Picked it. Yeah. And so, I'm losing sleep over these stupid rules sometimes. Yeah, well. I know, and you're keeping me up. I'm trying to sleep. (laughs) That being said... It's really still a lot of fun. Oh, it's great. Uh, and um, hopefully the show will reflect that. Otherwise, it's just going to reflect me and JP being miserable. <laughs> uh, all right. You can sign up for all these announcements and information about uh, our TV shows, our radio shows, any of the shows on uh, Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, just uh, facebook.com slash brewing network. You can get all our information over there. Does Anchor Brewing Company have a Facebook page? <laughs> we don't know. Yes, we, don't. Like we just make beer. We don't know. I mean, we don't. But then we might now. I, I could ask my kids. Yeah, they, yeah, know. they probably know, right? Yeah. Well, and that's what I was thinking. You know, Anchor has such a, a rich brewing history that I feel like Facebook is the last thing you guys should be worrying about. You know, yeah. you don't need it to sell beer. Uh, all right. Send your show ideas over to uh, Scott, uh, Scott the Jew, at scott at thebrewingnetwork.com. He will give you, uh, um, he will try to get your ideas on the air. Something else you can send to uh, scott at thebrewingnetwork.com. I got a lot of feedback about the painting you mentioned last week, uh, the beer painting that I did for you. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think Pusha Jack posted it to Facebook a couple months ago, so you can see a picture of it there. Sorry, Facebook. Yeah. Um, if you want one, I got a lot of feedback from people that said they like it and they want one. So I'm going to see what the market is out there if you're interested in having yourself a beer painting what is right this? i will make one for you just email me scott at the brewing network.com if uh if that's something that you want are you oh, in a related and gentlemen, note, welcome to pimp my artwork. shameless self-promotion i learned it from tasty um are you no, making p- some cozies uh, uh my <laughs> picture on it yep uh, if you'll email me at tasty at the brewing network.com i'll get you a catalog yep yeah. <laughs> Well, since we're doing it, I'm going to have headshots for sale in the studio, in the store. Um, it's me in a repose. I'm thinking. Uh, He's not joking. I'm not joking. Um, signed, autographed, we personalized. We'd be laying on a bearskin rug. No, no, no. This is way more. Think think uh, Tupac uh, in repose. Mm. Just thinking about stuff. Me a little praying thing. What are we, um, the home I'm, shopping I'm network? 20 bucks. Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Lit, that lady porn magazine. The Lady Porn Magazine. What magazine is that? I don't know, but she's a real good promoter. But he was naked on a bearskin rug. Really? Playgirl. Yeah, that. Playgirl Magazine. Lady Porn. I can see how you wouldn't like know that name at all. Ladies don't watch porn, Bebo. Yeah, they are porn. (laughs) 
Uh, all right. Objectify women. Chad, do you have anything to sell also? Uh, uh, no. no. Nothing coming I'm in the store? I'm opting out. You're opting out of selling anything. All right. Oh, okay. Everybody's got something for sale. Contact uh, Scott at thebrewingnetwork.com and JP at thebrewingnetwork.com if you would like his headshots. Uh, I'm sure they'll be in the studio, in the store, right? They will be available in the store soon. All right. Signed? Signed. Personalized. Who the hell wants a head? Trust me. They will. They're real good? Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> They're real good. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited to see them. Are you? Yeah. I'll give you one for free. I can have one? Yep. All right. Uh, you can go over to brewingnetwork.com slash a store, and uh, there's things and stuff in there. Books and yep. shirts and a um, whole new line of shirts coming out soon, by the way. Yeah. So, uh, stay tuned. Any with my face on them? Well, let's see how good this headshot comes right, out. We'll see. Yeah. I think uh, also Mitch Steele from Stone Brewing Company is going to stop by today, too. Oh, man. And, um, I think he's in the green room. Oh, he's already here? He's yep. going to have an all-star show today. Yeah, Mitch what is this? Like a, like a post-CBC you know, recap with uh, the best brewers in California or what? Yeah. It's really... I love it. We're like the CBC leftover is what we are. <laughs> There's no other events going on, finally, so people will come talk people to are us. Still, well, I, I am in town for another day, so yeah, sure, why not? Well, and we already found out that uh, that both you know Mark and Bruce didn't go to any events anyway, so they're well-rested <laughs> and just they're just in time for this. Yeah. That's not true. We attended. Oh. Uh, we attended some of the things. I was on a troubleshooting panel. That uh, oh. I don't think we solved anybody's problems. Though, but <laughs> but you had a good time. We did our best. Sounds right. like this show. <laughs> Have you been to other craft brewers conferences before? Yes. Uh, now I ask this because I was really amazed at the size of it this year. Thank you. Uh, uh, huge. Yeah. Huge. Uh, it, 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 that uh, uh, the Brewers Association. I mean, I, it, when I first started going to them, there were probably under a hundred people there. You know, wow. and, and then then there was a phase when they really got <clears throat> the craft brewers conferences got rolling. With, Eighty or ninety percent of the people attending were people who wanted to start breweries, uh, not brewers. Well, now you've got, you know, it's a vast majority brewers. It's really interesting. I've got I haven't been to um, to them for a little while, but it was really fun because I got to see so many old friends, you know, and right. It was, so it really was pretty cool. And that's one of the best parts, I think, is how many people attend, just so that you can see people you've met before, meet new brewers. It's I, it's I think a fourth one I've been to. I skipped Chicago last year, and just in that year that I've skipped, it feels like it doubled in size. the The trade show portion of it itself, the expo, was three different rooms on two floors of the hotel. Um, you know, and that's different breweries and kegging equipment, and you name it. Uh, and when you walked in the lobby of the Hilton, was just jam packed. It yeah. was really was yeah. amazing the number of people. I often wonder about the staff of these hotels, seeing all these brewers come in that are just nothing but beer walking by all day and night. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't think anybody's out of control, but just nothing but beer. <laughs> I, they've got to like it better than the doctor's conventions. <laughs> yes, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because on those, there's nothing but Vicodin walking by all right. day, all night. Yeah. You can't tell. All right, we need to do a, a couple quick interviews with our uh, AHA Governing Committee nominees, people who are running for the uh, American Homebrewers Association Governing Committee, which I'm a part of uh, for the next couple years. We talked to four different ones last week, so I encourage you to listen to those and listen today so that you can go make an educated vote over at homebrewersassociation.org. Right now, we have Ron Price on the line. Ron, are you with us? Yes. Thanks for taking the time to be with us today. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about your home brewing history so we can get to know you, Ron. 
Sure. Uh, my interest in home brewing uh, began about, I would say, 20 years ago. Uh, uh, my first batch was uh, a batch of John Bull English Bitter Extract Kit. Um, from there, the rest was history. <laughs> uh, eventually moved into all-grain brewing. Uh, of course, now I brew with a, a single-tier Brutus 10 uh, uh, brew stand and... Uh, you know, I've actually been first enjoyed craft beer back in the gosh in the mid '80s when you know Sam Adams was was Anchor Brewing. Yeah, and you know just really got into it from that point on. And of course, you know today, my gosh, the, the examples are are unlimited. But yeah, yeah. That's the same way I got into uh, homebrewing too. Obviously, I just I was I was a self proclaimed beer snob with craft beer. And then it sounds like similar to you. I made my first extract kit, and the rest was history. I just I fell in love with it instantly. So exactly. I, and you're from Delaware. Do I have that right, Ron? Yes, yeah, that's correct. Okay, you can hear it. Home of <laughs> dogfish head. Home of dogfish. <laughs> dogfish. <right. laughs> Great beer coming out of there too. Calcione, yeah. Yeah, I think we have a short interview with him later from the Craft Brewers Conference too. And uh, cool. All Easy, right. B, though. It's not a picture. It's an interview. So tell us why you'd like to be a part of the governing committee. Well, uh, a lot of reasons. Uh, I've seen the effects uh, the, of the AHA's work on you know, a variety of government affairs-related activities, uh, like the effects, you know, efforts to help legalize homebrew in states where you know, it's not yet legal. Those are encouraging. Uh, you know, addressing issues that uh, directly affect homebrewers, like Transportation, um, you know, to, of homebrew to competitions and events. Um, I'd like to work, you know, towards these efforts in a renewed way. Um, I'd also, you know, being from the East Coast, I'd like to bring some East Coast representation to the uh, committee. Nice. Um, I was looking at the uh, at all the members where you know they're you know, they're all from the you know, Midwest and, and West Coast. We don't have anybody from the East Coast, so. You know, I'd, I'd be a proud member to, to serve, you know, for our East Coast uh, homebrew friends. I think that's an excellent point. We've especially got a bunch of people from the West Coast. Um, and uh, then, like you say, certainly uh, from the middle of the country, too. So we do need a little East Coast rep in there. I think you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, now, uh, how long have you been a member of the Homebrewers Association? Oh, I've been a member for, gosh, when did I join? Probably about six, seven, eight, I'm thinking 2004, 2005 time frame is when I actually got my first membership. Okay. It's quite a lot longer than me. I just signed up so I could run for the governing committee, let's be honest. <laughs> it was $38. Did you win? <laughs> I did win. Yeah. Oh, I would hey, ask, congratulations. If man. I didn't make it to the committee, I probably would have asked for a refund. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> I, I get Zymergy Magazine. I love it. Uh, so, are, Now, are you a competition brewer, Ron? Do you like entering comps as well? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes, I, I enter the uh, NHC. I've been doing that for several years. As a matter of fact, last year I, uh, I won a, sec- a silver medal in uh, Category 8 ESB. Nice work. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, I enter, entered again this year. I got, you know, half a dozen entries this year. Um, uh, you know, here in Delaware, 
we're organizing the first ever AHA BJCP sponsored homebrew competition. Nice. It's, uh, it's dubbed the Battle of the Brews. It's it's on the website. You can uh, Dan Woodall and myself are working with the Delaware State Fair to get that going. It's all scheduled for July twenty third. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Great. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty very active in the lo- you know in the local scene. Uh, member of the Delmarva United Homebrewers, and we meet at uh, Sam Calgione's uh, Brew Pub down at Rehoboth uh, Dogfish Head Brew Pub. Very nice. Once a month. Yeah, and also 10 meetings for like the First State Homebrewers, the Buzz Club, which is uh, David Hausman's uh, club, the Brewers United for Zanies Eye Merging. So okay. try to stay active and compete in local competitions uh, within those clubs as well as national competitions as much as I can. Fantastic. But, you know, so you're already so, very involved in, in different organizations anyway. This isn't a big stretch for you to get onto the governing committee. Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I, I think it's right in line. It's, uh, it's just it's stepping up my effort more towards, uh, you know, the national, uh, you know, scale, but in efforts to help all of us collectively. You know, um, I, I'd really like to see the NHC come to the back to the East Coast again. You know, I know that uh, there's members from a local club here that are working uh, vigilantly to get that going. Uh, um, you know, I'd like to see that happen next year or the following year. So if I'm elected, I'll, I'll work with the committee on and, and the organization to get that going. Fantastic. Ron Price, East Coast rep running for the governing committee. You can go to homebrewersassociation.org and uh, click on the membership tab there, and you'll see where you can go to vote. And uh, there are seven different nominees. We've talked to all of them. We've got a couple more coming on today. And uh, go there and vote. If you're an AHA member, which you have to be to vote, I encourage you to get involved because the committee is really uh, the, those who, who represent you. Uh, the AHA runs by their, you know, some of their decisions and their policies, runs it by the committee to get input on what we think the membership would really want. So, so we truly are your elected officials that try our best to speak for you. And Ron Price is trying to do uh, just that. So go vote for him there. Thanks for if there's unless there's anything else, Ron. I appreciate you taking time with us. No, thank you very much. All right, I really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Good luck to you. All right. Thanks, Justin. Okay. Ron Price, another one running, and we're going to be talking to Jamil tonight, and also Bob Kaufman. We're going to get Bob Kaufman on the phone right now. And then uh, I think I'll get Jamil on Skype. You've all heard from Jamil. I don't even know why we're. Yeah. Why are we talking to Jamil again? I don't know. What's he going to say? He's going to promote his new book or something. <clears throat> He's probably not going to say anything, knowing him. He'll probably talk about his new brewery. <laughs> I know he did have a busy week at the Craft Brewers Conference. He was in here doing uh, three different Brew Strong shows today. Yes, he was. And right. he looked terrible, let's face uh, it. He sounded terrible. He had a real face for radio today. Yeah. He's a fun guy to follow around. At yeah. the expo, I mean, he went and talked to every vendor that he wanted to talk to about, you know, bottles and whatever was going on. Really? You know, as a startup brewery. Yeah. It was great. Just hearing the oh. questions he has. He's focused. Yeah. So, Made yeah. some great connections, and uh, he's, yeah, he's really yeah. laying the groundwork, so. I heard he almost kicked some homeless guy's ass, too. He did. What? That was pretty yeah. funny. Really? Well, you know, you have a few street comedians in uh, San Francisco, so we're... Basically, street, we went and drank. Yeah. That's a real nice way to say uh, it. Homeless. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, no, we, uh, we went and drank our lunch at Toronado and uh, couldn't find a cab back to the hotel to get back for Vinny's um, sour speech with John from uh, Gentione. And yeah. so we're walking back, trying to find a cab, can't find one. 
And we walked all the way back to the hotel. Well, on the way, this guy stopped us and goes, hey, I got a joke for you. So Jamil just goes, all right, give it to me, guy. Give it to me. You know? And he just wasn't quick enough, and uh, it was just a really bad joke. And his punchline was, hey, you guys are going to get a cab. Jamil was like a little, you know, about 100 feet ahead of me, turns straight around and comes up to the guy and goes, hey, if you're going to do jokes and you want some money, you got to be quicker, buddy. <laughs> but, wow. I mean, he just walked back angry like he was really mad at this guy for wasting his time. <laughs> Pretty funny. Jamil's important time. Yeah. You gotta come to a high standard. I gotta say, I mean, there there are some pretty good street performers. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah, they're quick yeah. and you're like, wow, you know, that was worth it. Here's you know, whatever. But he didn't do it. Oh man. Jamil traded me the exact same way. Does he think I'm homeless? <laughs> he mm. probably does. You kinda look a little shabby. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you've been hanging out here too much. I know. Uh I love Jamil. I wish I was I, next year I'm just gonna follow him around. Yeah. I'm gonna do that. All right, Bob Kaufman uh, from Colorado actually should be on the line right now. Bob, you with us? I'm here. Hey, thanks for taking the time to be here, Bob. Uh, Thanks for asking me. I appreciate it. Now, Bob's on the governing committee with me now, and he's running for what what term will this be for you? This is my will be my second term. Second, if I get re, get elected, yeah, right, of course, okay. I think we discussed this last time. We're allowed to do. Something like three terms before we have to take a hiatus for a year or so. That's correct. So, okay. So, Bob, tell us a little bit about your homebrewing history so our listeners can get to know you. Well, I've been homebrewing since um, 1989. Uh, joined the AHA in 92 and uh, been a member ever since. Went to the first uh, homebrew conference in De- here in Denver in 1994. And uh, missed the next one when we moved into our present location. Uh, one of the reasons we moved was to have a better place to homebrew. It's <laughs> a good reason to move. It's <laughs> a damn good reason. <laughs> it, it was a real good reason, yeah. yeah. And and, uh, and <clears throat> but I haven't missed a homebrew conference since. Not a boy. Yeah, and uh, you're dedicated. Well, or you know crazy or uh, <laughs> right <laughs> now you're also a competition brewer right because i think you've won quite a few awards uh i don't do it as much as i used to but yeah um i won a couple of best of shows and won a medal at the nationals and uh, a couple of club onlys those are hard to win so i'm pretty proud of that yeah absolutely <laughs> they were uh it's kind of funny they were exactly 10 years apart so <laughs> once, nice. once every 10 years whether I need it or not I, I <laughs> right you come through yeah that's all you need Bob once every 10 <laughs> years that's you know you're, that's not resting yeah. on your laurels no. that, that's that's an anniversary you gotta show all the, all the young punks how it's done right yeah I just, you know just remind everybody I'm still around you know? <laughs> now Bob is it true that uh, you have your own walk-in beer cooler at home that is correct <laughs> now that's a hardcore home brewer right there <laughs> Yeah, we, it's, go ahead. It's um, six by nineteen as well. So. Wow! <laughs> nice. What is it like? You're not talking inches, right? <laughs> they actually turned their master bedroom into the walk-in <laughs> cooler. <laughs> Bob and his wife sleep in the garage. <laughs> yeah. uh, wow! Now, are we talking about a, like a real a professional walk-in cooler or something you built? Um, well, I didn't build it. I don't have those kind of skills. I painted it. Okay, that's good enough. I call that <laughs> but, building it. Okay. Yeah. I um, I told I told our buddy uh, what we what we wanted, and he built it for me. Does that count for anything? No, that counts for a lot. That's, uh, okay. Wow. 
And now, how is this like a beer cellar for you, or do you just homebrew that often right now that you need an entire you know walk-in refrigerator? Um, it's um, a collection of homebrew and uh, commercial beers. We have uh, oh, various um, like we have a collection of Anchor Christmas Ale going back to '93, and uh, some old barley wines, and just you know, it, you. Come up with a couple of beers here and there, and next thing you know, you got forty or fifty cases of beer. You have a walk-in cooler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Before you know it, you just build a cooler around the pile in your living room. <laughs> is what happens. Yeah. <laughs> now, did you say you have Anchor Christmas back from '93? Yeah, that's not a bad collection, Mark. Oh, no, this guy's got real taste. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's. Uh, I had a, a guy come over to. Uh, grab some. I had some more bottles than I needed. And he needed some some bombers, so I invited him to come over and we. I showed him the cooler and pulled out a, uh, one from 2001, and uh, we popped it open. He he was pretty impressed. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> and it was pretty pretty darn tasty too. It was. See, this is the problem around here: is that often people will gift us some pretty nice and rare beers. But we don't have enough space to age them properly, so we can't hang on to them. We just drink them before they go bad. Plus, we're real thirsty. Right. Uh, yeah, well, uh, my theory on, uh, on building a beer collection is having more beer around than you could possibly drink. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's and about the you, best way to do it. Yeah, and then you, you sort of lose track of stuff. Right. And, and then when you find it, you go, hey, let's try this. Yeah. <laughs> just like that. Hey. Chad, this might be our next step. Rather than the 35 refrigerators we have laying around this house, we might as well just build one room. Yeah. You know, Schumann's Let's make the studio out. Schumann's into a moving out. Maybe we should turn Schumann's spare room there into a walk-in. That would be sweet. Yeah, that would be, <laughs> do it, do it <laughs> before he moves out. What the hell? <laughs> he doesn't care. He Put the rent up a third and go for uh, it. Bunch of fermenters in there and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's do it. It'll feel off. Just put a couple brake tanks in there and just serve from that. Yeah, yeah. Just, I think you guys are on to something. See, Bob knows. <laughs> I'm changing. Whoever I was going to vote for before, I'm switching it to Bob, just yeah. because he's got my dream walk-in cooler. Well, you, you do have a vote not to waste, because you, you're not running. That's true. Yeah. So, so I have to vote for myself this time. Right, right. That's a free vote. <laughs> so, Bob, tell us, uh, you know, obviously you're on the committee now, and, and you'd like to run again. Tell us what you like about it and why you're interested in staying on it. Well, I um, a long time ago I started volunteering to uh, help with uh, our our barley and the other stuff, and and then uh, get involved with the the AHA. I was a uh, competition uh, director in the Denver region for three years, and uh, I figured that if uh, if I was unhappy about something that was getting done or not getting done, that I had no business complaining unless I was trying to help get things done. Good point. Or change things. Yeah. So, um, so I've been involved uh, pretty much ever since. And, uh, and pretty soon uh, I started getting asked to do stuff because they knew I w- was uh, not smart enough to say no. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I got to figure that out myself, Bob. Yeah, so, yeah. but um, no, seriously, it's uh, as you guys know, the homebrewers are the greatest uh, bunch of people around, and and uh, anytime you can spend more time with your 
um, buddies uh, who share a common interest in great beer, it's uh, it's time well spent. Agreed, one hundred percent. Well said, Bob. All right, you can, you can vote for Bob Kaufman, uh, homebrewersassociation.org. Click on the Members tab. There's a little profile of everybody that we've spoken to, and you can read a little bit more about them, and you can cast your vote there if you are a member of the AHA. I can vouch uh, that, that Bob's input on the, on the Governing Committee is very valuable. I always enjoy uh, hearing what he has to say uh, when we talk about different things. So, uh, Thank you. would love to have you on with us for another three years, Bob. It'd be great. Great. I appreciate it. It's uh, it's. Very humbling to uh, be a, one of twelve on that committee. As you know, it's uh, there's an awful lot of homebrewers, an awful lot of members of AHA, and to to be uh, one of the representatives is, uh, is a great honor. Absolutely, and there's a lot of pressure because homebrewers take their beer pretty seriously. So we got to do the right thing in there. That's right. <laughs> but it is fun, and I agree, it's a great honor. So uh, if, you liked, if you'd like to vote for Bob, go to homebrewersassociation.org, click on the uh, membership tab, and you'll be able to do that. Thanks for spending time with us today, Bob. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for asking me. Okay. Talk to you soon. Later, Bob. Later. The great Bob Kaufman. I love that guy. He's, He's just really nice. Yeah. He's a good dude. Yeah. He's one of those prime examples of, of how great homebrewers are and what nice people they can be. Bob's just one of those guys. Right. Yeah. Um, which makes it hard for me to make fun of him. I like to make fun of everybody, but he's too right. nice. Well, you should be more, um, you know, comfortable with yourself then instead of lashing out. I'm right. nice, and you make fun of me. Shut up, Pivo. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> right. All right. I think I have our final uh, AHA candidate on the line right now. Um, you may have heard of Mr. Jamil Zanishev. No. Hey, Jay Z. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, I'm a prime example of the exact opposite of Bob. <laughs> yeah, you're easy to make fun of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now, Jamil, this is your third term, right? Yes. That you'll be running for. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You sound real happy about it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> is somebody holding a gun to your head to run again, Jamil? That's what I want to know. Well, um, uh, yes and no. Uh, you know, Harold Gabranson is, is also running, and uh, yeah. I told him, you know, Harold, you need to be on the governing committee. Harold's tremendous he's he's done a huge amount already in just the uh, three years he's been on and it would be wonderful to get him on again and uh so he says well i'll run if you run i'm uh, like uh okay <laughs> so I mean, you're his running mate I'm, yeah I'm, I'm still you know i'm i'm very committed to uh the aha and the membership of the aha especially i think that you know in the last six years huge changes have come about in the AHA and the way the AHA works and the things that they're doing for the members and just the focus and it's been fantastic and um, I'd like to think I had some influence on that but uh, maybe maybe not as much as I think but uh, you know and, and I think it's worth doing it's it's work it really is work I mean you've been on uh, now and and you know what it's like it's um, yeah is it work? Yeah, there's there's a lot to it, and for those um, that work, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is hard. Yeah. like to work. Like Jake works really hard. Jamil works really hard. How many people are on there? There's twelve. There are eleven people on the committee that work really hard. Yeah, <laughs> and one coattail rider. <laughs> yes, yeah. but uh, but it's worth it because I think if the HA serves the needs of the members and the membership and and really does right by them, 
the AHA will just get stronger, and a strong AHA and a strong membership really helps homebrewing, and homebrewing really helps the craft beer movement, and that really helps all of us have you know better beer. I think it's all tied together, and I think if we all work together and we all you know look out for one another, I think um, you know just everything in general, is, uh, the tide's going to keep rising, and, and we're all going to do better. You know, homebrew shops will do better. You know. Uh, beer radio shows, beer video shows, um, you know, just the home brewer wants to do something all by himself and not be part of anything, that person's gonna, gonna do better and have more, you know, access to supplies and information. So, um, you know, but that takes work and we have to be willing to do that. So, uh, I'm willing to, to step up for another three years, sure. Um, and yeah. then I'll have an excuse for not running, uh, after this three-year tenure, well, I should get elected. What I was going to say is, you'll have to graduate then to the uh, the Brewers Association board because you will you'll you'll own your own brewery by then, Jamil, and, right. and you'll right. you'll have to represent. You'll, you're just going to graduate. So no matter how tr- how much I try and get back out, they they keep sucking sucking me back they in. Keep sucking you back in. That's absolutely right. And let uh, me do this because I've I've given a, a brief statement about each of the candidates that I know that I have worked with on the committee, and I do have something significant to say about Jamil's role and his input on the committee. Uh, and I mean this, uh, you know, sometimes uh, committees can be very diplomatic and 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 don't like to to step on anybody's toes, et cetera. And there are some controversial issues that come up. And what I really respect about Jamil is his straightforward approach to to answering questions and giving his opinion about what he thinks is the best for the members of the the AHA. Um, when when sometimes we can, like I say, try to be diplomatic. Jamil's not afraid to get in there and say, "Well, are you really thinking about the brewer right now?" and and just give a straight answer, whether it uh, whether we like him for it or not. Uh, because let's face it, some opinions can be difficult to give, and they're always valuable. Um, and he does a very good job of doing that. So that is my testimony for Jamil that I think he he has a really strong ability to cut through the bullshit and give a clear answer that is almost always very very useful uh, for the for the committee. So that's my Jamil endorsement. That's a good endorsement. Well, thank, Take it. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think some people would say that uh, I just don't care what anybody else uh, <laughs> thinks of me. Right. So I just say what That's I obvious. don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, hence the sweatpants everywhere. <laughs> well, I, I think it takes a certain amount of comfort in your own skin to to give your opinion, no matter what else other people are saying. But what I'm also saying, I, I don't, I'm not saying that you're a real asshole. I'm saying that I your am. opinion is pretty valuable and, and, and that you'll give it uh, when it's needed. So that's what I mean. Well, there is, I mean, there is a, a tendency in, in groups who are trying to work together and everyone wants to be politically correct to not step on anyone's toes. And I think Jamil knows, hey, everyone knows me well enough to know that I'm not being personal right now. I'm just giving you an opinion on this. Right. right. Yeah, I like that. That's my Jay-Z. Yep. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Anything else, Jamil? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. Well, I wish you could have stayed today. We, uh, I'd love for you to help us interview. We've, yeah. we've got Anchor Brewing Company in here today, and I'm yeah. uh, looking forward to some great beer information. So I know you had a busy week. It's too bad you couldn't stick around. Yeah, I, you know, I really wanted to, and then on the drive back home, I nearly fell asleep a couple of times. Oh, <laughs> like ouch. I just barely made it. Drive into the Delta. Oh, uh, You're falling yeah. asleep by, by noon here, man. <laughs> yeah. You mean, what do you mean driving home? During one of the shows, you fell asleep. Yeah. Yeah, well, nobody noticed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Palmer picked it up. Yeah. Dude, fine. <laughs> All right, Jay-Z. Thanks, man. Cool.
Take care, brother. All right. You too. You can go to homebirdsassociation.org and vote for Jamil. Read his bio there. If you don't know who he is, uh, you know, listen to any of his shows here on the Brewing Network. He does Brew Strong and Can You Brew It? And uh, just a good dude. He really does a lot for home brewing. Um, and I, I think he's a, one of our best assets on the committee. So uh, vote for Jay-Z if you're so inclined. He puts the ass in asset. <laughs> yes, he really does. All right. I want to get to the good stuff with Anchor. So we're going to take yes. a quick break. We're going to take care of a couple sponsors here. We're going to refill our glasses. It looks like our guests might need a beer, too. Uh, we've got Mitch Steele from Stone coming on with us a bit later. He'll be hanging out. And um, we're talking to the Anchor guys. 888-401-BEER is the phone number if you've got questions for them. Or just hit the chat now button on the homepage and join Bevo in the chat room. She'll get those questions over to us. Hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. In February, more beer slashed prices on ingredients. They lowered your cost for yeast, hops, and malt extract. They got so much positive feedback, they decided to keep going. This month, they are slashing prices on some of their most popular pieces of hardware. You'll find new lower prices on carbonation stones, sanitary air filters, weldless fittings, stainless steel ball valves, stainless mash paddles, the firm wrap heater, and their very popular stainless steel quick disconnects, which they designed and manufactured specifically for home brewers. They consider it further proof that when you combine more beers, low prices, with free shipping over 59 bucks, more beer is committed to bringing you the best value in home brewing. Now get more than ever from your brewing budget at More Beer. Morebeer.com. Nico, listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months and then, to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines, so I'm the professional. <clears throat> Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew Free or Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in the can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your home brew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. 
Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read your way to better homebrew. I love beer. I'm a brewer. I brew it. I drink it. It's in my blood, really. I'm that guy that pours malt extract on his pancakes. I wish I could just put a good brew in my pocket and take it with me. Now you can. Hey, brewers and beer lovers. Why not eat the energy bar invented by a home brewer using the same ingredients in your brew? Introducing Brew Bar Energy Bars, spelled B-R-U-B-A-R. Malt, oats, vanilla, nuts, cinnamon, coconut. You've put them in your beer, and you'll find them in your Brew Bar Energy Bar. All natural, made with simple ingredients chosen for the highest quality. They're new, different, and have a rich malty flavor and smooth, moist texture, just like a fine craft brew. You can find Brew Bar Energy Bars at BrewBar.com or find a retailer near you. And if you are a retailer, you should contact them and find out how you can sell Brew Bar Energy Bars. Check them out at BrewBar.com. That's B-R-U-B-A-R.com. And follow them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BrewBar. Remember, it's in your Brew Bar Energy Bar because it's in your brew. This Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to The Brewing Network. The Brewing Network. Saving your life. One beer at a time. Welcome back to the program. We are hanging out here with the Anchor Guys. Uh, we've got Mark Carpenter, the, the brewmaster, and Bruce Joseph, another brewer, and Mike Lee, the head brewer here. Uh, and Mitch Steele from Stone just joined us. We always like it when you come hang out with us too, Mitch. Yeah, I like to come out anytime I can, you know, when I'm in the neighborhood. Yeah, this is like this is an all-star cast now that, you, that you're here as well. we got uh, some some great brewing minds. Bruce was just was just mentioning at the break here that it seems like we have over a hundred years of brewing knowledge combined in this room right now, and I've got like four months <laughs> to add to that. Well, I'm in esteemed company. I'm, I feel honored to be here. <laughs> I didn't say knowledge. I said we've worked in a brewery for a hundred years, all told, but combined. Uh, so yeah. just experience that. You really could have been sweeping the floor half that time. I don't know. Well, that's the life of a brewer, you know. Right. If you're not exactly. sweeping the floor, you're not a brewer. <laughs> it's not all beer fest and. Uh, Right. Celebrity. Now, Mark, how long have you been with Anchor Brewing Company? I just started in 1971 with Fritz. I, okay. uh, I, it was really a lucky break. I was looking for a change in my life. You know, the, I'd just gone through the 60s in San Francisco where there was a lot going on. It was a wonderful time to be in San Francisco, by the way. Okay. And a lot of people were changing lifestyles, and and I was looking for something uh, a little more fun for me. and. And I find, found Anchor Brewing Company, and, and fortunately, Fritz hired me. And had you had brewing experience prior to that? Uh, only from the drinking end. <laughs> I've, 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 I've always been a beer drinker since I could drink. If I was ever in a town that had a brewery, I was there on a tour. I just always had, I love breweries, and uh, that's what actually got me to the to the Anchor for the first time, was just to take a tour. Okay. So when you say kind of a change in life, do we mean going from dirty hippie to guy with a job? No, I no. was I was uh, uh, I had been working for the telephone telephone company from high school uh, when I graduated from high school, and 
and uh, I'd worked my way up, and I was doing okay, but it wasn't very interesting, you know. And okay. So, uh, yeah, I was looking for something a little more interesting. And you've never looked back, because you've been with Anchor that whole time. That's correct. In fact, when I went there, I thought this would be a wonderful job to have while I figure out what I'm going to do with my life. So okay. I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> right. You're doing a great job, I think, yeah. so far. And uh, we also were just kind of talking at the break that you've spent uh, uh, all these years, uh, you've shot straight to the top now as as brewmaster, uh, now that Fritz is yeah, no longer with the company. Yeah, it's only 40 years, right to the top. Right. But uh, you couldn't have a better environment for learning how to brew, and I think Bruce and Mike would back me up on that. We we really, Fritz was so inclusive of everyone who worked there, um, and uh, he loved having a small brewery where he knew everybody was kind of a single shift, five-day-a-week operation, you know. And, uh, uh, and uh, in fact, at the CBC, he mentioned uh, uh, in his talk that uh, when he retired, people in the brewery came up to him and said, uh, thanks so much for the great job. And he said, listen, I've had a great job, too. Right. It really, it really was a cool environment, and he encouraged all of us to, to keep it a cool environment. Now that's It's so unheard of, uh, rare, I should say, in a lot of people's lives to have a job not only that they keep for so long, but that they enjoy for so long. Yeah, it really has been good. We have new ownership now. And uh, these guys, they're two owners, uh, Tony Folio and Keith Greger. They seem to be on the same page. They're they're really pretty cool guys. They're both local guys, and uh, so uh, we have high hopes. And they they want to sell more beer, okay. and uh, and that's great because when you're growing, there's opportunity for the guys that, uh, to move up. Okay. When uh, when you're not growing, then you know people get stuck in in jobs that are fun jobs, but everybody wants to move ahead. You know. Sure. So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity at the brewery coming up and. And so I've only heard, you know, tidbits of, of information and, and some true, some probably not true. But but in terms of growth, yeah, I think I think one thing that that I had always heard was was that Fritz really wasn't interested in too much more growth because he felt the beer was great at the capacity you were at. And that's where he wanted to keep it. Is is that true or? Yeah. Fritz, uh, the best answer I've heard to that, he would he would be he was often asked, you know, was it a hobby or was it a business? And uh, uh, the best answer I, I heard Fritz give on that was he said, look, I would never do anything just for fun, and I would never do anything just for money. Okay, and It had to be fun, and he had to make money. And he wanted to have a profitable brewery. Okay. And he did. He did very well. And uh, uh, so as long as he was having fun and it was profitable, uh, I mean, there were so many projects that we did there that we started that never went anywhere, and, and many that did go somewhere. I mean, sure. if, if you look up our lineup of beers, I mean, there's boy, there's so many firsts of their varieties uh, in America there or in the world, really. Yeah, uh, that uh, um, that he he really did. He he just had a wonderful mind for for uh, exploring and researching, and it's such a clear vision, long term vision of where he wanted to go. And he came into the at that time uh, essentially a failing brewery when he stepped in. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Fritz was a student at Stanford, and he, uh, he was living at San Francisco at that time. and And uh, one of the places that he liked to hang out was a, uh, a restaurant in North Beach called the Old Spaghetti Factory, just a very inexpensive, fun place. Uh, but it was owned by a guy named Fred Koo, who was actually moved to San Francisco from Chicago, and um, he fell in love with San Francisco, and, and uh, he fell in love with Anchor Steam Beer because 
it was a San Francisco brewery, this little San Francisco brewery. And Anchor Steam was the only draft beer that Fred Koo ever had on tap at his at his restaurant. Okay. And uh, uh, so Fritz used to hang out there and drink steam beer. And uh, there came a day when Fred said to him, look, uh, you know, the Anchor Brewing Company is going out of business, and you ought to go check it out. You know, not... Not, I don't think he intended to Fritz for buy to buy it or not, but uh, he, he thought he should go look at it because it was a real part of California history and it was soon going to be gone. Okay, and Fritz did go look at it, and like uh, the rest of us, you visit a brewery. I mean, it's hard not to fall in love, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now it, it's obviously grown up quite a bit since then, and now it is just this world-renowned um, brewery. That, that you guys have been a part of for, for so long. I mean, your, your beer is now a San Francisco staple, obviously, and it's available around the country. So just kudos to a job well done over those years as well. Well, thank you. Uh, for all of you. Um, so Bruce uh, Joseph is also here. And how long have you been with the company? Um, 30 years. 30 years. Okay. You know, back east we say never trust a guy with two first names. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard that before. But apparently Fritz didn't believe in that. Well, you say it with more of an Italian accent, I think. Yeah, that's, yeah. you do. You have to do that. <laughs> that's why I moved to the West Coast. <laughs> Smart move. Yeah. Uh, what did you come on as when you came to the brewery? Um, yeah, like most of us, entry level, working on the bottling line. Okay. And, you know, I always tell people about how I was hired. I knew someone who worked at Anchor, and I thought, same as Mark, I thought it would be an interesting thing to do, and, and I was... I was out of school and i had a a job that was not very interesting i was a a proofreader at a um a big accounting firm that sounds great hang on i just fell fell asleep as you were telling me your job description (laughs) how could you leave that (laughs) and and i i the guy i knew who was working at anchor was getting ready to leave and um he brought me in one morning and i was on my way um, to my other job, so I had you know my little clip-on tie-on or whatever the hell I had to wear, and <laughs> right, classy. <laughs> Mark came in to interview me at at the bar in the tap room, and he came in. And he didn't even take his uh, you know his ear protection off, and he said. Um, a malt truck just pulled up. Can you start today? And I said, no. And he said, okay, fine. See you next week. And he left. And that was my interview. Wow. That's <laughs> great. So, um, so I don't think my last name had anything no. uh, to do with <laughs> holding me back or anything. You know, I was in. Did he just look like a brewer at that point? I've always been a great judge of character. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's great. It's it's interesting to hear you guys come into the brewing world for me like this because you know most of, being that we're a homebrew and craft beer oriented show, most of the craft brewers in this country, the breweries are are so much younger that almost always the history has something to do with homebrewing and then moving on to to a brewery. But you guys just started at a time when it doesn't sound like you were homebrewing or anything. You didn't know anything about beer except that you like to drink it. But nobody was homebrewing. Oh, sorry. There you go. Try that again. Nobody was homebrewing back when I started. I started in 1977. Okay. And we were kind of like the biggest homebrewers back then. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. You guys were homebrewing just at a big building. Okay. I started um, because a friend of mine who I grew up with was working there, and he said, there there may be an opening at the brewery. And uh, unlike Bruce, I was coming off my second best job that I've ever had. Okay. A paper route. (laughs) 
Oh, oh. great. <laughs> right. Also loving life. It was a terrific job. Adult paper, and I drove a car. Okay. It took me 45 minutes a day. I could do it anywhere from 3 o'clock in the afternoon to 7 o'clock at night. I was having a great time. Yeah, that's so a good I, gig. I wasn't really a beer geek, but when I heard about it, I thought, that could be pretty cool. Yeah. And it and it it was. You know, I, <laughs> At that time, we thought we were probably the smallest brewery in the world. We knew we were the smallest in America. Okay. And it just seemed... Like a really cool place to be. Sure. And uh, um, it was a funky old brewery where I started. It's not the one where we are now. That's a question I had for you guys a bit later when we talk about the brewery itself, as I'm sure it's evolved quite a bit. My first job was stapling six-packs. Really? uh, Evidently, we had gotten some six-packs that weren't properly put together. And my first job was to staple them with an old blue swing line staplers. We had like five or six of them lined up. And we had duct tape on our fingers so we wouldn't get blisters. <laughs> <laughs> this was all OSHA approved, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a terrific job, right? but I really liked it. I liked the people, and I liked the idea of being at a very small brewery. So who the hell did know about brewing at this time when you guys all started? Yeah. Fritz. Just Fritz. Fritz. <laughs> Fritz. Fritz okay. when he bought the brewery, he, uh, uh, you know, he really had a... a, a kind of a self-taught science background and the first thing he did was build a little lab in the brewery and and as he often described it he built the quality out from that lab smart and and um, he, he bought the uh, all his brewing books and he he really learned about brewing and went ahead from there and then when when, he, when we came on uh we were all sent to various brewing schools around the country and and packaging schools and and uh but it was a perfect learning environment because in the very early days we had a 57-barrel brew size, and we did about 1,000 barrels uh, a year when I started. Well, if you figure that, you're brewing like once a month. Right. So so if you brewed, you all brewed. If you bottled, you all bottled. If you moved beer to the cellar, you, you all did that. So it was. It truly was uh, uh, an unbelievable environment to learn about brewing. I bet, and plenty of time to do it. Exactly. If, if you're not. Uh, so, so when does that change? That that you're actually. It sounds to me like there was maybe a period of time where you weren't selling enough beer to stay in business. That's correct. In fact, that's why when I mentioned Fritz's uh, long vision, you know, he bought the brewery in in 1965. And um, he didn't turn his first profit until 1974. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's a huge amount of time. Yeah. And and uh, I asked him once years and years ago, I said, you know, Fritz, I said, I was really curious how he just uh, kept himself going. I realized that he may have had uh, the money to do it, but, but how do you get out of bed every day knowing you're not making money in such a long period of time? And the only answer he gave me is, well, I wasn't losing much money, you know. I see. He just had a very clear vision of where he wanted to go, and he could see it step by step, you know. Uh, so many people uh, would have tried to take shortcuts. and Yeah. In fact, I could tell one story I, that I think is uh, really indicative of Fritz. Uh, once we started bottling in uh, 1971, the um, uh, San Francisco Municipal Railroad, the, the cable car people, came to Fritz and he said, they said, look, you got this old beer from San Francisco. We want to have your ads on our cable car. And he said, oh, thank you very much. He said, but look, we're a tiny little brewery. There's no way I can afford these ads, and so no thank you. And and um, a little while later, they called him back. And he said, look, we really want your ads. We'll we'll give you a very good price on this. He said, oh, look, he says, we're a small brewery. I really can't afford this. And they, a little while later, they called back. We'll give you this thing for free. You know, we want your <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Yeah. And, and he said, and he said, uh, 
you know, thank you very much, but look, I'm not ready for that. The, it, if, one, if it was successful, the ads, and, uh, and I couldn't keep up demand. You right. Know? And how many of us would have passed up those kinds of opportunities? You not know? But, one of us. Yeah. That is a unique vision. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's right. Yeah. I, I think it's a smart outlook on things. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're also right to ask how, how you get up every day and do that, even if you're not losing much, because probably his, his, uh, his peers, other businessmen, other entrepreneurs around him, all uh, moving, you know, his Stanford fellow graduates, right, moving on to other bigger successful businesses, and, and he's hanging on to that, yeah. to that brewery. He yeah. probably caught a lot of shit. Yeah. You yeah. know. That's and in, tough. Those, in those days, the other breweries in San Francisco were um, Lucky Lager. Uh, Burgermeister and Hams, okay, all huge breweries, and we used to ask them for help now and then on various items, that, and we would go over there, and they loved to have us come by because they would kind of laugh at us, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> but you look back, I mean, they're all gone, boy, they're yeah. all gone. And, yeah, who's and laughing now? Who's Hams? laughing now? <laughs> it's a it's a completely changed scene. Yeah, I can imagine. And uh, and Fritz really did change that whole landscape right uh, with anchor brewing company so now did you say mike a thousand barrel system did, did i hear that right when you started there uh, uh, no thousand you were doing not that's silly i, I mean thousand barrel system but uh you were do, only doing a 50 barrel system to start yeah 57 barrels to start okay and yeah. how and and how many barrels is it now i just kind of want to get this picture of yeah it. the brew house now is a 125 barrel kettle and and we'll do about five brews a day. Five. Okay. Wow. So now you guys are brewing really yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. And in your time there, what number brew house would this be? In other words, how many rebuilds have have there been since the time that that you started it to now? Yeah, this is the second. Oh, it's uh, only the second. It's only the second. We moved. We moved from the old brewery in '79. And uh, we've we've had to repair our our brew house. It's a very classic copper brew house. So I hope everybody gets a chance to come see it. It's gorgeous. It's a, yeah, it's a beautiful brew. Yeah. Uh, but the mash tun and the kettle have both been replaced uh, from the from the dome down. Uh, but okay. they're replaced in all copper. You know, it, when when it came time to replace them. Uh, a number of engineers tried to talk Fritz into replacing them in stainless steel. Just cut a hole in the bottom, insert a stainless steel vessel, you know, and it's the way to go. Save some money, make yeah, it easy. Exactly, but that wasn't Fritz's style. So, okay. they, so we had uh, new copper uh, vessels fashioned and and moved them in, and and uh, so yeah. Well, it is. It's one of the most impressive breweries I've ever seen. I know it's a very popular tour for people when they come to San Francisco. If you don't book in in advance, you don't get in. It's basically the deal. We have a lot of listeners who come to town for different events, both that we do and others do. And first thing they always ask about is an anchor tour, you know, and and how they had to book two months in advance to get in there. Yeah, it's it's um, it's too bad that, that that we do have to book so far in advance, but we tried to keep the tours. Um, very informative, you know that uh, they're free. All the beers free, right? Uh, and we only do two a day, and we try to limit it to thirty people, and and so that you're talking to real brewers when you have the tour, and and uh, um, and the brew house is like front and center. It's the yeah. first thing you see when you walk into the building. Fritz designed it that way, where all the offices, the lab, all have big glass windows looking out at the brew house. Nice, very nice. And now you are, speaking of the lab, you know you mentioned that that Fritz kind of built from the lab out, and 
You know, I think a lot of brewery. I think they're, they they realize now, but a lot of small craft breweries uh, find it uh, hard to fund a lab. Don't don't know the mu- that much about the beer science. So, like, you know, just what a smart way to go about things. Mitch, I think, also coming from a big brewery background and now having a wonderful brewery at Stone, I, I bet you couldn't imagine uh, brewing great beer without a lab to tell you what's happening with the beer. Yeah, it's uh, it's really a very important part of of the process you know we when we got there we had just started doing a micro uh program at stone and and we've built it up so now that we've got some really nice instrumentation and we know what's going on with our beer it's you know i'm kind of a lab geek so it's um it's cool and steve's been very supportive of us moving forward with it and we've worked a lot with uh folks like sierra nevada to make sure that we were kind of doing things the right way because you know craft beer lab requirements are different than industrial beer lab requirements and uh but you know there's there's good things to be taken from both sure yeah but the lab's important you know it's a it's a very important part of our process you know and and just making sure that our beer is consistent and what we want it to be we uh, you know but the other important part sensory you know tasting that's what everything's based on you know so even if the lab work doesn't show it if the beer doesn't taste right you you right. respond you know, and and so we try to back up our tasting results with the lab results. That's kind of how we approach it. Yeah, that would have been an early selling point for a job at a brewery for me is the sensory analysis team. You know, going in there and knowing that you had to try the beer every day to make sure things are going okay. I would have jumped right on that job. Uh, I think that's the that's the fun. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you're a brewer. You get to drink beer all day. How many times have we all heard that? Yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> so let me ask this then uh, to any of of you anchor guys. Guys, you know, was was the brewery failing because the the beer was seriously flawed? Um, was it being run wrong? I mean, how how was the beer when you guys got in there? Do you have an opinion, Bruce? I'll... Yeah, Mark was closer to it than I was. You go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, I think that what it was there was uh, there was a whole trend towards uh, the national brands. Um, you know, Schlitz, uh, Budweiser, um, not Coors, they really weren't national at that time, but, uh, um, Olympia was huge, you know, it was all just yellow beer. Okay. Um, and there was no market for, uh, anything other than those types of beers. And, uh, and for a small brewery to make it, you obviously had to charge more money for your beer than the national brands and right and that wasn't going to happen and and that's the stand that fritz took that uh, he would have to charge more money to survive and he did when he first started getting out and selling his beer for instance he would go down to to our uh, fisherman's wharf area uh and try to sell the beer now here's a beer that um anchor steam beer you got an anchor on the label and it's local made in san francisco no one at fisherman's wharf wanted it really so that's what he was up against you know so it was just um really a public awareness and a difference in style and that pendulum's taken a long time to uh, took a long time to start swinging the other way so it's not necessarily that that anchor beer wasn't wasn't very good to begin with and you had to really evolve the beer it it was more awareness yeah i i believe so the first time there fritz will always say how very often their beer was sour in those early days and and uh i'll take his word for it but the the first time i ever had an anchor steam beer 1964 at uh, Leroy's Hooch House in Napa. And uh, all right, is that still there? I wish. I, I hope know. so. I don't know. Maybe somebody could call yeah. in. But. Well, now it's now it's uh, Lawrence's Wine Shack. Yeah. You know, yeah. And Day Spa. Yeah. And uh, they had two two beers. They had regular steam and and dark steam. 
And uh, I asked uh, Leroy, I said, uh, you know, I want to try that steam beer. I've never tried it. And he says, I said, which should I start? He said, oh, you've never had it before. You better start with the regular, you know. So I did, and you really couldn't even see through the glass. But it tasted okay, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Come to find out years later that the dark was the same steam beer with caramel at it. You know, we we would actually have a pitcher of caramel coloring, and we would pour it in the kegs. Really? Uh, That's one of the first things Fritz changed when he was uh, started to be successful, because that wasn't his style of brewing. So we came out with our porter. Okay, and huh. and uh, uh, it was funny because we used to get bars from time to time. Would call and say, you know, your dark beer isn't very dark, you know. So I'd be filling a keg. I'll give you dark beer, boy. Just <laughs> right. pour in a little more of that stuff. <laughs> so he, so Fritz already knew the value. He he wanted all malt beer. All absolutely, the time. absolutely. He wanted all malt beer, and when he bought the brewery, it wasn't always all malt. Okay, uh, uh, because they were on hard times, and they uh, they would sometimes use sugar and. So, uh, hmm. yeah, he wanted all malt and, uh, you know, all fresh hops. and Okay. Now, forgive my ignorance on this one, but were the other big breweries in San Francisco doing all malt beers as well? Just a lighter form, or were they already on to adjuncts? And- no, there was all corn. They were, Corn okay. and rice. Yeah, in those days, I think corn was the biggest, don't you think, Mike? Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know what they do these days. It'd be interesting to see what the big brewers do. I know... Um, but boy, corn was the big deal. Corn grits, and then you talk to other brewers, and they some of them were using corn syrup. Okay. But boy, there was it was rare. I think Augsburger uh, had an all malt. Uh, do you know about that, Mitch? No, just uh, you know, I know I know AB was uh, on the Budweiser products was all rice. Um, you know, and then the bush products were corn, and I think you know I you know hearing Coors kind of went back and forth, and yeah, you know, corn was the big deal though because it was really plentiful in the United States. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but all malt was rare. There were not many breweries doing all malt. I see. And now when you guys started, uh, either uh, Mike or, or Bruce, you obviously weren't really drinking uh, anything other than the hams and things like that either, so it was a new beer for you as well? Pabst was my favorite. Pabst. <laughs> JP's still a Pabst, Pabst fan. Yeah. That's right. That was before here. PBR. It was just Pabst. <laughs> just Pabst. <laughs> before it got the blue ribbon. Yeah, <laughs> Mike, you're not that old. I think it was the World's Fair of 1890. Yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Damn. <laughs> you're dating yourself. Yeah, you <laughs> aged very well, Mike. <laughs> before I started the brewery, we would drink, um, once in a while we'd drink steam beer, but we couldn't really afford it. And um, we used to drink uh, Rainier Ale as a substitute. Um, so we 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 would try, you know, we we liked, you know, like imports occasionally. But we, you know, you're a student; you can't afford that, sure, on a regular basis. So it was uh, otherwise. It was whatever was on sale. You know, the right <laughs> twelve pack of in the of of lucky in the 11 ounce bottles yeah. with the uh the rebus in the cap you know that L- listen kind of thing. that hasn't changed a bit <laughs> no by the way i mean there is now a mountain of good beer in the aisle but the college kids are still just buying the cheapest you know 12 yeah. pack there we also all got a, a case of shorts to take home every week oh you did and um after i was um finished with the uh stapling the six packs my next job was running the filler and <laughs> That filler ran so slow, it was running at 60 bottles a minute, Okay. that the only way you could get the, the bottles to foam before the crown went on was to hit it yourself. Really? So I had... <laughs> each one? Each one. <laughs> I had a, a conveyor a rod in my hand, 
And every bottle I would hit just before the crown went on. Because it's going 60 bottles a minute. Though. Right. That's pretty slow. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and you should know that Mike's a drummer now. He does. He yeah. also has carpal tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> but he's a drummer in one of those rowboats that just goes boom, boom. He's not <laughs> yeah, taking proper credit, though, because uh, it was an old Meyer filler where the, the bottles, uh, when they were, were leaving the filler, they'd fall down by gravity and they would fall at different rates of speed. And some would fall fast and they would start to foam okay. sooner than others. So Mike had to hit every bottle with a different uh, different force yeah, right. to get wow. it. Wow. Isn't that true? That's true. <laughs> That's but, true. but I wanted to say that, that um, if I'm looking over the short pile, and maybe someone's got a party planned that weekend. Right. Yeah, you're the I'm man. I'm in complete control. <laughs> yeah. You're, the harder. yeah. <laughs> you're forgetting to hit every third bottle. Yeah. No, no, no. I hit them harder. Oh, I yeah. See. yeah. That's right. Do they slip you a 20? They go, hey, look, <laughs> no. we got a party coming up. Here's a I didn't couple. need the 20. Here's I was a, going to the party. If we had a 20, we yeah. wouldn't have cared about the well, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a saw buck. Let me uh, take some cases home. Well, that was my next question. Was your was your flat of beer each week in lieu of pay, or that was a, a no, bonus? No, no. no okay. it, was, it was a great job yeah okay. you know and that was motivation I, I i told you that i i had a friend that worked there and i was taking over for him because he was going to move but we had had about eight or nine months of of getting used to having free beer and that that <laughs> case a week was kind of a nah, it was flexible it could be more right um, <laughs> yeah depending so, on how well mike was doing yeah, down there. Right. yeah <laughs> I was everybody's friend. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, I can see I can see what you mean. You were like, well, shit, one of us better go get a job yeah. there. What are we going to do now? All right. Uh, I'm going to have us take a quick break uh, so I can take care of a couple more sponsors here. But when we come back, we're going to find out what exactly steam beer is. Yeah. I'm not sure I even know this answer, and I love this beer. And I don't know that if you asked me directly, I could give well, you the answer. I've can, heard some things. Can, you I've have? heard some things, but uh, you know, we'll see if we can clear it up. I hope you guys I don't have know. the answer. How much <laughs> time do we have to come up with the answer? Yeah, you got about, about six minutes. Yeah. All right, we can do it. We, we have a that. few answers, and we'll we'll go over them. All right, fair enough. And we'll talk about more Anchor Beer when we come back, too. The Christmas Ale is a wonderful one we yes. should be talking about. If you've got questions, 888-401-BEER, or hit the chat room and ask Bevo. Hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Brewcasters. Brewing Network. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmasters database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmasters Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmasters Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BNARMY in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. I've always thought that opening a brewery was a great way to ruin what is the perfect hobby. 
but like most home brewers, I really wanted to see what it would be like to produce my own beer commercially. When I started out, I was, you know, obscure homebrew geek, and being part of the Brewing Network has exposed me to a lot of people with a great passion for brewing. They seem so supportive, interested, and generous with their support. That kind of thing makes you feel like you can succeed at anything. Of course I'm excited. It's frightening. It's terrifying. It's kind of, uh, we've got this rescue dog, and she is completely frightened. So when she comes up to me, she's shaking and salivating at the same time. I feel the same way with Heretic. I'm still a home brewer at heart, and I hope that home brewers always feel welcome at Heretic and able to provide part of the feedback and creativity that makes craft brewing great. The thing that excites me most is the opportunity to put a beer out there that I feel is the best beer I can make and especially get a chance to go and drink that beer with people and see their reactions and get their feedback and hopefully they'll be as excited as I am about Heritage Beer. Where were we? You stole an oak barrel from the mist of Ravenwood and Lord Zinfandel the Avenger is in pursuit. Do you drop the barrel and run? Hell no. We need it for a Flinders Red. I'm going to cast Pediacacus Damnesis on the barrel. Sorry, your ghosts are imprisoned in his winery forever. I hate it when Greg's the brewmaster. This sucks! What do we have here? Orville Rodenbach? Buzz off, guy! We got a brew session going. Is that an actual beer? Yeah, I crafted it. I don't really use the dice anymore. I'm a 10th level beer nerd. Are you a 10th level beer nerd? Do you get a long-lasting foam stand when you think about wheat malt? Then you're in good company at Northern Brewer. Northern Brewer has all your beer nerd needs. Ingredients, equipment, and knowledge at northernbrewer.com. Plus, fast, cheap shipping. Only $7.99 for the contiguous USA. And check out Northern Brewer's huge selection of dorky beer kits, including the pre-prohibition lager. Perfect for steampunk. And the single hop best bitter. Now on cast and 10 forward. Make 10th level at northernbrewer.com Do you love deals? Do you find yourself visiting your favorite websites daily hoping to catch a bargain on homebrewing gear and ingredients? Save yourself the trouble and let Homebrew Finds do the searching for you. Homebrew Finds scours the internet all day, every day, and posts those deals for you. And the best part? It's free. Visit homebrewfinds.com and subscribe for free today and never miss a deal on great ingredients and equipment again. Homebrewing-related news and announcements, tips directly from manufacturers and suppliers, and killer deals, all at homebrewfinds.com. Awesome prices on hops? Homebrew Finds posted them. Brand new malts to try? Homebrew Finds posted those, too. Subscribe at homebrewfinds.com or follow them on Twitter at twitter.com slash homebrewfinds. You never know what you've been missing. Subscribe right now. Homebrewfinds.com, a free service for homebrew. Homebrewfinds.com. Hilo, what's it feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. <laughs> it's the Brewing Network. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. Yeah! Welcome back to the program, everybody. We are hanging out with the Anchor Brewing guys and having a good time doing it, getting a little beer history in us. 
And it's been a lot um, of beer history, man. Reminds me of how dumb I am about the craft beer scene and as, stuff. As long as I've been doing this, um, all six years of it, compared to their hundred or so together combined. <laughs> I mean, except for Mike, who's revealed that he is over 100 years old. (laughs) (laughs) So it's real fun to listen to these stories. And we got Mitch Steele from Stone Brewing Company hanging in here. I got to give a shout to uh, uh, Dave from Stone, who brought me my favorite cheese in America right now. It's the stinkiest cheese I can find here. Craft Singles. Yes, Craft Singles. (laughs) It is really stinky. Almost threw up. Red Hawk from uh, Cowgirl Creamery. And it it's real smelly. I just have a piece of it here just so I can smell it all through the show. <laughs> so if I start talking about Anchor being sour or funky, we'll know it's the That's cheese it is. and not the beer. Uh, so thank you to Dave from Stone for bringing out the good stuff to us. I appreciate that. All right. So I said before the break that I wanted to find out about Anchor Steam. Yes. And uh, who wants to tackle telling me what it means to be a steam beer? Mark. Anybody want to go first? Or? Uh, Mark, I think, you know, <laughs> they're all leaving it to me. You know, that's that's one of the things we always joke about is is people who uh, come on a, on a tour and you show people around and you always get to the point of why why do you call it steam beer? Okay. And Mark's the guy to answer that, I think. You know, okay. So. Well, why the name? Uh, there's, there's a lot of different stories, but the, uh, I'm going to tell the one that I like because it, it rings true to me. And, um, uh, you know, before the gold rush in California, there were no breweries, believe it or not. In fact, before the gold rush, I think it was like 7,000 non-Native uh, uh, Americans in, in in California. And with the gold rush, I mean, it was this huge influx of people. Hmm. Brewers right behind them um, to, to make their money. And they were brewing in very crude ways. Uh, uh, there were, refrigeration had not been invented yet. Uh, it was taking time to to uh, harvest ice, build ice houses, so they were making beer without without uh, refrigeration, and uh, which worked in San Francisco. But you couldn't do that in the Central Valley for sure, you know, because right. it would just get it would just get too warm. And they used very shallow open fermenters, um, and uh, they used a cool ship uh, to to cool the wort. And then moved it to a fermenter with very similar design that, to just uh, allow the to heat to go away. Okay, and um, you could honestly do that in San Francisco. It, it, we have uh, uh, in our fermenting room today. We actually cool the air or heat the air coming in to maintain sixty-one degrees. But at the old brewery before we moved, we didn't. We was and we made a very consistent beer, um, just using the the, the environment. So you still just to for a second because you said you still moderate the temperature. You still use open fermenters then. We are all yeah. open fermentation. Yeah, okay. for our steam beer and our ales. Okay, um, and uh, with with no cooling on the the fermenters at all except for air. Really? Huh? Just controlling the ambient temp in the room. Correct. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And so it really is, that is the steam beer tradition. Uh, for a consistent beer, we try to maintain 61 degrees in our steam beer room. And quite honestly, I think we're heating the air more days than we're cooling the air. I see. Um, San it, Francisco. Yeah, San yeah. Francisco. It, it, it's true. Um, uh, so anyway, uh, so it, there, there was this beer and they were serving it on draft. And they wanted it to be carbonated. You know, lager beer was coming on, and and uh, so they would croisen these individual barrels before going out to the bars, uh, 
And they would build up, they would go through their croising process, and they'd build up a lot of CO2. Mm. Now, the the um, bars weren't didn't have refrigeration. They may have had ice, but uh, if you look at the old um, uh, tap systems, that they, they really had to run fairly warm. And it's just like if we had a keg today that you're tapping too warm, you're going to get a lot of foam. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so they would they would fill these glasses, and they'd have a lot of foam. And someone said... It looked like you were trying to fill a glass with steam. Uh, you have to keep in mind that steam was very modern in those days, uh, the steam engine and, and, and whatnot, and it just took on this nickname. There's other stories, but I like that one because it, it yeah, really does yeah. ring true to me, you know. It's kind of like an iPad joke now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Steam was the iPad. Yeah. What are you doing, <laughs> listening with your iPad too? Yeah. <laughs> right. Fancy pants? <laughs> yeah. Or just the fact that and and then steam was a modern technology, and just to call a beer steam beer kind of make it trendy and happening. And now, yeah, uh. that's a good point. And it's so <laughs> funny beer. to think of it now because I I think of Anchor Steam as such a historic beer, but which, not that historic, which you're right? describing as a as a cutting edge, uh, yeah. you know, way to yeah. describe it back then. Yeah, and and steam uh, it just stuck around, you know. And our brewery was the only one to survive prohibition. Uh, we don't have any really good facts, uh, although in the past few years I've, I've uh, talked to some older people who uh, lived in the Petrero Hill area where our, our brewery was located, is located now, but was located in the past. And uh, they've talked about uh, during Prohibition, it was a big Slavic community that they would always have steam beer at their, at their weddings and whatnot, you know, because the brew is close by and it was cheaper than other beers in those days. Now, okay. we're, now we're more expensive. So... We think, uh, I think, they must have just made beer throughout pro, uh, Prohibition. Uh, we don't have any real facts on that, but I just find it hard to believe that the brewery could have shut down for all of Prohibition and, and then afforded to start back up again. Right. Okay. So it, I had uh, explanations, you know, that are a little more technical. I've always heard it having something to do with the yeast, that it's a lager yeast but fermented warm. Yeah, there's you know there's all kinds of stories out there about that, but uh, uh, it, lager you know uh, ale temperatures and whatnot. But quite honestly, um, in before lager beer, all beers were made the same. Uh, okay. uh, and after lager beer, now brewers had to come up with names for the old beers. In Germany, alt beer or Kolsch. Because they weren't loggers. They, I'm sure they didn't call them alt beer before there was lager. Yeah, good point. It was just beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And, and, and so those names didn't have to come around in, until there was lager beer. Okay. And, uh, and, and like I say, all beers were fermented at the same temperature or pretty much around the world. It's funny, I was just at a brewery the other day where they, they ferment in the high, they start their fermentation in the high 60s. I thought, boy, now there's a ale temperature, you know, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we started about 61. It'll climb with our steam beer and it'll climb to the, the low seventies and then, and, and then, and then go back down from there in the primary fermentation. Okay. Hmm. Now, is it difficult to control that temperature? It would seem to me, I guess you guys have dialed it in over 140 years of being a brewery, but it would seem to me that controlling that temperature with just ambient room temperature is a difficult task. It, you know, it's really not because uh, um, it, it, with the shallow fermenter, it's as if you if you take a cup of coffee and it's really really hot and you pour it in a saucer, 
and and let it sit there for a second, blow across the top, and mm. pour it back in your cup. It's going to cool down really fast. Okay. Uh, and that's the same thing with our fermenters. You just have our the depth of our fermenter is only about a foot to eighteen inches. Okay. Uh, it looks and, so much bigger on tour. Well, it does yeah. because but uh, see if you have to see them when they're empty. Uh, because they're sitting up on a stage so we can clean them, you know, because you, you don't want to be down on the floor right. uh, uh, scrubbing the walls of the fermenter. So yeah. they do look much deeper sitting on the stages they're sitting on, huh. but, the, but the liquid itself is only about a foot to 18 inches deep. Okay. But you're right, it is very important to control the temperature, and the starting temperature is important, and that's what we adjust. Okay. And then, and then it just kind of free rises up to to seventy one. You say correct because that's what happens. Correct with the if, heat of if we pitch the yeast right and you got the same amount of yeast in there, it's going to go to the same temperature, right, Mike? Okay, right. Hmm. All right. And Mike, Mike's responsible for counting those yeast cells, make sure that they're all in there at the right numbers. <laughs> right. Now, uh, how about this this yeast? Uh, are is it all grown and and taken care of and done all right there in the anchor lab and has been uh, since the beginning? Not since the beginning, but Mark, do you remember the last time we started up some new yeast? I don't. No, no, it, it, <laughs> it, it's truly it's truly been you know twenty hmm. twenty years, twenty five wow. years. That's the one thing we do differently is we keep repitching and repitching and repitching. Really? Huh. But at, I mean, but you are testing this yeast. I, I, at some point, it's not mutating and turning into some other kind of yeast, and then you have to have a new starter. It, like I said, we did twenty years ago yeah. or something. No, no if you take it, care of your yeast, yeah, and and wash it, we do wash it with acid. Okay, and and keep your eye on it. It'll last forever. Wow. I, I wish Joe Waities were uh, alive in here because uh, Joe had this. People say about yeast mutating, and, and Joe Waities was a great brewing chemist, and and um, he had a great chart that he would do, and he'd say, you'd pitch, it, pitch a yeast, and it grows and grows and grows, and you're getting so many cells every time that uh, uh, if there were a mutant cell in there, it wouldn't stand a chance living in in against all these others around it, you yeah. know, they're now, the thing well. about yeast buds, right? It, it multiplies by budding. So, in one generation, half of your yeast cells are one are, are one generation, and then half of the other half are just two generations. Okay. So most of all yeast is pretty much new. It's brand new. I see. Yeah, yeah. We we we'll pitch uh, in a steam beer brew. What thirty five gallons, Mike? Fifteen. Fifteen. And uh, and we'll harvest five times that. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Just by krausening off the top. Yeah, correct. Mean. Okay. Well, no. It, 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 with the steam beer, uh, when we drop the beer out of the fermenter uh, after three days, we have a nice thick layer on the bottom of the fermenter that we harvest. Okay. Uh, it, because the yeast has so such a short distance to fall uh, that when it finishes fermenting, we get a nice big layer. Got it. So you take that out. Clean the fermenter again so that you can pour beer back in there to cool to pitching temp. Right. And then you'll just throw it right, right. back in right. again. Okay. Well, hang on a second. So you guys are saying that, that like yeast mutation and stuff is not a concern in your in, in, at Anchor it, Brewing, right? It, knock on wood, it, it has not. Yeah, don't yeah. jinx yourself now. Yeah. Right. Well, well, yeah. That's why I'm knocking Things on Things are wood. happening right now. And, and, and Mogwais are getting and, wet. And, uh, uh, I always had Joe Wadies to back me up in the past, but <laughs> but we think it, no, we think our yeast is the same yeast, quite honestly. Okay. I mean, t- that that kind of blows my mind. I mean, uh, you know, uh, after all the the 
interviews that we've done and all the you know yeast people we've had on, and it just seems like uh, yeah, I don't know. It seems um, well, Mitch may speak to that. Budweiser, I mean, they send out fresh yeast from St. Louis all the time, but every uh, week. Every yeah. week we we would um, we would change about uh, we would not try to get to double digits as far as generations and yeah. my understanding is very strain specific uh, you know some uh, strains handle it a lot better you know with with Budweiser it was actually two sense. different strains in the culture so you'd get a situation where one strain would kind of take over the other um, you know and at Stone what we see because our beers are so big is the yeast just gets tired after about ten or eleven generations it doesn't it changes fermentation performance in the bigger beers. And so we bring in a fresh culture and kind of mix it in. But my, you know, there there are a lot of breweries out there that have never never brought in new cultures. Mm. It's not that unusual. And huh. um, you know, I think I my opinion is very strain specific. And the the the, the straining of the yeast itself is a yeah. good point. That's most often what we hear less than than mutation. Although mm-hmm. we certainly have heard mutation right. when other people come talk about it. But it is you're right, Mitch. That it's more often that we hear, well, our yeast gets tired because it's brewing our our double IPA time after time. Yeah, I mean and, that's you know that's one thing we looked at when I first got there, and and you know by about the twelfth generation, if we were pitching a twelfth generation yeast into a ruination IPA, it would not ferment as well as it did when it was third or fourth generation and and it just was a pattern that we saw repeating and so we just kind of set this you know 10 generation limit at stone okay huh. I, mean, that, I mean that makes more sense i think if it's yeah. strain specific so here's the other part though that that huh. uh that freaks me out about the open fermentation part so i really enjoy sour beer i'm a sour beer nerd love it so get all that junk in there and it, i love that beer so here you have open fermenters and the same yeast for, for years and years and years. Do you have to walk into this fermentation room in a hazmat suit to keep things clean? Or does the beer naturally do this by having a croisin on top? Or you tell me. How does it stay clean? Yeah, exactly. The croisin. Just that cap. There, there's a foam full of CO2 protecting the whole fermenter. Pushing out, essentially. Yeah. So nothing's going to jump in right. as it's pushing out. Exactly. What about when fermentation slows toward the end and there's not a – I guess then there's still a cap, but it's not pushing out anymore, is it, at the very end? Now fermentation has stopped, I assume, as you transfer it out of these this primary vessel. We're only there for three days. Okay. All right. Hmm. Because is we, it do we finished start, in three days? Or yes, fi- because we start at 60 degrees. It's fast. Yeah, okay. All right. So it's done in three days. Okay. But uh, I, I've always insisted that if you if you give me clean wort and a clean fermenter and clean yeast, I'll give you clean beer uh, in an open room. Okay. Um, uh, we do That's water- a t-shirt, man. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's got to be a t-shirt. Yeah. It's inauguration speech. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's yeah. a Jay Brooks brewing quote right there. Yeah. Come on. We, uh, we were talking about lab equipment uh, earlier, and, and I think two of the most important, or many of the most important things you do are very, very simple. You know, we, we do a sterile wort sample on every brew. Where you, we we use a small sterile beaker and we take a, a, some of the cold wort that with no yeast in it, and then we uh, set it aside for three or four days. And if we taste it and it's still sweet and good, we know that that uh, wort was uh, clean. If it's if it's sour or or uh, something's wrong with it, we know we it's we have to do something. We have to find right. out why it's going bad. Uh, we also do a rapid fermentation. 
on every brew. Another simple step where you just, in 12 hours, you see how low the fermentation is going to go. And uh, so with those two things, I mean, it just those simple steps like that, you can you can keep a clean environment and keep the brew going. I think our yeast washing system is uh, works well for us, and, and uh, we do have to stay on that. We don't go more than a couple generations without washing the yeast. Uh, okay. Correct, yeah. So you do still, do, yeah, as you mentioned, you make sure that that's clean. Yeah. We also filter the air that we um, cool or heat into the fermenting room is okay. filtered. So it's, yeah, so it's not just pouring in from the San right. Francisco. Correct, yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> See, now that you you've said, just real quick, now that you've mentioned those two tests, you know, leaving the, the word out, and now I I truly realize how filthy my my home brewing process is. Yeah. Because if I leave a hydrometer out overnight from my sample, you know, on Saturday, when I go taste it on Sunday, it's already shit. It's fermenting. It's and done. It's, it's, it's terminal I'm, right I'm there. I'm talking 12 hours here. Yeah. So I truly know how filthy my homebrew process is right now by you saying that test. Yeah, and it's a good test that anyone can do. I mean, really, that's, yeah. it's a great test. Yeah. Now, I went into a brewery in England. In fact, it's this brewery right here, the Colonel uh, uh, Brewing Company. And we had a, uh, Phil was here and brought us a couple of their beers. Colonel and it's with a, a K, not a C. Colonel with a K. Yeah. Uh, it's a very tiny brewery, almost a, a homebrew system, it looks like, just a, a big homebrew system. And I walked into this uh, uh, warehouse... Um, which had beer on the floor and everything else, just like a, a, a brewery might. And he, it was fermenting away, open, in a tall vessel with, with Croizen coming out the top. And I was kind of uh, flabbergasted. I, I thought, God, his, his beer must be terrible when I first walked in there. He's just letting it, it's in a warehouse, just... <laughs> And I asked him about it. I, I wasn't rude, but I, I asked. You know, I said, I just said, you're not worried about that that being open. And and he did explain the same thing. He said, there's well, there's CO2 bursting out of it, and there's a cap on it, and it's and it'll be fine. And I still didn't really buy it until I tried his beer, and it was wonderful. It was great beer. And now you know, you guys also telling me the same thing. I'm I'm really starting to buy it. And their whole country's refrigerated. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> And much cleaner. Uh, well, I, I was fascinated then. I'm still fascinated you telling me this now because I, I just think fermentation is such an interesting uh, process. Hey, Mike, you said that they, uh, they you filter the air that's going into the fermenting room. But when I was there for the 140th anniversary, I was doing uh, a couple of interviews in the room. And there were, you know, five or six of us standing in there and breathing and, you know, burping and doing whatever we do. And I guess it just doesn't matter or what doesn't matter? Yeah, what, uh, <laughs> the I mean, air. Well, the, the air coming out of us isn't filtered. So that's, that's correct. It's not a problem. But again, you know, the, the, the fritter itself is protected by the foam on top. Right. We've got really tiny little tight bubbles. Um, it looks like cream on top. And, and that, that croissant is full of CO2. See, I should have warned you, though. With Scott, you probably should have thrown that beer out. We did. <laughs> we, we dumped all that beer after he <laughs> yes, left. You know. I didn't want to say that. <laughs> that <Yeah>. vinegar. <laughs> That's right. Uh, this is good stuff. It's uh, fascinating to hear about uh, the process, too. It's almost too fascinating. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, it's three shows worth, so we can, oh. we'll keep it. Oh, well, that's that. good. Yeah, great. <laughs> So I had one of our, uh, our listeners, we have listeners all over the world, and uh, one of our listeners from Denmark wrote in and had some questions for you guys about Tour. single hopped beers. Is that that's something you're doing now where you're just single hopping beers um, in terms of only one hop variety throughout the whole beer? Yes, uh, but we've been doing that for years. You have? Uh, okay. uh, f- with a, a number of our different beers. Uh, 
I think it's uh, I've off, I've kind of found it amusing that all of a sudden we're <laughs> yeah. single hopping. Yeah, what oh, is that? It's yeah. a new thing. We've I always see. done yeah. that. Yeah. I think what well so is Tour is the one who wrote in and I think what he's saying is not necessarily about you guys actually. He's saying that recently it seems like a lot of other microbreweries are following suit and doing single hop experiments. Well, see the copy all the, the time. Copy. <laughs> yeah. So I've heard of it from other breweries where they're attempting to teach consumers about hops and what different varieties do. Because so many crap breweries have tons of hops in them and maybe we never get to learn about what each one does. Yeah. The, the, um, we, our two most recent beers, um, our Humming Ale and our Breckel's Brown Ale, uh, are both uh, single hopped and uh, delicious beers. And, and mm. they came about because we ran across... Uh, Two hops that we were interested in and really found found interesting, um, and so we wanted to work with those and, and make a beer. Uh, it wasn't so much that we we're out to single hop. Although I will say these days, you know, there's such a trend towards really high alcohol beers and very highly hop beers. Um, I don't have a problem with the highly hop beers, but I I do have a bit of a problem with the the high alcohol beers. Um, and I don't think it's my old age. Uh, the, 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 <laughs> yeah, I like to drink quantity. Yeah, uh, you know, and no matter what I'm drinking, my elbow goes at a certain rate. And, and <laughs> right, and, you can't help that. Exactly, <laughs> it, it's out of my control. <laughs> and and I've always enjoyed being in England, where you have big twenty ounce pints. But uh, and you can drink them all night, and yeah. you can make it home. You'll you'll have a good buzz going, but sure. you can still make but it. But you can walk. So uh, that's one thing that we've tried to do: just make interesting beers, but not horribly high in alcohol. Our Breckel's Ale is about six mm-hmm. percent. It's not low in alcohol, yeah. uh, but but it's it's uh it's I think it's got a wonderful uh, the Citra hop. I just fell in love with, and 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 uh, I just thought that was a, a great beer. You know that. Uh, it came across real well, and they're humming it with the Nelson Savan, the New Zealand hops. I love that beer. Oh man, That's such a good isn't beer. that great? Yeah. It's just fabulous. You know, when we ran across that, it just kind of blew us away, and yeah. we figured we've got to use this hop. You know, so it sounds to me though that you were trying to educate yourselves about the hop then by only using that in the beer, or did you know right away? Well, this is all we want. We just want to use this. Hop. Uh, no, we, a little bit of what you said, but okay. uh, but uh, you know, I figured. All these hops provide bitterness, uh, and if you add them early in the boil, you're going to get the bitterness without any of that flavor. So, does it? Mitch may have a different opinion, but does it really matter than which hop you're using it at the very beginning? You know, and and then at the end, you're going to get all that aroma, okay. and that's where we want it, it, to take advantage of the Nelson Savan and the and the um, Citra and those type of hops. Okay, and personally, I've been kind of on a little. Uh, um, mission now to find other interesting hops great so mitch i i would like you to address that because it's something that's come up on the show quite a bit in the last year or so where brewers have started to admit uh or or just or state that uh, hey yeah we don't care what the bittering hop is as long as we get the ibus um you know i kind of agree with mark i i think it depends on the hop that you're using for bittering i i know because of the hop shortage we've had to change our bittering hops and and certain hops carry the flavor a little bit more even though you're boiling them for 90 minutes or whatever mm-hmm. other hops are just very clean bittering hops and it and, and it doesn't make a huge difference you know magnum nuggets i think those are great clean bittering hops we had to go to uh, columbus for a while 
uh, and that's a hop that the flavor carries over. And, oh, okay. and, and so we had to kind of back off and, and blend back a little bit when we had to go to Columbus, uh, as a bittering hop. Uh, but I'm with Mark, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, Citra and, and, and Nelson Sauvin, those are hops that we're very interested to. We're kind of approaching it the same way. We're not going to use those for bittering. We're going to use them for flavor and, and probably a dry hop. And, and, uh, you know, we've got, uh, we've got a nice amount for this year. Uh, you may see it in a beer coming up in about six months, hopefully. Great. If all goes well. I'm a huge fan of the Citra beers too. I haven't had a bad one yet. So yeah, it's a nice hop. It's, it's wonderful. So while we're on the hopping then and, and where you do it, there, another thing that, that's come up on the show is a, a couple uh, brewers have said, um, well, we've kind of started to leave out the 30-minute the, the edition, the middle edition, feeling like it was a little unnecessary. They could either do a little more on the bittering side if they were looking to get bitterness out of it or a little more on the aroma side at the end to get, to get flavor out of it as well. Do you, do any of you think that the, the that middle edition is kind of redundant, or is it still necessary to make a complex hop character? Well, it's easy to do. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Why change? <laughs> yeah, that's true. You guys have middle editions on, on your beers? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And Mitch? You know, it's funny. We don't at Stone. When I got to Stone, I was surprised to see that, that Steve and Lee were doing one single big hop edition at the beginning of the boil and then just doing a whirlpool hop edition. Mm-hmm. And it works for our beers. You know, our beers are very hop forward and we, and we also, you know, we dry hop a lot of our beers. So any middle hop edition, you know, any, any flavor you're getting from that is going to be kind of wiped out by the dry hop anyway. Uh, but I think there's some value to it. You get, you get different things, you know, with different, different edition times. One of the uh, collaboration beers, the the one that we did with with Cambridge, uh, and uh, who did we do that with? Uh, um, Brewdog. Mm. You know, we hopped that thing continuously. We were adding hops in the kettle every every ten minutes. You know, during a ninety minute boil, and wow. that you know the hop character was totally different. You know, so I do think it it adds value. You know, if you're brewing a real hop forward IPA, I'm not sure it adds a whole lot. But if you're brewing a beer that's you know that's got some balance and some hop characters and you want some complexity there uh i think it's valuable okay i just want to say on a personal note um you know when i started saying all that stuff about low you know session beers low gravity beers everyone on this show and on most of our listeners called me a pussy <laughs> but now i feel vindicated right well, right when, now. Well, Mark's right much, now. much more likable, so when he mentions it... <laughs> I know! Mark, I get, we got, you, have to, you have to be my PR guy. No problem. All right, good. Because I, I, I love that. I loved, I loved hearing it, and, and your reasons were, were uh, much more easier to swallow than mine were. Um, I, 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 I couldn't agree more. I, I like the, the, lower, the lower alcohol beers, man. It's yeah. just... Um, yeah, I like drinking. I like the flavor. I love drinking. Beer drinkers like quantity. Yeah. yeah. Right. I think they're going to come back. Yeah. The other thing uh, is, it, yeah, well, those session beers, yeah, yeah. oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. I think you're right about that. Yeah, yeah, we're doing the Sunday session. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and brew houses historically have always uh, uh, German brew houses, and I think English brew houses have always been geared to uh, no more than about four percent by weight, five percent by volume. Um, in in our brew house. Uh, we have a problem that if we want to do a high alcohol beer, we we can't fill our kettle, uh, and I think that uh, new brew houses being built today are being built with that adjustment in hmm. because of the trend of higher alcohol beers. Right. So I hmm. now I also love session beers. Yeah. I'm not opposed to to the high alcohol beers if it doesn't taste like alcohol. 
I rarely will drink liquor. I, I, I'm not really a scotch guy or anything else. I don't enjoy that that burning uh, hot flavor of liquor itself. That's too bad. So even the beers that I like, like a, I, I agree, I really wish I could yeah. enjoy it. But even the, so, like a like a nice bourbon barrel, something or other, I can still really enjoy that if I'm if it doesn't tastes like a hot pint well, of bourbon. That is true. And uh you, you know, you and I've talked at length about this. If if I wanted bourbon, I would have bourbon. Yeah. But if I want a bourbon barrel aged beer, then I want to have a beer that has been in a barrel that has bourbon in it. Some wood in that order. And, yeah. I don't want yeah. bourbon up front. Right. And then maybe there's a beer in there somewhere. Right. So I, I, you know, I agree. There's a balance. Also, it makes me a cheap date. You know, a couple quick twelve uh, percent beers. You know, usually we don't have to go that far. <laughs> you just, I just go yeah, and you go yeah, all right, and then, then there you go. What about Anchor Christmas? Now, it, that's a higher alcohol beer, isn't it? It's a little bit higher. It's a, a, about six percent by volume. Okay, um, and uh, it has a wonderful history. Uh, I won't. I'll start it, and these other guys can fill it in when they came in the, the picture. But um, it, it started in uh, 1975. Uh, in we came out with our Liberty Ale in 1975 to celebrate the 200th anniversary of Paul Revere's ride. Okay. Um, it, it, because it, Fritz did that because it, it, we were coming up with, in 1976, the 200th anniversary of America. And that wasn't Fritz's style to jump on that bandwagon, so he went ahead with to do the 200th anniversary of Paul Revere's ride. Okay. And that was our Liberty Ale. Um, and it was uh, the first dry hopped ale in America. Um and then the, that same year, uh, it was only a one-time release. It wasn't a full-time product. But then that same year, we came out with our Christmas ale, and that was a version of uh, a, an evolution of that of the uh, Liberty Ale, and uh, and it went on that way for many years. That we kept evolving the Liberty Ale until um, the early '80s when we switched to. Uh, a brown ale and then the spice tales, but I shouldn't take up the whole mic. Uh, 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 maybe Bruce or Mike. Where, what was the first Christmas ale you guys did? Well, the first the first one I was there for was 1980, and those those Christmas those last few Christmas sales before it turned into a, a brown ale. They they were some hoppy beers, you oh, know, yeah? and especially for that. You know, you kind of tr- try to think of, you know, would you still think it was Incredibly hoppy now, but I think a few of those in the early '80s, you, you would think okay. still. I and I remember some of them. You know, for our Christmas party, they were dry hop, but we would we would also dry hop a Golden Gate keg even more and to serve at our Christmas party. And um, and they they were they were interesting beers, but like Mark said, they they were kind of based on that that first Liberty Ale. Okay, so were they hard to sell since you know 1980? Not a lot of hoppy beers out there, right? I don't know. We're, we're, we're in sales. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Didn't seem like we had any left over. I don't you know. know. Oh, you know, in, in those days, uh, we, we didn't, didn't have anyone in we, sales. Didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> we, we, weren't, we weren't brewing that much, and uh, Fritz refused to release it uh, before Thanksgiving, so it was a very short selling season. So, uh, But it all sold out. I mean, that was the beauty of it. By right. January 1st, it was gone. Yeah. Now, were were you just using more of the same hops, or were you also using bringing in different varieties then? Yeah, by, by those uh, days, we were pretty much settled on the Cascade. We uh, we okay. we really liked the Cascade hop, and uh, it uh, it from Vera in the seventies. I mean, it became it became the the Christmas ale hop, the Liberty ale hop. 
Um, it was suggested to Fritz by a, a, a hop grower named John Siegel. Okay. It was a good friend, and he said, you ought to try this, because no one was really using it as an aroma hop. And uh, uh, and so we did. And uh, you guys know what happened. I mean, it, the last time I was in England, there's beers made with Cascade hops in England, France, Belgium. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. I yeah. mean, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I just went to Fuller's when I was back there and was really surprised to see a big bag of Cascade. Really? At right Fuller's? There. At Fuller's, absolutely. Amazing. <laughs> and I got to try... Uh, uh, some IPAs that they're working on, West Coast IPAs that they were working on. They hadn't released any of them yet, but I got, they kind of took me into their lab where they brought out several very, very hoppy uh, uh, Fuller's beers that they were experimenting with trying to find the right one to release out there in England. Do they have some uh, uh, commercial products with Cascade Hops at now? I think he said they do. I think he said they are now using it. Yeah. After all those years of making fun of uh, American micros and, and the hop characters, <laughs> exactly. too piney, yeah. too uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, citrusy. Everyone yeah. falls in line at some yeah. point or another. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the, the brewing revolution did start right here in, in, in California, in San Francisco, at Fritz Maytag's door. Uh, when we made our porter in uh, 1973, there was not one porter being made in England. Um, Roger Protz, the beer, in case wow. you have English uh, listeners right now and they're going to get do. up in arms. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Roger Protz, the beer writer, told me that uh, years later. And uh, I checked with uh, uh, Michael Jackson, the beer writer, to s- see if he felt that was true also. And he said, yes, it was. So I have those two guys telling me that. That's right. I mean, <laughs> that they had stopped producing that style for a period of time. Is yeah. There were none yeah. being brewed yeah. in England. And, and, uh, and then you know the the beer revolution really came from America back to England and now there's unbelievably good beers in England all, all oh, yeah. over the place yeah. also um the the price of entry into the brewing world is much less in England than here uh because mm. you you're, you all you need is an open fermenter and from there into the cask for real traditional brewing, yeah, and out to the bar. Right. I mean, look at here. You, you you're going to have to have if you're going to have to bottle it, you know, and uh, you're going to have to filter it. And you're going to have to carbonate it. You're going to need pressure vessels and whatnot. Right. So, um, yeah, you can get. It's much easier, I think, to get in the brewing business, and consequently, there's a number of of wonderful little breweries uh, yeah, over yeah. there. I was just uh, not long ago visiting a. Uh, more beer, M O O R. I was there also, mm-hmm. Justin. Just, yeah, he was great, on our show. It's and, good beer, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. A, and a very uh, simple brewery that he yes, has. Yes, it, yeah. it's a prime example. And, yeah, and uh, um, yeah. So there's a lot of little breweries like that starting up. Yeah, do you no, just I call think... the English simple because I feel that's rude? <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> okay, but good. his brewery is definitely simple. And I, I think you make a good point that is a little easier. I don't know if you've ever been to the Stone Brew House, but apparently you need like a palace of stainless steel now. <laughs> it is to... like the Fortress of Solitude, but <laughs> made of stainless it's instead gorgeous. of ice. It's yeah. incredible. <laughs> kind of like the Emerald City, except it's all stainless. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> It's amazing in that brew house now. <laughs> so you said that Liberty was the first uh, American dry hopped beer. But you had heard, this was a technique you took from English brewers, right? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, Fritz Maytag early on uh, uh, made a trip to England to look at ales, and he wanted to make an ale. Um, when he went to uh, uh, school, high school, he did it in the East Coast, and he was familiar with the, some of the older uh, East Coast ales, Ballantines and, and a few of those. 
and he wanted to learn about ales. So uh, he and Gordon McDermott from our brewery went to, to England, I believe it was 1974 was the first trip, and, hmm. and um, visited a number of little breweries. And uh, um, and he learned about dry hopping, uh, which he brought back. It, he also learned about barley wines. Uh, mm. he, he was in a couple different pubs um, where it, it might be some little old lady in the corner having this little tiny bottle of beer, and he'd ask about it, and and the the bartender would kind of make fun of it. Oh, that's barley wine. That's you know for little old ladies. <laughs> you know, people, people don't drink that, you know. And, right. And and but that's right down Fritz's alley. You know, something that's that's that really out of style. And uh, so he said, "Well, let me have one." And so when he came back from that trip. Uh, he said, "Look, we're going to make some ales. We're going to make a dry hopped ale, and we're going to make a barley wine." And um, none of us knew really what a barley wine was. And Fritz went on to describe it, and and he said they they all had humorous names uh, like Old Roger, or, or, right? Uh, um, old Nick, you know, just and uh, it was always named after the old lady's husband. Yeah, uh, they right. drinking it apparently. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> So it's actually one of our brewers, uh, Phil Canaveri, came up with Old Foghorn. Oh, nice. And, yeah. And, uh, uh, and, A wonderful beer. Yeah. 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 And came up with the name. Fritz came up with the recipe. Yeah. But okay. it, it was a great name for it, especially in San Francisco. And so, as you mentioned, that's got to be a really difficult beer for you guys to make because of the size of, is it the size of your kettle that makes that high alcohol beer difficult or the size of your mash tun? Both, I guess. It's three mashes. It's three. Three mash in one batch. Okay. Wow. No kidding. What a big pain in the ass. You guys must hate that beer. <laughs> well, we hate to throw it away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, how do you do the small beer then? So if you have the three, if you're doing three mashes for for one kettle batch, uh, don't you? I mean, isn't that the small beers where you take the you do a second running through the through the grain? Of yeah, the we could barley? probably make three small beers out of a barley wine, but yeah. we don't. Wow. Okay. But Mike, describe the process, because when we first made barley wine, we couldn't make a uh, small beer. But uh, describe the change, Mike. What do you mean, the change? <laughs> CTK. Yeah, why can you? Oh, right. Yeah, we have a yeah, holding tank. Well, yeah, we have a holding tank now. <laughs> between, um, between our, our oh. yeah, between the louder ton and the kettle, we have a holding tank, so it, it speeds up our brewing process, so we can do five brews in a day. Interesting story is that um, the first time we, we decided to make a small beer... It wasn't very small. Oh, really? <laughs> we throw away so much sugar that the uh, the first small beer wasn't very small, but it still didn't taste very good. You know, we decided that we needed to make a small beer where the original was low enough to be a traditional small beer. Okay, and, uh, and it just so wasn't working. We, yeah, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, we we could have gotten a a twelve four original with the first small beer. Wow! <laughs> yeah, but, but Mike Mike's point is that it was really quite interesting that um, if if you make a beer, say of a twelve four gravity using a combination of first and second wort, and then you make a beer of a twelve four gravity using only second wort, yeah, they're two entirely different beers. It, mm. it, it really is amazing. Yet it, the the same sugars there. Uh, but it's all from the second runnings, and, right. and it just makes an incredibly different beer. I bet. Now, same yeast on on Old Foghorn, or do you have to bring in an, a, an, another yeast for that one? Same yeast, same yeast, and it'll 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 get that down to where you want it, no problem. Yes, that's one hell of a yeast you guys got well, there. Well, we, yeah, we, we have a lager yeast and we have an ale yeast. Let me get this right. 
And both Your are very yeast happy. is indestructible and has never been redone in the history of the world. It will brew every beer on the planet. Yeah. I just want to make sure I'm yeah. getting all this right. The only way you can stop it is uh, little bits of its home planet. Or yeah, yeah. that's that's really the only way. Yeah. Or having Moscow into the fermentation room. Yeah. I think we've established that. Uh-huh. Even then. You do have two yeasts, though, Mark. Yes, okay. we, we have a uh, lager yeast for our steam beer, and we have our ale yeast for the others. Now, um, we do not collect the yeast from our barley wine. Uh, it, it, so uh, it, it, we don't know if you could do many generations with that yeast. We don't. Uh, we don't bother collecting it because you've beaten the crap out of it in that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it, died, way to go, it died a happy death. Though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it did. All right. Well, and that's kind of what you mentioned, Mitch, about the you know just fatigue of a of a beer like that on a right. yeast. Right. Yeah. So. We see the same thing. You know. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. All right, I, now I was supposed to ask another question of you, Mark, uh, from a mutual friend of ours, Dan Gordon, uh, over at Gordon oh, yeah. Beersh. Uh, our listeners love this guy. Uh, he's been on the show several times. But he brought up, he, he wanted me to ask you about how much help you have given the brewing industry in, in, in this area. You guys are very open over there at the Anchor Brewery. And he relayed a story to me about the very first time that Gordon Biersch brewed a beer. I think at his big brewery is what he meant in San Jose there. He went through all the trouble of having a whole keg uh, of Weinstefan yeast uh, flown over, you know, overnighted uh, by some friend back there. Sounds cheap. Uh, make everything. He brewed all night long with a stuck mash and all sorts of issues. And then went. it was time to pitch the yeast, he, he opened up the vessel that it was in and it exploded all over the room. And he had no yeast. And that you, Mark, uh, made an emergency trip uh, all the way down there and brought him yeast so that his first batch wouldn't be a failure. Yeah, well, it was probably Fritz Maytag. He gives, he's very generous. Okay. It was a, he, Dan's a very generous guy and a, and a great brewer. Um, but we've always, uh, from the very beginning, been so well received at other breweries. I mean, around the world. You show up at a brewer's door, uh, you know, you try to tell them in advance, but if you're driving past a brewery and and you think, geez, there's, there's, uh, you know, Thigstons or something. Let's go in. We've been so well received at brewers around the world that we, we would always extend, try to extend that same courtesy. Um, and brewers on the technical level have always been very helpful to each other. Hmm. Uh, you know, naturally the marketing departments, uh, and the sales departments are, are not. But the te- right. at the technical level, they are. Now, with microbreweries, that's very often the same person. So at, at some point, you have to stop the conversation. But, right. but there is a, a great fellowship in the brewing community um, uh, amongst brewers, especially in the technical side, to just be as helpful as you can possibly be. Sure. And in the small niche, you know, you know that craft brewing is obviously growing uh, every year. Uh, it, it's a little hard to consider yourselves competitors uh, at all times, I would imagine. I don't know about that. I think uh, every beer out there is our competitors. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, and and uh, it, you know, it, it, but uh, it, they're good competitors, and sure. we just have to do our job. I mean, that's life. You right. Know? Right. Everybody's got to sell beer. Exactly. Luckily, plenty of us are helping you sell beer. That's true. (laughs) As you look at me, the fat guy. (laughs) The fat kid in the room. Well, I I mean, I just saw the Brewers Association numbers again, and it seems like year after year there's 10% growth in the craft beer industry, so we're just selling more and more of it, Uh, which is great. 
obviously. Yeah, it really is an amazing trend, isn't it? I mean, Mitch yeah. certainly was on the other side of a Budweiser, and and now it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the microbrewing Welcome business. Yeah. Thank you. It's, it's good to be back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it's, it truly is an amazing trend, you know. And, and it, it's funny. I was talking with a, a former co-worker at Budweiser at the Craft Brewers Conference, and he said, and he's doing consulting work now with some uh, uh, several breweries in the Midwest, and he, he said, you know, it's a lot... He's from England, and he, he goes, you know, it's a lot more fun riding up the escalator than down. And, and I said, yeah, isn't it? I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah, good point. Well, years of success, they'll be fine. Uh, so can I get back to the Christmas beer a little bit um, oh. and ask, uh, that does that recipe change every year? Every time you guys produce, you put out the Christmas beer? Yes, it beer? does. You know, this is one thing that, I, that you, you asked um, our first Christmas ale. I don't remember. Yeah. But I remember the ones that I remember the most, and it, it makes me miss Fritz because of, of um, you know, the the tastings, the panels that Mark and Bruce and I would be part of coming up with the recipe for the new Christmas Day. It was just so much fun. Hmm. You know, Fritz loved it. We loved it. it, it it's it's. What it's is the, that like? It's the like? fun of brewing. Is, you know? is that small batches being produced? What is this no. tasting panel like? It's, it's deciding what we're going to do. Okay. You know, we... Um, in in the recent times, it's been so popular that we didn't want to change much, but we always wanted to change because it's fun to change. Right. right. <laughs> and so, so are we you did. bringing in the different spices to yeah, taste and smell? Exactly. And, and exactly. Are there some insane ideas that get thrown out right away? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to think that there are there must have been several times through your careers that you just looked at Fritz like he was insane coming in with these ideas. Oh, a also. bunch of times. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Once if, a you, week? if you remember, well, like okay, spruce beer. I don't know if yeah, you guys beer. are old enough the spruce beer, and we only got one shot at that. And oh, yeah. I remember Fritz said, you know, we're only going to do this once. It's better to have too much spruce than not enough. Okay. And it had plenty. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, it did. Way and and we much. took it. we took it to the Great American Beer Festival, and I was surprised. It was... It was one of those things people either loved it or hated it, okay. you know. And and but there were probably more people that loved it than than um, hated it. You know, it was it was different. It, it was something that you know people weren't used to. And um, I think it was 1989 that we did um, this um, kind of a thing that I thought it, it was just perfect for it. You know, we did um, a Sumerian beer. Okay. Um, Based on uh, uh, a hymn to the Sumerian goddess of beer, Ninkasi, and um, you know, and Fritz wasn't, you know, he wasn't really the type to do kind of a, you know, can you swear on this? You sure, half-assed? yeah, you're good, half-assed, yeah. yeah. Is that a swear now? <laughs> that's not. I don't know. That's, I don't know. Fuck I, it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, yeah. You know, we we you know Fritz brought in. Um, you know, uh, to to try to research this, we had a guy from the University of Pennsylvania. We had a guy from the University of Chicago that actually translated the 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 poem the poem in the first place, and we used that poem and stuck to it as closely as we could, and and tried to kind of convert it into into something that you know a, a brewery in 1989 could understand. Right. But but you know, Fritz rented a you know one of, one of the things is they they took. Um, they took grain and and they baked it twice the you know what was it how twice many fifteen hundred yeah. BC or whatever and did twice baked loaves and Fritz rented a bakery and we made twice baked loaves of grain with honey 
and dates and threw it all in our mash tun and 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 wow. made it and and but that that to me that was kind of a you know like like Fritz at his best and and I think something that he really loved and you yeah. could tell that he, just the passion of really wanting to stick to as close as that interpretation of the hymn as he could get yeah uh, that's yeah. that's amazing i mean he wasn't he wasn't you know coming up with an idea to to do this to sell beer because i don't did we ever even sell it or, <laughs> or we uh, did we actually did remember we had the six different labels on the small bottles oh, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 that's right he did it for was it the um was it a craft brewers conference yeah it was a craft brewers you know and and you know the sumerians you know there there was like this artwork from you know this thing from 1500 bc and they would drink it in these these big, tall kind of you know earthenware things with reeds, and it, you know they thought it was to get through the whatever was floating on the top, so you could get down to the liquid. So okay, um, I, this was an early craft brewers conference at the Hilton in San Francisco. But so Fritz got huge. I forget what size wine bottles those are. Um, yeah, you, you know they're Salamans. Yeah, who whatever. Knows, I don't who knows know. wine bottles? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Salamazar. You can there, fit yeah. on the pin of a head what we know about wine. Yeah, it's called more recycling. Yeah. But but we actually got that in each in, you know, this was for the, the final banquet of the Craft Brewers Conference at, at you know those round banquet tables or, or uh, dinner tables one bottle for 10 people and they you know and then we got you know like um lab tubing okay. so everyone had their own straw and <laughs> so it, was, it out yeah yeah and, uh, but i think they found that one thing is when you have the, the bottle up higher and you start sucking and you get a you start a siphon it's not good but anyway <laughs> <laughs> right well, well, it depends on problems. your outlook on <laughs> drinking that night it could but, be great but that that's one of the projects that i think of when i think of you know the stuff fritz you know really loved you know he loved historical kind of historical projects and that that was one i think one of the funnest things we we ever did it was yeah that's not see this is a testament of how little i i know about fritz i have avoided inviting fritz onto the show because we fuck around a lot and he seems like such a serious brewer that i didn't want to insult his intelligence or waste his time and so but he uh, i you know the more i hear about fritz the more i realize he's really at, at a great sense of humor and very yeah he, he, believe me he could handle it okay <laughs> i've only had one interaction with a guy like face to face and uh, it was uh, myself and push and Sven and a couple other people went on the anchor tour and uh, we happened to see him just kind of cruising through on the other side of that glass, you know, just cruising around doing whatever. And uh, uh, our buddy Push goes, you know, hey, uh, Mr. Hainta, can we get a, a picture with you? He goes, yeah, all right, let's go. And so us four kind of went into the thing, and, and we we're getting our picture taken, and people on the other side of the glass saw what was going on, and they started queuing up. And he goes... I'm not doing that again, man. <laughs> he's, just, he's sitting there kind of glaring yeah. at us going, but yeah. now, look, now yeah. I'm outside yeah. talking to people. I don't want to be. I was right. doing you guys a favor. Fuck you. <laughs> it was pretty good. That's enough already. <laughs> All right. I have, I have listener questions in front of me. It looks I like bet, I got a, a phone call to, uh, who's on the phone, Beeve? His name is Tom <laughs> from New York. Tom from New York. What's happening? Hey, I'm good. How are you? We're doing all right. You got a question for the anchor guys? Yeah, uh, firstly, I'd just like to say um, I've come from uh, from England, obviously, and uh, I've been drinking beer for many years, and i just say I really like Anchor, so uh, well done, guys, and a great job. Is it out there in England? Can you get it is out in England um, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, there's some places in London that have some, but probably not up north where uh, where I'm from, up near the Thiegston Brewery. Okay, gotcha. 
Yeah. Uh, I just thought I'd ask, uh, if, if Anchor wasn't around, what are all of your favorite beers uh, from, well, either the U.S. or from the U.K.? All right. Good question. Uh, you're, you're asking me, Tom? I think it sure, yeah. sounds like he's asking all of you. Yeah, what would you drink? Yeah, well, that's a that's a, um, uh, a tough question. Uh, <laughs> you know, I like the beer that's in front of me, uh, and uh, there are so many good beers out there. Um, it, it it's just hard to uh, uh, you don't have to tolerate a bad one, you know. And and uh, you know, in England, what's out there? I mean, they're just fabulous beers. Uh, right now, I I happen to have a, a Gordon Beer uh, Maybach, and it has it, it's a wonderful flavor. And there's uh, I can't say that I have any particular favorite other than Steam. Steam is probably what I drink ninety well, percent of the time. Uh, it's the only thing we made when I started there. These other guys make um, may have an uh, more of an answer for you than I. Anything come to mind, Bruce? I, you know, I agree with Mark. You know, there, there's uh, <laughs> whatever's in there, front. Well, you know, there's so many yeah. good beers out there now, and I, I think you know, for those of us, um, you know, who were who were you know old enough then, you know, the early days of of kind of the microbrewery thing, you know, there there were a lot of great beers and there were a lot of not so great beers, and I think you know the 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 quality now is is really good and it's you know if you're a beer drinker what better place to be than you know, the united states and northern california it's fantastic but um yeah. you know I, I you know i i mainly drink our beers but I, you guys I, still I like get a flat a week apparently so yeah, yeah we do uh, and, <laughs> and and it doesn't take as much to to satisfy me as it used to i guess so you know, i like really. local when, when we're traveling, I always like to drink local. Okay. Mark and I were point. in New Zealand for the hop harvest uh, a few months ago, and, and we found some terrific beers in New Zealand. Unbelievably good beers. Yeah. Okay. Drink local. It's always local. You just try to grab whatever's closest. Mitch, what's your answer on that one? Uh, pretty much the same. You know, uh, local is great. Going to England and drinking the beers in England is a wonderful experience. You know, and even though we're known for making really, really hoppy and really high alcohol beers, getting a uh, fresh pulled cask in London is is a magical experience, you know, and... I, you guys are so diplomatic. I was hoping at least one of them would just be like, get Goose Island. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. something. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. No brands. No brands. Yeah. You know, I used to think that, that it was being diplomatic, but I, you know, I think it's a pretty genuine answer that most yeah. craft brewers are really just, like you said, you don't have to tolerate a bad beer, so you're drinking almost anything that tastes nice in front of you. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, you know, and that's what it's all about. I mean, that's what... You know, trying different beers, that's what this whole thing is about, you yeah, know, yeah. and and sharing beers and tasting beers that you've never had before. Yeah, yeah. All All right. Right, pardon me for yeah, interrupting just for a second. As well. Go ahead. Go ahead. You, you mentioned a new beer that I've not heard of before. Is that something that's widely available? Could we get it in New York? No, it, right now it's only available on draft in uh, California, but hopefully it's going to get back there. By the way, I think I recognize this guy's voice. Uh uh, we live in an amazing time. It, cause you're still on the road? Yes. It, it, here here we are sitting here in California. He's driving from Washington, D.C. to New York and uh, uh, listening to this show. Right. And my daughter just is in the car with him and just uh, did me a, a text message saying how I, sick I sounded. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> I just want to assure her that I feel a lot better than I sound. <laughs> is, that, is that your son-in-law? <laughs> 
Yeah, it's Tom. Oh, Tom yeah. and Stephanie, yeah. Oh, there you go. Stephanie, dad's looking all right. He's not going to... He's going to be fine. He'll make it out of the studio. He's hired call, hired call. Ring up yeah, th- yeah, thanks for calling in, Tom. It's great to hear your voice. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, man, I, I really am enjoying the show as well. Great job, guys. Terrific. Cheers, Tom. Thanks. All right, thanks. Bye. All right. Drive safe. Don't hurt Stephanie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did my mom call yet? <laughs> yeah, where's the person? Yeah, I like it when the guests use the microphones like a personal intercom system. <laughs> Our show does tend to tend to be like that. We have gotten moms calling. Well, our hosts do that. Scott, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'll be honest with you. It's usually wives calling in saying, enough already, boys. The show's over. Yeah. It's a Sunday night. Get him home. Yeah, get your ass home. All right. Uh, here's what we're going to do. I know that the anchor guys have got to go pretty soon, so um, we're going to take another break. Uh, if you've got questions, call now, 888-401-BEER. You can also hit the chat now button uh, in the, in the, on the homepage, and Bevo will send the questions over to me. I've got a few questions in front of me already that I'll ask the guys. And, uh, you know, just last few minutes to talk to the boys from Anchor Steam if you got anything to do there. We're going to go grab ourselves a beer and take care of some sponsors. It's the session. We'll be right back. Listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8:30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Double Secret Probation IPA, are the perfect accent to riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. Don't miss the Beer of the Month, special rotating taps, and the BN Army Member Special. Wear your BN gear, get 10% off your beer. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. Whether I'm making me dry stout or rebuilding me kegs, I head to the heart of dear Dublin for me homebrewing supplies. You head all the way back to Emerald Isle just for a wee batch of grain or a bit of keg tubing? No, you moronic waste to liver. Dublin, California. I go to HopTech. For 30 years, HopTech in Dublin, California has been supplying homebrewers with malt extract, fresh grains, hops, spices and sugars, hop oils and extracts, and much more. HopTech is one of the first homebrew supply shops on the internet and is proud to offer a Award-winning beer kits, both online and in their store. Mention the BN Army for a 10% discount off your order. The store is open every day except Wednesday or shop online at hoptech.com anytime. Hoptech is run by passionate, award-winning brewers who live, love, and travel for beer and bring their experience to the store for you. If you don't want to visit Dublin, just call toll-free 800-DRY-HOPS or go to hoptech.com. Visit Hoptech today in Dublin, California and at hoptech.com. 
When Blickman Engineering set out to design a great brewing stand, they knew it had to be strong, adaptable, and last for a lifetime. The top-tier brewing stand is now proudly available at BlickmanEngineering.com. It grows with your brewing skills and equipment. Start with 5-gallon coolers on its heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves. Then move all the way up to 30-gallon pots on the high-output burner tiers. Speaking of burners, the custom Blickman Engineering top-tier burners are extremely powerful, efficient, and amazingly quiet. They have safety stops to center your pot, and they'll last a lifetime and won't rust. The top-tier brewing stand allows virtually infinite combinations from traditional gravity systems to two tiers to completely horizontal. Configure your stand the way you want and have the freedom to change it at any time in the future. Your brewing stand should adapt with you, not force you to learn a new process. Visit BlickmanEngineering.com today to configure your top-tier brewing stand and to find a local Blickman retailer. You'll be surprised with all the flexible features and the competitive price. Start brewing with Blickman from the top tier. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Wait till you can pour it out of your own kegerator. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, your friends will look at you with awe. And it's just hot. It is? It's so super hot. <laughs> the the home of live beer radio. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. Yeah. We're not having any fun on this show no, here today. Absolutely not. I'm actually sleeping. Yeah. It's uh Leave your message at the tone. <laughs> it's been a big giant bore. This is one of those nights that uh my job's best job on earth. Hanging out with the guys from Anchor Brewing Company. If you're just tuning in, we've also got Mitch Steele from Stone in here. If you've got any questions for these guys, eight 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 four oh one beer, eight 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 four oh one beer. And uh, you can also hit the chat now button on the homepage and get your questions to us that way. That way, it's your last chance. I think Mark's got to go in a few minutes, and I think that Bruce is moving in. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Mike and I have to be back at the brewery at six in the morning. Oh, you, you do? Know, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm off tomorrow. Oh, you are great. Yeah. Well, we have oh, a kegerator good. full of beer and food and a futon. You know, I I made my aunt Gloria sauce for you guys today. Make a sauce. I made a sauce. All oh, right. I made a nice Sunday sauce. So anybody who wants to stay for dinner, you feel free. Uh, all right. Uh, we're so, going to GTL on Monday. That's right. But today it's sauce. Oh, I finally saw that uh, uh, the roast of Donald Trump. 
where you're talking about the situation and how he just spiraled into a giant bomb. Yeah. That was awful. Yeah. That was really bad. The situation. Yeah. All right, let's not talk about Jersey Shore yet. Why not? <laughs> because I think so far Mark Carpenter has a little bit of respect for us. Yeah? And uh, and, and I want him to leave that way. Oh, Actually, okay. I saw that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> How awful. It was yes! horrible. Oh, man. Horrible. I mean, the dude wore ankle, ankle dress socks. Oh, he did? Yeah. Wow. That's pretty, uh, that's just, yeah, I don't even. I guess I'm happy that I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah you, no idea. trust oh, me, you are. Great, yeah. it's Bruce that's going to leave here with no respect for us. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, 888-401-BEER, once again, if you got questions, and, and we had, had a couple left. So, we were talking amongst ourselves before you guys got here, and uh, my... Uh, one of our assistants here, Chad, who's behind you there, uh, he's about to go into the pro brewing world as well. What? But we are talking about your, um, you know, your all copper system. Eventually. And one thing we thought of was that doesn't copper thin out over time? And and wouldn't you have to just replace your? I guess we were wondering how often you might have to replace that brewery because it thins out. Well, I, I think I mentioned earlier we actually replaced the. Uh, uh, mash tun and the kettle. The mash tun is the it, it thins out the fastest because you're agitating grain constantly. Okay. Um, and um, the brew house was built in 1957, I think. Uh, used in Karlsruhe, Germany, for a while, um, and and then came to us, and we started using it in, um, in 1979. Uh, I don't know how many total brews went through it, but boy, it was getting thin, huh, Mike? Already. Very thin. It was getting very thin. And okay. so we did. We have, uh, from the dome down, we've replaced uh, both the uh, mash tun and the kettle. Just Which was difficult because to find someone who works with copper in this day and age is difficult to find. <laughs> I but bet. But we did. And, and getting more difficult, I could imagine. Oh, you bet. So you've only had to do it once so far. Is that what you're saying? Correct. How thin is it now? Because that was a while ago. Good. Well, that was after uh, we did that when in probably the early 2000s, huh? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's still looking good. Not too bad. You're still yeah, good. And we were using it. So, yeah. It was almost 50 years old. But I don't okay, ha- we'll... I, let's just say I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. But, uh, well, you know, Mike's already 100. He might get farther. Yeah, he yeah, might have to worry uh, about it. I, yeah. He's, uh, so we it, have another in storage. Oh, you do? Yes, we do. So was that because it was so difficult to find yeah. originally? You thought we better get two? Exactly. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. If you think it's hard now, wait 40 more years, man. Right. Well, not only that. See, that's brilliant. Because not only that. It's got to cost ten times as much right now as it did when you bought the oh, backup. Yeah, yeah, easily. So you guys saved a fortune buying two of them at that time. And the in one the in storage run. is twice as big. Oh, is that right? Yes. Just ready for the next expansion. It is. That's Which I guess good, is man. also good because your new owners are, are more interested in expanding uh, your, your production. Is Correct. that right? Correct. Okay. Uh, now, is that in terms of getting the beer out to more places as well? No, I don't think it's just selling in existing markets. Okay. Uh, I, I think they feel that they, um, I can't speak for them, but I think they feel that they purchased a, a, a brand, a very good brand. Absolutely. And, and, uh, um, and they want to be part of the brewing world and active at it. And as I said, I think they, they couldn't be happier um, with the brewery, and uh, we couldn't be happier with them right now. I mean, we're, we're, just, we're just making beer, and they they're just want to go ahead and move ahead. Great. 
Yeah, then there was some talk when that when that whole deal came down. You know, some people were like, "Oh, I don't know, Anchor Steam, they're selling out to this big company." And I think we sat here and we're like, "There's no way those guys would ever sell to uh, uh, some investors who just wanted to write it off. These people are going to be invested in the brand, and and it, it's going to stay the same." So they they uh, are I, they are. As I said it's two people, uh, Tony mm-hmm. Folio and yeah. Keith Greger, and they're good guys. Uh, and Fritz uh, had a lot of opportunities to sell it in the past that he did not. So I think he he had a, uh, yeah. a, a connection with these guys. Well, yeah. us craft beer fans, we love our breweries like we like our bands, right? And as soon as you sell out, we're upset. And so <laughs> that's all we have in life is music is. and beer and beer. And, yeah. and, but we're re- we're really very protective Absolutely. about our I think our brands that we identify with, like Anchor. So it really was cause for alarm, I think, and it's very nice to hear that the infrastructure has changed very little, and that certainly the beer hasn't changed. Um, just yeah. might get more of it, and that's all right. With Which me. is great. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. All right, let's go to the phones. I've got uh, Jack on the line who says he's from the Midwest. Huh. First Tom and re- Jack. can't remember where. These are great creative uh, names. Jack, you with us? Yes, I am. How you doing, brother? Where are you from? Um, well, I uh, was just um, telling Devo, I'm a little uh, flying under the radar. I work for um, one of the larger brew pubs in the Midwest and just had a couple questions but didn't want to, um, I don't know, expose myself too much, I suppose. All right. No worries. Sorry, we got a pro brewer on the line asking you guys some questions. What do you got, Jack? Well, mostly um, uh, just kind of curious what their thoughts are on, on kind of the team dynamic. Um, kind of... I. The classic story um, was home, home brewer, uh, went into the brew pub, delivered kegs, now worked my way uh, up um, to assistant brewer spot just behind a head brewer, and we're brewing 7,000 barrels a year. Um, so really exciting, but just kind of um, curious as to the guys' thoughts on um, team, team dynamic and um, sort of responsibilities of an assistant brewer, um, what maybe they would like to see uh, done, you know, um, by assistant brewers or maybe a a favorite project that they've they've seen put into process by an assistant. Um, kind of also maybe uh, are there certain responsibilities that should be maybe specifically for uh, a head brewer or that you know assistant brewer shouldn't shouldn't necessarily do whether it be testing the fines of malt crush or anything like that. So Jack um, wants to know what, everything. He wants to know how to brown nose <laughs> the brewer. That's what he wants to know. Uh, yeah. and how not to step on his toes at the same time. <laughs> Advice for an assistant brewer out there, guys. Uh, I I can start, but uh, these other guys probably have better advice. Uh, my only advice is, uh, you know, just be generous uh, and and uh, and move forward. I mean, Fritz always felt that that it you don't don't uh, if you can try to not worry about getting credit for every one of your ideas and and just uh, put them out there. Um, and uh, it, at Anchor, it really worked well. I think that we these guys can attest to that. I mean, so many Christmas sales. I'll bet you money they could each name ingredients that they've suggested for it, uh, although they won't name the ingredient. <laughs> As a reminder, they won't name the ingredient. Right, boys? <laughs> right. But uh, uh, Fritz has always listened, and I think most of the guys at the brewery are more than willing to, to give their ideas. Uh, we were all involved in the uh, project when we started making uh, gin, and uh, that was really something, huh? Because I mean, you talk about a, a team effort. Uh, none of us knew anything about making gin, hmm. and uh, we actually had four gins that uh, set up kind of the the square that we were trying to get inside. 
And uh, and uh, believe me, Fritz wasn't uh, going out ahead on that. He was just part of this team of of about what it was five of us, four, four, four. of us. Yeah, that's three and, and Fritz yeah. uh, for, okay. for the gin. And we spent a lot of time um, tasting gin, commercial <laughs> tasting gin. gin. I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry. Yeah, we were just tasting. Yeah. Yeah. Tasting suck, every, every right. Tuesday and Thursday morning at 10 a.m. for months and months. Really? Yeah. yeah. Not even a Friday. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on. That's ruthless. <laughs> Ouch. But back then, it, it did seem like it was just for fun. You know, the the distilling project was fun. And and coming up with the recipe for our gin, um, we spent a lot of time tasting commercial gins. And, and I think that all of us at that point got really good at tasting gin. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we could, we could tell, you know, uh, one from the other. And... Um, I know for one, for me for one, I've kind of lost it. I, I remember I was in a bar once, and I said, oh, I can tell a bee theater is from a... From, oh. <laughs> and I failed miserably. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You really have to be on top of it to to, uh, to keep that going. But anyway... you got to practice twice a week, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a feeling we didn't answer his question at well, all, but you know... <laughs> what was the question? Does Let he me, like gin? I don't know. Yeah. You, you know, one thing that I wanted to say to answer his question that I, I, I think, you know, most people who, who worked at Anchor, uh, who have worked there, you know, talk about is when I started working there, and, and I had no idea, I started working there, and, and I, I had no clue that 30 years later I'd still be at Anchor, but it didn't take very long to to get in there and see that it's really nice to feel like you're part of a team where it's a cooperative effort and also the importance of, of doing something that you're really proud of and i think we're all very proud and i you know and mitch too that we you know we make products that that we're really really proud of but but that whole thing of uh, that that i liked about anchor was kind of the 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 dynamic um among all the people there and it and it really is a team effort and you know mark mentioned that um that you know we call whether you work in the brew house or where you work everyone's a brewer we're 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 taking these raw materials and we're getting them out to people who are going to drink them and if you're involved in that you're 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 a brewer and um, you know, I think I think that that uh, team dynamic and and making a product that that you can be really really proud of is is the important thing. Yeah, yeah. One other thing I, I'd like to take the opportunity to just mention is we've we've been very lucky to work with a whole group of really cool people, mm. um, uh, many of which have gone on to their own brewing careers elsewhere. Uh, um, you know. It comes to mind right away a guy who used to work with us, Al Kornhauser. Unbelievable passion for beer and for beer history. Uh, Al could tell you the history of every brewery in America, I believe. Uh, and and he was at our brewery for a number of years. Uh, and just working with those kinds of people all the time, you know. And, and there was a lot of time spent at the bars in the afternoon, you know, uh, drinking our beer and and just hanging out talking. Uh, we learned an awful lot in those in that environment. Right. Okay. Jack, will that be good enough for you? You bet. Thank right. you. Thanks very much. Thanks, brother. I appreciate the call. <laughs> did you, did you have to wake him up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you bet. Jack was yeah. like, Jesus, yeah, I just the hell wanted a real phone. Yeah. It's like going home and listening to my family's vacation slides. Come on. Well, you know, one thing that I, I – it also sounded like he was asking, you know uh, – 
maybe what is the exact role of, of an assistant brewer. Yeah. And from what I've heard from the three of you, what I've interpreted so far is that, that in, in fact, from a lot of our interviews, there's not always an exact role. Your role is to do everything you can to support the brewery and the team. And sometimes right. you're sweeping the floor and sometimes you're bottling and sometimes you're the head brewer. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, you know. yeah, I think I think when you work for a small company and, you know, we're, we're a bigger company now, but especially early on, you know, uh, so many of us and, and Mitch worked at a very small brewery before he worked at Anheuser-Busch is everyone every day you do whatever it takes. You know, yeah. you know, there was um, uh, someone I know who, who has a, a small brewery here and he's the owner and he's the brewmaster and his business car set business card said janitor on it and he said you know i thought i should put on it what i do the most right and and you know if you work for a small company you better just be prepared to do whatever it is to to get through that day and to get the work done for that day sure i think it's funny sometimes when small not not just breweries any small companies you know the very big on like CEO, whatever the title is. Yeah. When really he's just like me sitting in a, in a spare bedroom in his house, you know, <laughs> selling books or something. Yeah. And I'm the CEO. All right. I was like saying I was director <laughs> of special operations. Right. When I was at Morbier. Just, I mean, because you did everything at that point. It's like, well, you know, people expect a title, uh, I guess, for some reason. And then you just throw them some weird nonsense that you made up and they kind of go, I, I still don't really know what you do. Right. And neither do I. You just kind of do whatever you need to do. I don't know what you do for us. And, well, I sit here and I take up space. <laughs> yeah. And I drink a beer and I look handsome. Yeah. All right. You do that well. <laughs> Thank you. I guess. Uh, all right. Let's see. I'm trying to get through my chat questions here for you guys, too. I'll tell you one thing that's come through uh, that always does. I, I knew it would. I should have prepared you. You know, our listeners are real big on, since 99% of them are home brewers, uh, they're real big on uh, recipes. And I, I didn't really prep you for that, so I don't know how many anchor recipes you have off the top of your head. But let's just start uh, from anchor steam and work down, and we'll <laughs> yeah, get through them. Yeah, but we'll get through them. They're yeah. all on our website. Chad, lock the door. Are the recipes on the website? No. No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, wow, I haven't been there in a while. <laughs> oh, shit. Do you guys do that? I don't think there's Steve? anything true on the website, right? <laughs> <laughs> Even the pictures aren't yeah, true. Yeah. We were founded by unicorns yeah. in Olympus. The picture of Bruce is like a 25-year-old uh, <laughs> yeah, calendar guy. model. Yeah. In the front stairs, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> 25, 28-year-old picture of Bruce. So uh, do you guys do that? Sounds do you, sad, do you, you know, Some breweries feel that the recipe doesn't matter too much, and they'll spread them all over the world. Other breweries hold them a little closer to the chest. What do you guys think about that? Are you recipe you get, givers? We, we we in the past we haven't really been. We've we've um, there. I I understand both sides of the argument. Uh, quite honestly, you could give out your recipe and uh, ten to ten different brewers and wind up with ten different beers. Yeah. Um, but we've always uh, had some secrets. Um, Mainly around surrounding the Christmas ale. I mean, it's pretty common knowledge that our our Liberty Ale, for instance, is uh, all pale malt and Cascade hops. Okay. I mean, what more do you really need to know? Now, when we add them and how we dry hop and whatnot, I think rather than give you the recipe, wouldn't it be more fun to uh, experiment and see how close you could get? You know, to sure. the to to the Liberty Ale, the Christmas Ale. We've tried to keep secret just because there's more fun in it. You know, right. we're, we're, we're uh, Mitch doesn't know anything about that with arrogant bastard. Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> They'll give us every recipe on the earth over at Stone, 
Except, but they find it fun to hold back arrogant bastard. Yeah. And, but I get the point. I get it. I get what you're saying to that too. Yeah, yeah, and so. and and so uh, if you give away those secrets, the fun's kind of over. You know, uh, the, the one thing we we have said in the past, and I'll say now, there is no allspice in our Christmas ale. Okay, everyone guesses allspice. It's right. never been there. It's not there. Okay. Uh, or coconut. No coconut. <laughs> is this a now, brewing now network exclusive? Yeah. yeah, that's it. No more. <laughs> because you can't confirm or deny, because if you deny, eventually you'll want you'll know what's in there. Right. Uh, right. But yeah, so what are the chances that I could keep feeding Bruce beer for the next hour of the show and getting the Christmas ale recipe? Yeah, well, the more beer I have, the less I remember. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Okay. There's yeah. lobster claws. Yeah. And yeah, laundry sheets, <laughs> right? Whatever those are. <laughs> okay, uh, so Liberty Ale, we just got the recipe for that. How about yeah? That? yeah so yeah. I've done my job. We did. Yeah, all Cascade hops. Uh, uh, Mike, what's the original gravity on the Liberty Ale? Fourteen five. There you go. Is it? So there you. Okay. You've got the original gravity. It's all pale malt. It's so all it's Cascade hops. Fifty six. So take it from 10, there. Fifty six. Fifty seven. Yeah. Oh, it's up there. The Liberty O. I didn't know it was that high. Uh, Scott uh, just opened my beer, by the way. Yeah, boy, he's gonna get a karate it's chop good. in the throat. <laughs> it is really good. You should have drank it all. All right, well, that's good enough. I, you know, listeners have been that's getting on enough. me lately about recipes because we stopped asking so much, and I should probably well, we say, forget, man, it's not just that I've forgotten; it's that I've stopped wanting to pry for recipes because, like Mark, I kind of get both sides of the story. Yeah. I get that. It doesn't mean you're going to produce the exact same beer. But there are things that we create in here in the studio. People ask me, this is a a very loose relationship, what I do. (laughs) People will ask me about podcasting. How do I do that at home? And I'll give them 98% of what I do. But there are certain techniques we do to make the microphone sound better uh, Mm. so that JP doesn't sound like a mouse. Right. Watch, I'll turn that setting off right now, and this is what happens when, when I do that. Go ahead, JP. I really don't like it when oh, you do this shit. because uh, I don't on, like me, people I can't, hang on, put it knowing, back on. knowing the way that I really talk, and it's just it's yeah. I really don't appreciate it. Yeah. So, wow. You see, you see that, and that's a secret I don't want to give away. Right. Uh, so I understand. So I've stopped prying so much for recipes. Well, and we have a show. It's called Can You Brew It. That's true. That's what we do on there. We do, so, do that, uh, which has you know. tons of clone recipes right. out there right now that the brewers come and talk to us. About, right. So. Well, Justin, for as long as I've been here, I, I can't really remember anybody that was, nah, I don't want to. It seems like the vast majority doesn't mind giving out the recipe. Is that accurate? It's accurate, but what happens is I don't like to make our... Uh, you know what I think we do well here on the show is make people feel comfortable that this is a beer-friendly environment, and we're really just here to have fun talking about beer. And I don't like making any guest feel uncomfortable if either their boss or their own policy is to keep things back. Right. And I think that there are certain questions that you ask a guest uh, if, the, if they feel that the, the, the masses listening are going to go, well, what a dick. Because, wow, what a great show it was until he wouldn't give a recipe. I don't like bringing that moment in. Now, it doesn't happen very often. No. I'm just saying that avoiding it altogether is I already knew the anchor policy, so it was pretty easy for me to approach and know how, how, how this conversation was going to go. Um, but well, to be honest, I kind of like it. The discomfort? It, well, no, it's the, no, the, the air of mystery. <laughs> I do like the discomfort, right. too. Uh, right. You know, that way everyone can know how I feel all the time. But right. um, it, I mean, you know, you have a historical brewery like Anchor. Uh, it's almost like going to Disneyland. You don't want to know how it works. 
Just what? let it work. And it's great. You and I with our loose associations yeah, I know, right? to podcasting in Disneyland. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, let me make sure I did get other questions oh, answered man. for the chat here, though. Um, we already talked about how the yeast responds to the barley wine. It does just fine. They apparently have Superman yeast. That's the most amazing yeast on Earth. Yeah. Um, I guess I, I did get a question about... Um, oh, the the... Fermentation room when you when you filter the air is that just a HEPA filter system that you're filtering the air through? Or is there some elaborate? No, yeah, it's just HEPA. it's it's simple. Yeah, it's a simple HEPA. Okay. It's a sheet. But, uh, in <laughs> fact, at the old brewery before we moved to where we are now, we didn't filter any air. Oh, you didn't? Uh, no, no, not at all. It was just. Uh, in fact, there were a lot of holes in the walls of the fermentation room. Well, right. uh, but for consistency, we're 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 trying to to move up a step. You know. Let me. Here's the final question I have about that, and then I'll stop harping on it because I'm still amazed by it. What about shelf life? Is there a difference in shelf life between something that is closed from the from when it leaves the kettle until the time I drink it, and something that it, uh, has open fermentation and things like that? Have you noticed any difference there? I I don't think that that aspect would be. Uh, uh, Cause shelf life. I think the shelf life would be the the filling process, the filtering process, um, oxygen, all, and things like yeah, that. all yeah. of those aspects. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll leave you alone about the open fermentation. Eventually. <laughs> well, uh, you got to come over and and uh, uh, we'll go over it in person. I would love it because Let's do it right now. I really yeah. am buying it. Like I yeah. said, th- when I went to Colonel Brewery in England, I was freaked out for a moment yeah. until I tried a spear, and then I I, I I got it. Well, you can't trust the English anyway, <laughs> right? They're, yeah. they're very sneaky. Those yeah. shifty eyes. Uh, <laughs> you need to see it. I do need to see it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to come down and do that. I have been to the brewery before, but I, it, the fermenters weren't going or something when I was there. I also do love the the tasting room. By the way, we've talked about how magnificent the brewery is. Beautiful tasting, but the room. tasting room you just feel comfortable. It's very yeah. warm and friendly. The second you walk in there, you just want to stay. You just want to hang out. I actually agree with that. That's the only place I've ever done a tour with, and it was fantastic. You liked it, right? I really liked it. I really well, had a really very good much. time. Mm. I mean, let's be honest. I was a little bored during the tour because I didn't know anything. But you weren't bored in the tasting room. But I was not bored in the tasting room. It was very comfortable. Well, that's where you can interact. Right. That's where you know the most of, is the the booze. Uh, By the way, if you were wearing a cleavage shirt, the brewers were not bored when you were on the tour, Bebo. I I was wearing that awful t-shirt that you designed. That's a that's a Bevo endorsement, by the way. There yeah. were parts of it where I wasn't bored. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really that's a yeah. huge compliment from Bevo. We'll, unlike we'll unlike put her that marriage. On the label. Yeah. yeah. Bevo like, was tonight, probably. I not... haven't been that bored. It's good stuff today. <laughs> Great. Emphasis uh, on that. You should always write the thank you emails to our guests after they appear. I think Bevo, you'll make them feel great about having been here. Uh, availability on the East Coast has been brought up. Let's see. This listener says um, uh, less availability on the East Coast. They feel like they only get um, seasonal seasonal steam and the Liberty. Um, is there less availability on the East Coast? Well, I would say it's a problem with our distributors there, but I don't want to offend them. Sure. Uh, okay. But uh, hopefully it is available, and we do have a good distributor network that uh, could work a little harder, I guess. But you're not holding it back over here just for us. That was, see, that was yeah. diplomatic. Yeah. yeah, no offense taken. I, mean, yeah. I think Mark should retire from Anchor and be our HR guy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
Uh, okay, so you're not keeping certain beers, you know, just waiting to to come to Martinez here. It's, no, okay. the the only thing we haven't uh, made available nationwide uh, or to our full network is our Breckles Brown. Everything else should be available, and hopefully the uh, the Brown Ale, the new Brown Ale, will at some point will get out there also. Okay, and the Humming Ale. Uh, no, someone asking, is, is, will the humming ale be available? Uh, is that just a, a, a one time a year beer? Is that something you'll do more? That's of? a seasonal. That's our fall beer. It is. Okay. We had a uh, we had a lot of requests for our distributors for a, a beer between our summer beer and our Christmas, and uh, uh, so we put our humming in there. Uh, personally, I'd like to have humming av- available year round. I was yeah. just I was uh, had a visitor the other day, and I thought. This guy would like the humming, you know, and I and I think, God, we don't have it. Right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, but it's our it's our fall seasonal right now. And that may change, but uh, right now it's the fall seasonal. Okay, all right. And finally, uh, someone asking about the Christmas beer, and I guess in terms of of, sh- of shelf life, he's asking if that is something that's um, ageable. He says his local grocer uh, has some, and he, I think he wants to go buy a bunch. Is that a beer that'll hold up over time? The Christmas. Uh, we know a lot of people who who collect uh, Christmas ale and keep it for years, yeah. and and we we drink old Christmas ale at the brewery, pull it out and taste it, and and it holds up pretty well. Okay, um, you know, it, and it certainly changes over time. You know, so I think the spices and um, you know dry hops um, change. I think it's gets maltier as as time goes on but okay. but yeah we I, I, we we know quite a few people who do that and i think uh w- one of the people you talked to earlier bob kaufman was mentioning right. you know that he has um uh, anchor christmas uh I think he said since 90 93 i yeah. think he said yeah yeah the christmas okay. ale is still beer and the freshest beer is the best beer okay but the final of the Christmas Christmas sale is pretty high, so it, yeah, and the spices it'll 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 last. <clears throat> okay, Dave, Dave Alexander at the Brick Skeller in D.C. and R uh, RF, RFD uh, Rural Food and Drink. Anyway, um, he, he keeps it all the time, and I uh, get kegs back that he'll have marked that you'll see the tag that says save till such and such a date these will be like three-year-old kegs you know and i i call them and say dave i'm going to charge you rent on these kegs you know? <laughs> right you're keeping them out of circulation yeah it's ridiculous what about you guys must have a nice collection of the old foghorn too the the barley wine i know stone is a, is a fan of doing vertical epic tastings where you guys will save you know years of the beer and then uh invite friends and 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 people over to taste uh, different years of that uh is that something you guys have done with the old foghorn do you have some huge collection of that uh we've been kind of uh, cornered to do it a couple times but no we it's not something we really intended to do okay but you, I mean, do you, is there some, you know, walk-in or something at the brewery where you're saving for posterity or just taste uh, several of your beers? Yes, yeah. we do have an, a library that uh, our warehouse guys keep getting mad at us because it's taking up too much room. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, again, like Bob said, like Bob Kaufman said, a, a library is when you have more beer than you can drink. Yeah. And certainly that might happen at a brewery. So when's the last time you guys did a vertical epic, Mitch? I got to go to one of those. Um. You know, it's. Uh, I guess the closest thing is probably the winter storm that we do on Super Bowl Sunday every year, where we break out a whole bunch of them. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, we try to taste. Uh, 
you know, every couple of months we'll we'll do like an art, what we call an archive tasting, where we'll we'll taste either the Imperial Russian Stout or the Old Guardian or a Vertical Epic series, you know, uh, six beers, and just see how they're doing. Yeah, and that kind of helps us manage our archive because Greg is a is a big hoarder of our archive beers, and and you know, if something's starting to get past its peak. We want to get it out there for people right away before it turns the corner. Gotcha. So we try to taste those on a regular basis and and just make sure that they're still holding up okay. Yeah. Man, we should go to one of those. See, this is going to sound like an odd state. I really enjoy old beer. Now, the the caveat is that old beer that's been taken care of and that hopefully has been packaged well. But I really enjoy tasting malt in particular change over time and start to give more of the raisin qualities that it can get. And even... I, I hate it when I say this to people because they look at me funny, but even that kind of musty basement flavor that an old barley wine can get, I really enjoy that. I don't like I don't like cardboard and oxidation, right. but musty right. and and raisin, I dig it. You know, one thing uh, um, in in uh, last trip to England, we sat down with John Keeling, whose name has come up a couple of times tonight at Fuller's, and he was telling us his theory is is that the the flavor of beer, a, a high alcohol beer, fairly strong beer, as it ages, is kind of like a sine wave, and it goes through peaks and valleys over mm-hmm. time. And um, and and he said it's going to go through several peaks over its lifetime, over several years, which I thought was a really interesting concept. Yeah, and, I wouldn't have thought of that. Uh, you know, I don't I don't taste enough of them to really put that to the test, but I think it's a very interesting concept. I definitely much more thought of it as a bell curve, you know, the one free fall and one, you know, that you <laughs> yeah. hope you hope for the best. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought of it as uh, Yeah, and I think most people do. Most people say, okay, well, you know, our beer, our Imperial Russian Stout, it's best at five years, you know, but maybe not. Maybe, right. maybe it goes through peaks and valleys like John is talking about. Yeah. I think it's very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, I know that Mark has to go. We've gotten late in the show. We've only had him for three hours. So uh, uh, I do want to thank you uh, for coming in. A- any of you are, are, of course, welcome to stay. We've got one more segment to do. Um, we've got another feedback segment to do. So uh, please stay, and, and you're welcome to do that. But I really appreciate you coming in. As I said in the beginning, uh, this is a show I've wanted to do uh, my whole career, and this is really just a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate it. It's been amazing. Yeah, I could sit here and listen to you guys all night. So. Well, thank you very thank you. much. I didn't know what to expect. It's just been an unbelievable pleasure, and, and oh, if man. you want to do it again sometime, I'm sure we could uh, talk Bruce or Mike uh, uh, come back and perfect. And, and love to. Yeah, it was it was a great time. Thanks. Good, good. Uh, don't right. leave just yet. We'll take a break so we can say bye to you. But uh, you are welcome back anytime. Uh, uh, what we what we tend to do uh, is is leave you alone for a year or so and come up with a fresh topic. We'll come back talk more beer. Uh, but anytime it would be great to have you guys back in here. Thank and, you. You know, in fact, uh, you know, you brought up Justin from Moore Brewing Company. I, I spent uh, about four days with him when I was out there, and uh, he he suggested too because I was telling him how. I just was a little, you know, a little uneasy about just asking. I just really respect the Anchor Brewing Company. And like I said, we tend to dick around a lot in here. And so I didn't want to insult anybody. And, and Justin's the one who said, you know what? Just get them in there. And I think you'll have a great time. And I did. So uh, he's a good guy. And, he is. Uh, but I appreciate you guys coming in here. Uh, okay. Thank you. Uh, so here's what we'll do. Uh, we're going to take a break. Yeah. And then I'm just going to go home with these guys. Great. You do it all closed down <laughs> yeah, the, you uh, close down the yeah. show. Uh, I'm just going to go sleep at the Anchor Brewing Company tonight and wait there. Uh, I'm just going to help brew at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. That's fine. I'll, I'll take care of the sauce. I'll take care of Kate the Great being really and everything warm will be fine. there, too, so I think you'll be good. Yeah. It's, it, was, it was cozy. It was. It's very cozy and nice. I'll just sleep in the tasting room. I'll be ready bright and early. Uh, to do what? Yeah. Uh, 
uh, to help to be Bruce. hungover. Obviously, to be hungover. <laughs> yeah, I'll be awake bright and early underneath a tap handle. Right, <laughs> that's not what'll happen. All right, so uh, a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little more to Mitch because I'm not letting him leave. Uh, and um, I also have to do feedback where mm-hmm. we had a, a couple different brewing questions. We'll get Tasty back in here for that too to help you out, JP. And uh, yeah, that's what we're doing. Thanks to the uh, Anchor Brewing Company, and go check them out on the website. If you haven't had an Anchor Steam, well, uh, you're, you're just, a loser. You're, you're not, not a beer drinker. I'll tell you that. Uh, hang in there, and we'll be right back. It's the session. You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah. Uh. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Since 1921, Mundins has been a provider of quality malted grain and extract. What did he just say? That's 90 years of locally sourced grain for home brewers and professional brewers alike. All farm within 50 miles of our malt houses. What? I can't understand what this guy said. Last part. Whole and crushed malts, including wheat and peated malt, liquid extract, hopped and unhopped, as well as dried malt extract. Everything from beginner home brewer kits to all the ingredients an infant's home brewer needs. Something about trains? What? Languages this guy speaking is from Austria. Mundins is proudly serving brewers in 54 countries and honored to be a leader in malting. Can you understand this guy? No. <laughs> That's a really free language. Muntins for brewing, distilling, and baking. Quality malted grain and extract for 90 years. Make your malt Muntins. What's up, dude? Why the long face? Valentine's Day was awful. The World of Warcraft subscription was a strikeout. Ooh, yeah, I hear ya. A couple of years ago, the new Hoover I got my wife was a bomb, too. But last year, I found PlayfulEvenings.com. What? What's that? You know, Mrs. Badrock's store. It's awesome. Totally tasteful passion toys. Are you serious? Yeah. What's a passion toy? You know, it's a central aid in the bedroom. Ooh. All kinds of stuff. Massage oils, couples games, lingerie, and books. Books? Yeah. Where do you think Tickless Pickle came from? Yeah, boy. Seriously. Fun stuff, and Mrs. Badrock takes care of the BN Army with 10% off. Go to PlayfulEvenings.com and click on Shop Online now. Put BN Army in the coupon code. PlayfulEvenings.com Thanks, Mrs. Badrock. You're a lifesaver. BN Army, it's Valentine's Day all year long at PlayfulEvenings.com 
Here's a bite for beer lovers. Soft caramel made with real craft brew and coated in chocolate. And hop drops. Hard candies made with real hop oil. Introducing Beer Candy from BeerCandy.com. Beer Candy's amazing caramels come in four mouth-watering flavors. IPA, bitter gold wrapped in smooth white chocolate. Lager, made with a familiar beer from Boston and coated in milk chocolate. Lambic, soury Belgian goodness full of fresh raspberry and dipped in dark chocolate and stout roasty cocoa chocolate insanity hop drops are made with fuggles or cascade hops and are known as the candy that bites you back choose from sampler and full sizes of both and make your mouth jump to life all at beercandy.com hop drops and beer caramels satisfy your sweet tooth as only a beer lover could with beer candy visit beercandy.com today What's funny is Bruce will say, yeah, I don't brew to stop. I'm brewing my own beer. And it's like a German Pilsner, but it's black. Yeah, it's a sports beer. beer, (laughs) The The home of live beer radio. Thebrewingnetwork.com. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. From the Brewing Network, this is Press Play with Scott the Jew. That's me. And this week, I'm inaugurating my segment by bringing you coverage and interviews from the 2011 Craft Brewers Conference held in San Francisco, California. This year's conference, I was told by an organizer, is the largest in CBC history. This year's CBC is our largest craft brewers conference ever with some 3,900 attendees here in San Francisco. And um, we have 205 exhibiting companies in the trade show and just a lot of enthusiastic people here for um, kind of the annual industry uh, family reunion. Last year, of course, we were in Chicago. This year, San Francisco has been a really wonderful host city to the event. The local committee worked extremely hard and um, just a great host city. I wandered the trade show floor and talked to some of those exhibitors whose displays most caught my eye. Well, Alexis Foreman from Wild Goose Engineering in Boulder, Colorado. So what we have is a small footprint modular canning line. We bake everything in-house, so we're an engineering company and a machine shop. We basically machine and manufacture every piece of it. Um, we integrate all the systems. So what we get is uh, an upgradability path from a hand filler to an automated filler, to a much more, you know, a higher throughput automated filler, so we have a totally modular system that way. It's all computer controlled, so we know, everything's flow metered, so we know exactly how much is being poured, we know exactly how many uh, cans are coming through, and uh, yeah, we can do that, all of that in the start of about a six foot footprint. I'm Dave Gardner, I'm with the Yukon Brewing Company out of Whitehorse, Yukon. We're collectors of old advertising, all uh, brewery stuff, we have a museum in Montana, and we decided to start making uh, signs for small brewers because everybody seems to hold them to high minimum orders and that kind of stuff and we want to do something that helps the brewers out plus we like stuff that we can collect ourselves i'm just overwhelmed with the response yeah my name is carl seidel i'm with cable bay conveyors and uh, what we're looking at here is a conveyor that moves grains malts gently and essentially the idea behind it is to not break the product. When you're talking about more expensive malts, and of course those are becoming a bigger part of your budget, you know, every single day, really what you're talking about is the difference between breaking a percentage of those and losing that value or not breaking that material. What our conveyor does is it moves product from, it could be from a beginning point 
It could be to a mixer, it could be to a mash tun, it could be to a packaging area, where essentially what you're doing is just moving stuff all day, every day, without breakage. That's what distinguishes us in the marketplace. Eventually, the antisocial side of me took over, and I went on the hunt for long-standing friends of the Brewing Network. You know, people I knew. It wasn't long before I ran into Ray Daniels. This could be the first time that I've ever been to the Cicerone booth and not seen good-looking women staring back at me. It's two dudes. You and another guy. What, what gives, Ray? Uh, it's lunchtime. <laughs> Somebody's on lunch break. So what are some of your goals for CBC this year? World domination and complete takeover of everything related to beer education. Nicole Ernie, how's she been in recruiting? Good. You know, this is her uh, for her first trade show uh, representing uh, the, the program, so she's uh, she's doing she's doing the job well. How many years have you been coming to CBC? Oh God, I came to my first CBC, I believe, in 1994. So it's a few years. And when I came in '94, I was hoping to start a brewery. You know, there are people that I met that year who had similar ambition. And uh, a lot of them did start breweries and now are, you know, mature, successful brewers. And then there's you. And then there's me, who's not, no, not, not, not mature and not successful. Uh, yeah, so, uh, but it's, it's a lot of fun for me to come back and, and see people that I've met, you know, over 20 years in the, in the business in various ways. As I made my way through the throngs of people moving in between conference rooms looking for the next panel discussion, I briefly caught up with Sean O'Sullivan and Colin Kaminsky. How's it going? We are about to talk about the virtues of uh, partner brewing. And what do you know about that? Uh, I know a whole lot about it, and I'm about to tell everybody about it. You should come in and join us. It's going to be Dick Cantwell from Elysian and uh, Dan Paquette from Pretty Things, and Nico's the moderator. Colin Kaminsky, where are you headed right now? Uh, I have no idea. Just following the crowd? <laughs> I guess. I think we're cattle at this point. <laughs> I also stopped by the table where Jamil Zanishev and Chris White were busy signing copies of their yeast book. We're signing yeast, uh, practical guide to fermentation or something like that. I don't know. I don't know what the title is. Yeast is in it. It's a book that Chris and I did last year. It's a book about using yeast. Instead of a book about the biology of yeast, it's a book about the practical aspects of using yeast, which I think is why it's doing so well. CBC is where a lot of people come that are starting uh, new breweries. I just talked to one right at the end of the conference that's opening a, a brewery in Central America. You know, that person's here to get ideas and get new vendors. And so this is a great meeting place for all those people that are are thinking about starting breweries and then, you know, seeing old friends. Before I took off for the day, I stopped in on one of the late afternoon panels hosted by Sam of Dogfish Head, who was talking about his reality television show Brewmasters that recently aired on the Discovery Channel. He started to tell me about an ancient Egyptian beer recipe that eventually became Tahankit. And they brought to Delaware and made a beer called Tahankit, a very traditional ancient Egypt beer, with it. And from there we thought, wouldn't it be cool if we can help other craft breweries you know, around the world isolate yeasts that are indigenous to where they're from, and then that way their own beers could have an even more local quality to them. What are some of your and Dogfish's goals for CBC this year? Just to learn. I mean, I think our industry is so wonderful in that everybody's so open and shares their ideas with each other. And together we are heavy, and we're getting heavier every day. Are you on any panels tomorrow? No, I'm not. I'm going to just drink for the rest of this. Learn and drink. Those are my goals for the rest of the CBC. I hope you enjoyed this recap of the 2011 Craft Brewers Conference. Stay tuned in coming weeks for more editions of Press Play. And until next time, this is Scott the Jew saying L'Chaim. The Brewing Network. You're listening to The Brewing Network.
Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. All right, welcome back to the program, everybody, and thanks for sticking with us. And what a fun interview that was to do, something I've been looking forward to for a long time. So very cool to have Mark, Bruce, and Mike in here and talking about Anchor Steam Beer. And uh, great to have Mitch along for the ride, too, to, to, to help out. Mitch and I were staying at the break. We, we really just wanted to sit and listen. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> Anchor is one of my, my main inspirations. I think uh, just recently... I was interviewed uh, for a blog, and, and I was asked what my craft beer epiphany was, and it was Anchor when I was in college, and I just started studying brewing science, and there was a pub in Davis that was pouring pitchers of the Anchor Steam Beer, and the first time I had it, the first sip was, was oh my God, what is this? And then by the end of the pint, I was stuck there all night drinking pitchers of it. It was just absolutely incredible. Still one of my favorite beers. What do you think the difference was in, in that transition? What was it having an all malt beer? I mean, I was drinking natural light and bullshit before I had a good craft beer too. So, what, what was the difference? Do you think? I think um, you know, I I was drinking a lot of hams in college, so uh, you know. But to get a beer that was all malt and had that much flavor, I think was um, it was it was totally different. It yeah. was just something. It was just this new flavor, this new experience, and it wasn't even like the same thing. You know, it wasn't like I'd go to a frat party and drink Anchor. It was something special. You know, and right. and it, it kind of I think pointed the way to to making beer a celebration in my life. You know, as far as not just something to get to drink and and just mm. get 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 buzzed on, but right. something to really enjoy from a flavor standpoint. Something and, to consider and let and let you know, appreciate it as it goes. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and that was a totally different experience from what I had had before and, mm. and it was it was life changing, you know? Yeah. Yeah the the uh, so I'm not from the Bay Area. I've lived here for a little over fifteen years now, but the, the longer I live here, uh, I, I certainly consider it home. So and the longer I live here the more proud I become of certain things here. And I, I'm 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 proud to have Anchor like as a I mean as as you know Mark was saying they were you know one of the first uh, they were the smallest brewery in in the U S uh, and and having seeing that grow into the beer that it is today it's just one of those moments where you can go yeah I live in a place uh, that has Anchor you know yeah. it, it just uh, I just dig that place dig the beer that was fun all right at you <clears throat> what you heard besides me coughing. Get it all out, buddy. At the end of the break, there was Moscow's first edition uh, of Press Play, and he did some coverage of CBC. You know, I've been talking about how Moscow is out covering things here and there uh, at different uh, events since he started yeah. producing with us. A lot of times that just appears on the uh, BN Army blog as videos, and I've wanted him to, to uh, you know, get in some audio, and, and he's wanted to do that as well. So uh, that was his first stab there. I wish, JP, you were in here listening so that we could now make fun of him. So do I. Uh, for the whole thing, but he actually... I don't know why you would make fun of me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was in here. I heard it. Yeah. I, robot. Uh, the content was fantastic. It's, it's exactly what I was hoping you were out doing all week while I was drinking. Um, uh, but it, it was a little robotic, 
Moscow. Thank you. <laughs> my master has yet to upgrade my running software. <laughs> I'm like a small wonder. If you open up my back, you'll just see circuitry. All right. Uh-huh. Especially for a guy who's a radio nerd like I am. I know. Like, you really love radio like I do. I do. Uh, he loves listening to it. Yeah. Let's, let's face it. <laughs> That's true. I've never been that great at doing it, but I do like to listen. Uh, you know what? I think it it's was like an excellent sex. start uh, and a really good uh, first one. Uh, like I said, I think the content was great. Your delivery is going to be fine. You'll be okay. Thanks, you know A what's... year from today, we should go back yes. and listen yeah. to one that he's done then That'll and this first yeah. one. No, because knowing the beginning. And then we can make fun of him. Yeah. This will be yeah. the only one. Second of all, I wish I had started <laughs> now. Uh, because what you, the way you just velvet hammered Scott yeah. was amazing compared to all the shit that you've ever given me <laughs> right. about doing shitty ideas and shitty jokes and shit. Believe it or not, shit thunderstorms. <laughs> Scott's the one person shit. in this room I think who's more sensitive than you. Uh, so I wore, I have yeah, to give him the velvet hammer. I don't know, really? maybe yeah. that's the impression you have. Yeah, I think so. All right, I think I, it, I thought I my veneer right. isn't. Convincing wow. you otherwise? I think that your emotional threshold is a cliff. That's it, true. So yeah. it, it goes from That's right. it, it quickly goes from everything's fine to Thelma uh, and Louise, this motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah yep. that's what I feel like. My that's... id and my ego are holding on, and we're just going over that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, it's it's accurate. It's like yeah. a bunch of chicks. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That it's a lot of feelings. feelings going on. Yeah. Seriously, come well, on. I'll work. You know, the reason I I guess I I I sound robotic because I was sitting in my room in pajama bottoms with the shades drawn. On, trying to narrate into a microphone, and I just couldn't muster what I guess I muster, or at least I think I muster when we're live. What's different about that than right now? I don't know. <laughs> the there is no I mean, difference. Have you seen Tasty? He's also in his pajama bottoms, yeah, and it's yeah, pretty it's, dark yeah. in his corner. Exactly. <laughs> it's true. I'll work on it. He <laughs> yeah. uh, did, did a good job. Uh, uh, Moscow's content, we're actually going to change one of the blogs on our homepage, and he will have his own blog. Uh, we're talking about ideas now, uh, especially because he's the guy out there doing coverage of different festivals uh, I now just glad hand and uh, Moscow's out there doing the real content so uh, we'll try to make that as available as possible on the new blog and look for that in the coming weeks um, up on, on the homepage and we'll get this piece of audio posted at least on the BN Army blog right now until we get that other one converted and you can download it and share it with your friends and uh, maybe one day you'll even get your own RSS feed well, I don't think that people are quite done reading the Beer Gadgets article on Tasty and Doc's keg cleaning setup, so <laughs> right. give it a little bit, so well, let everyone fresh, catch up on it, it? Yeah, right? and then you can make that mine. Yeah, that's what we're going to switch over, is the, the Beer Gadgets, because uh, we didn't get any submissions like we had hoped about different Beer Gadgets, and uh, yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, anyway, good job, Moscow. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Man. Yeah, mm-hmm. Thanks for working hard this week. I appreciate yeah. it. Uh, all right. Speaking of working hard this week, uh, Mitch sure Steele from uh, Stone Brewing Company still in the studio with us, and uh, another successful uh, craft brewers conference. And you were on a panel this week, also. I was. I was on uh, Jamil's yeast panel with uh, Chris White and Fal Allen and Scott Vaccaro. It was a lot of fun. That's one hell of a cast right there for talking about yeast. All great brewers, and of course Chris White. Yeah, uh, who's being the a great yeast guy? The yeah, the yeast expert, guru. the yeast guru. Yes, it was. It was a lot of fun. I think we had some good questions. We had some good dis- discussion topics. Um, you know, hopefully we helped some people. Was it just an open forum about yeast and how to use it, or no? Actually, we we had kind of developed a, a talking points list uh, about an hour before we went up there, and uh, you know, Chris had. I think it was Chris who had developed kind of a list of questions. So I had a little time to think about it before I actually sat down. 
but you know, it was it was kind of the basics, you know, and and it evolved into a discussion of cone to cone pitching, you know, in a brewery, pitching from one fermenter to the next fermenter versus actually collecting mm-hmm. collecting your yeast in a separate vessel, and and that would kind of became the the main topic of discussion during really? the, during the panel but it was very interesting you know and i think we all brought something to it you know it was a lot of fun for me on the panels like that you can and it actually happens on the show on a smaller scale but you can really find out what people are actually interested in with just one little topic sometimes one question will come through like you say cone to cone pitching and then everybody starts asking questions about that. And you can get what people are really needing to know, where there's information missing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and reading Chris and, and Jamil's book, it, it's, uh, you know, I've always felt that yeast and fermentation was one of those things that was just really kind of neglected. You know, everybody, when they talk about beer, and especially home brewers and such, uh, and myself included, you know, you just kind of, the yeast is, is like, well, yeah, I'm going to use this yeast, and that's about all you put into it, you know. Um, and, and you go into all this great detail about where you're adding hops and what hops you're adding and how much you're adding, but the yeast is... You know, that's what's making the beer, and, mm-hmm. and if you don't give it that same amount of attention, you're not going to have the same result, you know? Right. Yeah, so to have an all-star cast like that tell you what they're doing, uh, and I also heard, so when we're talking about the, the Craft Brewers Conference, just for, for, for home brewers and, and anybody out there, even pro brewers who have never been, you know, it's really the only trade show for for craft brewers where you get to have the expo portion of it where you really get to see the wares that people are are helping to innovate the brewing industry but you're also getting you know it's like the home brewers conference where you get these discussions about the brewing process but on a on the, on a pro scale and it's the only thing like it so to give you an idea of the size you know here's this room then i think that the the f- five of you uh, were if you include right. Jamil, right. five of you it you know it was full of of craft brewers from all over the country. I mean, standing room only. Guys just sitting in there soaking up information, just like we do at the National Homebrewers Conference, but here on the pro scale. And there's really nothing. There's no other uh, you know venue like that in in craft beer. Not really. Not so. really. Not that's solely geared towards craft brewers. Yeah. And and it's an annual event. It's a it's a wonderful thing to go to. You know. And and as I sit up there on a panel, and I'm honored to be asked to be on these panels. Uh, but you know what? I'm taking notes as I'm sitting there listening to everybody else too. You know, I mean, there's always more to learn. Yeah. You know, and 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 there's always good things that come out of it. You know, and I go back to the brewery and I look at all my notes, and you know, it's inspiring yeah. uh, to say the least. You know, you go back and say, well, I want to try what Scott's doing, or I want to, you know, I want to take a look at this and see if it works for us. Right. That is interesting because you know you kind of think of a craft brewer, especially of of, of Mitch's status, right? Um. That there's always more to learn. You know, I, I kind of make the mistake of going, well, what, what else? What else can there be? I mean, all the science we've been doing this for a hundred years or whatever. Sure, it's all done. <laughs> you can't. I mean, how are you going to change anything and make a significant impact? And and uh, you know, especially with a, uh, from a smart guy like Mitch. Yeah. Um. You know, or or a Brendelson or someone who they know what they're talking about yeah. and they're like the expert at you know X field or whatever. Well, and there's so many different things you could focus on both yeah. in our little brew house right. and in Mitch's big brew house that uh, I guess at different times in your brewing career you you maybe focus on different things. Yeah, it's just it's just amazing that there's still innovation, there's still different things you can be doing to to improve. There's always ways to improve yeah. no matter if you know if you think uh, there's not 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Unless you're Cantillon, which uh, I just want to say right now has it perfect. They can, they can, <laughs> never, much, unless they can never improve again, and they're fine. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I would agree. They're 100% perfect. I, you know, one of the things that I, <laughs> I kind of went up to, came up to San Francisco to kind of focus on was, was Britannomyces. Okay. Uh, we have okay. not done anything with Britannomyces or any sort of sour thing, and... You know, we're looking at having some new buildings in our our facility and being able to actually start doing something. How and, good are those going to be? Uh, you know, yeah. I wanted to. I wanted to. I went up to Vinny's uh, symposium. Vinny and Natalie had a symposium at Russian River Tuesday night. Uh, went up there and picked some people's brains, and I was kind of focused on that. You know, and, and it's nice to be able to come to these events and say, I want to learn as much as I can about this particular subject. And if you don't get it through the seminars that are happening, there's everybody is there, so <laughs> yeah. you can just corner somebody and pick their brains for a few few minutes, and, yeah. and yeah. you know, and just and come back with a wealth of information. And everyone's there to talk about beer anyway, so you know, you you, you make a joke, corner somebody, but everyone's really happy to do it, right? <laughs> sure. Oh yeah, they're all yeah. there to talk beer. If they're not oh, talking yeah. to you, they're talking to somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can play Hannibal Lecter and just pick their brains. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Yum. Now let me ask you this. Do have you guys hesitated doing Brett and different beers because you didn't want to contaminate the brewery? You, you mentioned doing a, another building that you might have it in, or just because you haven't gotten there yet. It's a little bit of both. I think um, you know the general feeling with with us is we didn't want to take the risk of bringing it into our main brewery uh, just because we you know we have so much invested in in arrogant bastard ale and stone ipa that you know and i've worked with brett or not really worked with it intentionally but you know in the (laughs) wine business when i was doing winemaking if you had a brett infected barrel you got rid of it right away and i know how hard it is to get rid of it once you've got it entrenched in your system and we've gotten so big and we've got so many brewers that my trust level wasn't there for us to do everything perfectly, you know. And I, yeah. I remember sitting at, at Vinny's talk last year about doing it and how he's got a separate cabinet for all his hoses and gaskets and everything else. And I don't think we can manage that as big as we are right. effectively. And and so I've always said, let's do it when we have somewhere else to do it. And yeah. uh, and that's kind of where we're at now. We've got. Um, we actually moved our headquarters to a building about uh, half a mile away from the brewery. We got a great deal just because we ran out of office space. Hmm. And they're down there, and there's actually a catering kitchen in this building that, that our restaurant is using to do, like, like the prep food work and stuff. And in this building, there's a, a 40-foot room with a trench drain in the middle of the floor. And we've started Perfect. moving barrels down there, and, and we're going to start inoculating them and, and huh. seeing what happens. See, I think that's a, a, that's a real, cool, just an excellent point that you make up too. You got to look at your organization and figure out your strengths and your weaknesses, and and do what you can do. And I think if you can look at it and go, yeah, you know, we're just not ready for that just yet. Yeah, and I think yeah. you know we're doing enough that that we weren't going to suffer for not doing it. But sure. we definitely, you know, as brewers, we're creative, we're interested, and we want to learn. You and, want and, in? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, <laughs> I and, want you in too. I need, <laughs> I need more Brett and sour beers. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we like them. You know, and and uh, you know, it's not for lack of wanting to do it that we haven't done it. It's just you know, are we ready from a staffing and from an educational mm-hmm. perspective? To do it and, and, space, and be not, successful, now you got more space and so space can, as well. Right. right, it's like the lot like that uh, the anchor story that Mark told about the advertising. Yeah. You know, I want to advertise on your cable car, but I'm not ready for that not shit. Not ready, yeah. yeah. And what you, get, you know your limits. Right, exactly, yeah. right? Yeah. What if, uh, you know, you guys make a, a sour beer, just one batch, and 
it j- explodes. Yeah. Yeah. And what happens if that get into our gets into our Stone IPA? Yeah. <laughs> you right. know, and, yeah. and it might be pretty good. Got, or evolve. Yeah, yeah, it might be. You know, but I'd like to have some control over it. <laughs> yeah. You know, right. it's like, yeah. hey, this is uh, we did a secondary with Brett on this batch of beer, and you know, and let's see what happens. But yeah. uh, we yeah. certainly don't want it to happen accidentally. <laughs> So another nice thing about uh, I, and I, you know, Tasty and I talked about this after the Crappers Conference too. You know, one cool thing that we get to do as the Brewing Network as as we're meeting people is we end up meeting new pro brewers that are alumni of the Brewing Network, and I think I must have met seven or eight different uh, brewing companies that that came up to us and said, "Yeah." been listening to the bn for years as a home brewer and then either just started you know working for another craft brewery or opened their own craft brewery met a a a rad couple out of south carolina that's been open for four months been listening to us for a long time and just opened their brewery there um a couple other people that i had met before dougie right Uh, dougie of course well not only dougie but but uh, patrick rue yeah even what he was a listener i met him at my very first cbc in austin and he came up to me there he was basically jameel at this conference when i met him Uh, running around to all the 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 different vendors finding out what's doing he came right up to me and said you know hey been listening for a long time i'll be open by the next cbc and sure enough he was and I got to tell you how cool it is to meet listeners that have graduated to pro brewing to take the step to to go that farther. I think we have to have like a, a brewing network alumni plaque. Oh, graduates! Yeah, yeah. graduates to to, yeah. to put yeah. on there, and they can pay us for the honor. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. give out certificates. Yeah, we'll do a Cicerone type deal on them. Right. Yeah. You know they're all making a ton of money brewing beer. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Hand over fist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they have it coming out of their ears. Man. Well, and, it, and that, actually, it is funny too. Not just the the money side of it. You know, some of them start breweries. You know, with their wives, and then and their wives are also very enthusiastic about having listened to the Brewing Network. Other ones are working at breweries and their wives are standing next to them giving me the dirty eye. Like, yeah, great. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thanks yeah, for you're perpetuating this bullshit. Yeah, he, he, was, him he was an electrical engineer pulling out a great sour. Yeah. But, <laughs> and then he found well, your on stamps. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> but you met a couple of those people, right? Yeah, some, some different than you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. Cool. Yeah. It's yeah. just fun. A couple too. of them had partners there introducing me to, and he they were they didn't know about the Brewing Network. So, oh, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Pretty, pretty cool. It's really, I, I just, uh, it's it's not just flattering, but it's also, uh, you know, I, I become proud of them. Life for, affirming. Well, and they step out of their own. A lot of times, the story is that um, I didn't really like what I was doing. I found yeah. home brewing. I learned a lot from you guys. Now I love what I'm doing. So it's also just getting to hear rad stories about people doing jobs that they like. All of a sudden, yeah. Well, I love. I, it makes me feel really good to to know that people are getting in debt because of me. It's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're doing a good job. I love it. A lot of them are. They're just uh, yeah. some are starting really small. Some are getting money and starting pretty big. Yeah, yeah. But Fuck you, Dave Ramsey. All right, <laughs> I will right. destroy you. But you're saving their souls. I've met more ex attorneys that are doing yeah. this stuff now, and you know you got to sell your soul to do that. Right. So right. You're, you know they might be in debt to Mastercard, but you really you're saving them. All right, I want you to go this week create the saving your souls one beer at a time uh, ID campaign for the the station. That's good. I'm going to write that down. Yeah, you can do that. But that was a lot of fun for me. I really enjoyed that and then just, you know, meeting uh, some of the other craft brewers and stuff. Got to meet some. You always meet brewers that you haven't met before. Um, I also met an organizer. Uh, Apparently, the there's a, a craft beer movement in South America 
happening right now, similar to what was going on here in the early 90s, where lots of different craft breweries are sprouting up. And they have the South American equivalent of the Great American Beer Festival going on in Buenos Aires. The GSABS? In May. And so I'm kind of thinking of bailing out to Buenos Aires in May. I was invited to come down and potentially... You're a fucking asshole. (laughs) I just heard people canceling their subscriptions. I got got to go to one craft brewers conference thing this week, and you're going to Buenos... Fuck you, Aries. Well, this is why I go, because... I just go, and and my job as the face of the Prig Network is to meet uh, and find out what's happening in the industry. Yeah, right. And and it just so happens that what's happening is that there's a rad beer festival in Buenos Aires Uh, in May. But do they speak English? Do they listen to the Brewing Network? No. They do. That's what we call out of our demographic. I think I should be the face of the Brewing Network. Out of our geography, too. (laughs) I'm a lot prettier than you are. Yeah, it's true. Do you want to go with me? Because I think May is bikini time in South no! America. Oh, wax your South America for South America. You could be my assistant. <laughs> Done. <laughs> I, well, so it turns out the organizer knows all about the Brewing Network and saw us at the National Homebrewers Conference in Minnesota. Loved what we did and 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 wanted uh, me personally to come down. It's always you. <laughs> it's never you and your right. co-host. It's always you. Well, we'll see. Always. It's also one of those gigs that you know. That I don't know if we'll get paid for it, but we maybe we can get them to to, to foot the bill, and then I'll, I'll get all of us there that I can. But uh, yeah, I'm uh, sure we will all be happy about that. <laughs> yeah, and by all of us, I mean me, Mitch, and Chad are headed right. down to Buenos Aires. <laughs> no, you're gonna have to send me a postcard. I think <laughs> you can't make it. <laughs> so that I'll run the fun. board for you. So for our for our uh, and you walk know, your dog. two and a half South American listeners, uh, we're coming your way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or as they say, hola. <laughs> Yeah, Pete'll be down there. Pete's a big fan. We should have a segment on our show. Yeah. Some know. of the South American brewers, so he'll he'll be down there. He'll be down there. He's a big there. fan. Uh, yeah, Pete's a big fan. Yeah, yeah. Jay Brooks is going to be a judge, and Steve Beaumont, who's coming on the show in a couple weeks, it's uh, true. Another yep. beer writer. Uh, he's a part of the judging of the the competition portion of the of the event, and and now me, basically, uh, <laughs> part of the judging. Or, no, oh. are you nuts? <laughs> no, it, they never offered that up. I, took, I noticed I took a long pause there. <laughs> here's, how, here's how these conversations go, by the way, just so people don't think that there's some grand, like, uh, kissing ass of the Brewing Network. They kind of usually go like this. So, yeah, you could come down and do what you guys do. <laughs> like, they don't even know. Things. People yeah. don't even know. You could just come down and, 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 be, and do what you do there. What's well, clear, there's no requirement. <laughs> you don't even know. You won't be writing essays or putting up PowerPoint presentations. Yeah. Or... All they know is that they've seen the hop grenade every fourth T-shirt. Oh, I see. And so they just go, yeah, you should come do that thing you guys do. You yeah, know. Whatever that is. <laughs> what, I, what I realize now is that I just need to be you know, one level below your name. Justin and JP, right in the same breath, <laughs> and you might get Again, invited. Yeah. Prettier than you, yeah, yeah. But I got a bigger wiener than you. Wait, not necessarily. Yeah, I got <laughs> still taking Bevo. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> All right. So that was my craft brewers conference experience. Good. Mine was uh, going to an event. <laughs> so did you talk about the, <laughs> the opening night and how cool days. the Academy of Sciences were? Mm-hmm. Did oh, you go to the rainforest? Did you see the white alligator, the albino? Oh, my God. I wow. saw it. So cool. On our dresses. Right 100-pound bass. Crazy shit in that place. Yeah, the, the California awesome. Academy of Sciences was the host of the opening uh, Gala or whatever it was. Welcoming uh, reception. Welcoming reception. Thank you. It's so cool. Yeah. That was an awesome place to have the welcoming welcoming reception. Yeah. yeah. I'm telling you, it we did beautiful. a good job 
By we, I mean all those people who worked hard did a <laughs> right. good job of hosting the Craft Brewers Conference. That's that, right. Looks smooth to me. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was a good one. It was, you know, I go, I go almost every year, and this is one of the more enjoyable ones I've been to. Mm, nice. True. For those that don't know, it's a uh, science museum in Golden Gate Park, and it's mm. uh, I think it was renovated maybe what four years ago, five it's years ago. Real it's basically more than brand that, new. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like a boring science aquarium thing. I no. mean, the exhibits are insane. Yeah. You can there's a thing where you can feel what it's like to be to have a um, an anaconda kill you, mm-hmm. or fisting Jamma Jameson. Jamma Jameson. Jamma Jameson. I'm kind of drunk right now. Nice all that free fucking anchor steam. All that all that session beer that yeah. you like so much. Well, you know, I haven't really eaten a whole lot. <laughs> Uh, but a lot Jamba of cool uh, exhibits there. So and cool. the 21st Amendment hooked me up, too. I, I went to 21st Amendment for dinner before that. Those guys rented out one of the, uh, a San Francisco trolley, the bus version that can go off the track, yeah. and uh, you know, drove a bunch of people all the way out there, too, which was very cool. Yes, Beef. You can feel how an anaconda kills you? It's like you can put stuck not so side. much. You you can you can shove your arm into what looks like a glory hole and feel what the pressure of an anaconda is like. It's like a real big glory hole. Did you yeah. see the penguins? I saw the penguins. That, that was awful. cool. <laughs> yeah, I missed the penguins. The butterflies up in the rainforest. I didn't see the gay uh-huh. butterflies. <laughs> Birds flying around. It was You're pretty cool. Awesome. Hey, it was pretty cool. Yeah. together. But I did see also that the albino alligator. That was pretty yeah, impressive. Yeah. That was really cool. You know, what pissed me off about that trolley car. Bullcrap, by the way. Yeah. So when before we get off, Lloyd, the manager there, goes, "All right, be back by ten because we're leaving at ten. Oh, sure. This thing leaves at ten. <laughs> so idiot Petros here was the first motherfucker <laughs> back there by ten, and that's ten oh five by the time I get there. I knew that the drivers wasn't are talking. The drivers are talking. I'm like, yeah, uh, are you guys leaving at ten? Oh shit, is it ten? Yeah, we're supposed to. And then they're on. Uh, there's we're hanging around for twenty minutes, and I'm going. <laughs> I thought we were supposed to go, and you told everyone, you know, if you don't make it, then you, you gotta fuck. relax. It's a beer festival. But I didn't want to like have to get a twenty dollar cab or some shit. So I'm like right. sitting on the thing, going, "I'm I'm first. Sitting <laughs> <laughs> there freezing your ass Gold off. fucking star. Right. Ten forty five, and people are going, oh, "I made it on the bus." <laughs> Assholes. Good effort, JP. Good effort. You were there. You know, so the creepiest thing about that that whole night was the guys walking around with the uh, the shrimp or something. They had a big pole with two guys, and they were walking around serving shrimp. Oh, did you see right. that? I forgot. That was a I little weird. See that. that was a little I didn't weird. See that yeah, either. they had it kind of like a you know, like they're carrying water from like, the jungles or something. Yeah. Yeah. like they just That's killed them all. Yeah. yeah, that was about the only awkward thing. But big shish kebabs. We're trying to get them to like you know, hey, you need a break or uh, you know, try to get people. It was to hard leave to get them. them to stop. You know, you're trying to get the <laughs> shrimp off the swinging plate. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was interesting. Yeah, I didn't see that. That is strange. <laughs> All right, uh, a couple of things to get to. Looks like I'm getting calls here too Uh-oh. on the Skype. Silver, what's happening? Well, I'm just kind of curious if you're ever going to get to a drunk of the week at this point. <laughs> no, we're not <laughs> at this point. Angry drunk of the week. I am now. You're here. What do you got? What do you uh, have? No, I'm not going to give you a resume. I'm just going to tell you that I've been drinking and drinking and drinking. Uh, yeah. right. And I've been online the whole day with your. Bruce Strong. True. Oh, so yeah. you've been drinking since 11. So have I, though. Shit. I made an Irish red. Nice. And I tried to rack my Flanders red out of barrel. I had that. And what, <laughs> Great, what, what happened to it? Yeah, it sounds like you didn't Try it. had success. 
I didn't have the right bung because it's on the floor, and I am not about to lift 30 gallons of Flanders Red off the concrete onto a shelf. I Puzzle. do not want a hernia. That's a good idea. Good idea. Yeah. Or a broken head if you've been drinking. Me is the fact that I called in last week, and I'm just simply holding this Apple product. I'm not going to mention it because that would give them money. Uh, up in the air, and yet it sounds like I'm on a better than a telephone. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. You're doing well. So, uh-huh. Thank you for the technical assessment. <laughs> is he talking about, like, Granny Smith or Washington? No, I think or... he's talking about how he's speaking to us over Skype. Speakerphone or something. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, it nope. has a clear connection. Nope. All right, so thank you, and you are in the running <laughs> then, for even something. without your res- resume. For Gotta love that newfangled technology. For Drunk of the Week. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Oh, you know, we're going to the Cleveland International Beer Festival. Bruce Strong is, is yeah, again, who's there. going? And, uh, we, we went, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, J- uh, Jamil and John Palmer, uh, will be at the, uh, Cleveland International Beer Festival. It's the largest showcase and competition of world beers in the Midwest, and it's coming to the IX Center in Cleveland on May 13th and 14th. Uh, there'll be upwards of 800 beers from 200 breweries, which is a lot. I don't know if you mm-hmm. noticed that. It is a lot. It's a fair it's a amount. Few. Yeah. Uh, there are three different sessions. It's like a, it sounds like the GABF of, of the Midwest there. Uh, tickets are on sale now at the IXBeerFest.com. Go to IXBeerFest.com. On May 13th, there will be a live broadcast of Brew Strong with Jamil and Palmer from 8 to 9 p.m. On May 14th, Jamil will be helping uh, present awards during the awards ceremony from 2 to 3.30 um, and finally, on May uh, later that night, on May 14th, Jamil will be hosting a VIP experience session for one hour. Um, you can go to ixbeerfest.com for all the details on when that will be happening, how to get tickets, uh, the schedule of when we will be there. But it will be my first time to Ohio. Nice. Um, so I'm kind Second of excited about that. That's not true. You we picked Cincinnati up a rental car the there, yeah. Oh, Cincinnati uh, is Ohio? Also? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought Cincinnati was just Cincinnati. Well, you can call it Michigan. Forget it. Your first time, yeah. Call it con- no. I mean, who else knew that? It's the Midwest. Isn't Nobody. It? Yeah, it's, yeah. Well, I did, and I'm an idiot. Yeah. You know be, what? It could uh, be North Ohio and South Ohio, too. You don't know. All right. So my se- it's probably like my eighth time in Ohio. Yeah. Uh, all right, so, I think Mitch is shaking his head at you right now. I've probably been to other places in Ohio, too, <laughs> now that I think of it. There's a few places like that that you don't know that the city... Like, I always think of St. Louis. Like, that's in Missouri. Right. You know? It's like, right. you know, you wouldn't think that it would be in Ohio. Just not that that... Not a, that's not a disparaging comment. Again. You're helping saying. me out a lot here, <laughs> yeah, thank thanks, you, thank you. thanks very much. Yeah, you're not giving me support over here. Do me a favor and don't help next time. Uh, all right. Going to Ohio. Just above Washington, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it's by Russia. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so uh, that's on uh, May 13th and okay. 14th. Come check us out, and we'll be doing a live broadcast, so you get to listen, too, if you can't make it out there. But come say hey. Uh, yeah, go say right. hi. Some other things to do. Uh, I have to do feedback. I know that. When you do it. It's, who's it brought to you by? Well, feedback's brought to us today by Brew Bar. So you can go to uh, Brew Bar Energy Bar. Uh, it's, a, it's a brand new Brew Bar Energy Bar. It's made from the same ingredients uh, that we make our beer out of. It's, a, it's all natural, and it's malt-based, and they're, they're really fantastic. I like the Brew Bar. And you can go to Brew Bar. Is it Brew Bar or Brew Bars? I should know that. Before. Bar. How much Irish bar. moss do they put in per five, beer, five bars? I want to know. Good question. Thank you. Go to brewbar.com, B-R-U-B-A-R, brewbar.com. Check it out, brewbar.com, our proud sponsor of this feedback segment. Oh, 
my God! You've got mail. Kick ass. Once again, a lot of feedback about um, charging for past shows. I'm I won't not, say I, anything. I took most of it out of the feedback segment, uh, but you, you guys are sending in great suggestions. Mitch, we have brought up the topic of, of potentially charging for our archives. That, that current shows would be free, but if you want six years of programs, you might have to be a member of the BN Army. And uh, we've been getting a lot of feedback about it, uh, which we've asked for. Positive or negative? A little bit of both. <laughs> okay. And actually, mostly positive, yeah. um, with a yeah. lot of good suggestions of how to do it. We wanted to make the change open source, to let uh, people tell us how, how they best would like it to happen, or if they would like it to happen. Uh, essentially, to to not only help uh, with server costs, but with staff costs and, and things like that. So, a lot of feedback about that. Um, and we already have a lot of listeners that have already connected the dots and, and contribute voluntarily. To right. the show, right? So they they get that much in value, so they're more than happy to put in a few bucks a month. Yeah, that's awesome. They've been the unsung heroes of the BN for the last couple of years. So I think I put this one in because he just told. Uh, this is one, uh, Justin. You wonderful retard. Uh, my name's Brad. Brad. He loves you. What's up, Brad? Forum name Numsquat. Longtime listener, first time writing. Uh, grow a pair and just start charging five bucks a month. Uh, those uh, who would pay, including myself, will pay. Those that won't will just whine and cry and huddle in the corner uh, with their binky and blanket needing a diaper change. 60 bucks a year is worth at least 20 times that compared to print media. No offense to any of the print media uh, but other uh, and other podcasts combined. I've been a longtime listener for uh, like five years, and my beers improved so much in that amount of time compared to the 10 years of brewing I did before that. Uh, I actually have all the episodes, and I want to keep on disc and hard drive. So I have no need to pay for back episodes, but I would still sign up to do it. So, Well, you're a good man, that's why. Uh, Brad says to uh, keep up the great work, love everyone, including JP, what? and again, grow a pair. So, Okay. There you go. Uh, let's see, what Trying. else do we have? Hey guys, love the show. Was really excited about the new um, app and the ability to listen on the go. This must be a person kind of behind in the archives. We do have a, a Brewing Network app in the iTunes store. I think that's how uh, Mark from Anchor's uh, family was able to listen yep. tonight because they were exactly on the right. go. They must have been oh. listening to the app. Uh, but he says, this, this listener says, I'm highly disappointed in oh. the app. Hmm. When I first open the app, it asks me to select a channel, of which there are no options to do so. The next thing I notice is that there are three buttons that link to uh, the company who made it. Not too impressive, considering one of them could have been linking me to the channels it asked me about. And then I sit down to listen to the session that's currently currently playing and figure I'll swap over to Angry Birds while I'm listening. <laughs> but I can't. What archaic developer would not enable multitasking uh, on the new iPhone OS? You can't run two apps ever. Yeah. Oh, you can't? Nope. No. Not unless your phone's jailbroken. Oh, okay. I That's the iPhone, that. yeah. I just thought it because we actually created the app before the new iPhone OS. No. Uh, well, I'll tell you what uh, you can do it on. The Droid X, except, you can actually do that. Except that our app doesn't work on No, you don't have an app uh, for the No, old ones it does. New ones it does not. When are you going to make an app for my uh, Circa 2003 flip phone? <laughs> that doesn't happen. No, they don't. What? Write it. Somebody <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> writing for that phone Can anymore. Can somebody, like, take the time and take Scott to Best Buy? Like, have we seen his camera, his cell phone? <laughs> the app for Good that Lord. is going to be JP texting you the entire contents of the show. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Hey. 
anyway, it kind of just goes on and says, hey, sorry to be that guy. It just sends in a bitch fest. No, but uh, this cha- this train wreck of an app warrants it. Um, uh, yeah. So the app is not perfect. I agree 100%. In fact, when I signed up for it, I didn't even know that a portion of the proceeds go to that stupid company who built it for us. Uh, they put that in very, very, very fine print that I think was on the opposite side of the PDF. Uh, so that was a little tricky. And also, I paid to have them build it, which was also a little tricky because usually you either pay or you profit share. Right. And I apparently do both. Yeah. Uh, also, I I, I kind of I knew this going into it, but I thought it was a good deal before I realized I was profit sharing. Um, that it doesn't have like like it, it's not a very robust app. You, you can't get past episodes or anything like that. You just get whatever streaming whatever live. live. So it's fantastic if you're driving in your car and you want to listen to what's happening. Let's have a droid. Um, but our app doesn't work on the droid. I know. Well, then this doesn't fix it. Jamil's, oh, I see what you mean. I right. see. Unless you have a droid, then you can't do that. Right. You can get Jamil's pitch rate cal- calculator on your uh, droid. That yeah. just became available. What the fuck? Because he Come on. paid to have both done. He's less well, cheap than I'm me. Just Jamil's smart. You could just log into That's iTunes great too. and listen to the episodes from the podcast. Right. Well, I, I I guess what I'm saying is I don't disagree that we should have a better app. I just don't have it for you yet. And so right now, all it does, I, I just don't want to mislead people who are going to pay a buck ninety nine. It, the only purpose it serves is for iPhones to listen live to whatever's streaming at that moment. Done. It doesn't do anything else. Right. So get either, your Game Boy out if you're play, pay or game. don't pay right. for that. Let's uh, not even talk about it. Then. And that's it. Well, we just did though. Oh, can we erase uh, it? Let's go back. So, Cut it out and post. And I think it was also warranting of an explanation no, since it happens often. Uh, so there you go. All right, let's see. Tom writes in, "Hey guys, I've been patiently waiting for the black gray hop grenade shirts to come in for us uh, normal size individuals. Where are they coming up? Uh, those will not be coming up. The black gray hop grenade T-shirts have been discontinued. Hmm. Uh, they sold very slowly, and we have a whole new line of great T-shirts that you guys are going to love." Coming out, the black array. If you have them, uh, put them in a framed glass case and hang them on your wall. Send them in, and we'll sign them. Don't do that for twenty bucks a signature. Unless payable uh, to Jason Petro. Yeah, if you do that and JP takes care of it, then I then I'll go ahead. Uh, but, if, but I have nothing to do. With it. Um, I need the money, baby. What does he say? Uh, but I have been. He goes on to say, I've been aspiring to open my own brew pub. In fact, I sent an email the other day asking to help me network for info. My networks. Uh, I keep, uh, oh, I think he's promoting something here. I keep hearing Jay-Z talk about the beer styles and knowing them and having a good basis. Uh, I think I have a good basis on most styles, and I love to drink them all, but there's always room for improvement. Um, so I figured I'd plan on opening a brew pub. Uh, he's really long-winded. Uh, I need to have an absolute clear and well-managed understanding of all the styles to make sure that when tweaking my own recipes, they're good and stuff and etc. Oh, then he says the classic line. Uh, well, long story short, uh, <laughs> what better way to do that than uh, work my way, brew my way through Jay's B- Jay-Z's book, Brewing Classic Styles, etc., etc. So he opened up a blog called brewingclassicstyles.blogspot.com where I think he's writing about brewing through all the styles. Is he a girl? Because that was a long way to go about saying, I have a blog. I cut out 60% of it. Really? <laughs> Uh, so that's from Tom, uh, brewingclassstyles.blogspot.com. I uh, hope he gives credit to Jay-Z all throughout. Well, <laughs> yeah. well especially because he took the name of his book yeah. to put as his blog. But he added Blogspot. Well, you have to, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. 
Oh, here's a little information about 2011 National Homebrewers Conference in San Diego. Roger wrote into us. He's the club night coordinator and wants us to know, you know, there's still room for club night. Um, so if you have a club, there's still space available. Only a little bit of time left to register clubs to pour beer at club night in San Diego's National Homebrewers Conference. Uh, it takes place Friday, June 17th in San Diego. And um, we have al- they say we have almost 1,500 attendees registered for the conference already. Wow. Um, last year's record attendance was just a bit over 1,300. Yeah. So he said it's going to be the biggest club night of NHC ever. Mm-hmm. So club reps can go to ahaconference.org, click on the events link, and, and then uh, club night link for more information about how to register their clubs. I think our club, the Brewing Network Club, yeah. will be setting up a booth there. Yes, we just need to get somebody to set it up. You yeah. guys will have fun at that. We need some people. We'll be recruiting some help. We'll have to get some local help down there. Anybody wants to volunteer, that'd be great. I'll be in Buenos Aires. That's not, <laughs> that's that's right. not when the festival that's is. That's in May. I'm oh, just okay. going early. I'll oh. still be there. <laughs> or staying late. Just yeah. Staying, yeah, you're yeah. staying late. Oh, whatever. Yeah. It's in Ohio, right? Uh, Utah. Just south of yeah. Buenos Aires, Utah. Uh, okay, what else? Uh, 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 someone's saying hi to my networks. <laughs> Just got off my ass and became a donor. Can't afford a lot, but I think beer information is important. Uh, oh, more important than baby food, my wife and probably son. Um, but I want, so I wanted to give what I could. Uh, look, you made that mistake. That's Can't funny. help you with that shit. Nolson. And he says, it was really cool to watch you guys on this week's episode of Brewing TV. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you guys remember the Brewing TV guys were in here not too long ago? Did yeah. a full video. Yeah, yeah, I saw the episode. No. Episodes Who are up, they? It's up, it's up now. Uh, uh, Jake and Dawson and uh, the 311 guy. Chip. Uh, Chip. 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 Chip Walton. Gay. Chip. Uh, all available on Brewing TV right now. You could uh, watch the behind the scenes of the Sunday session. It's fascinating stuff. I have a telephone call, yeah. and um, I don't like know if we're question. actually taking Drunk of the Week calls, but it's 36C Sarah. We'll take Thought it. you might want to talk to her. Oh, yeah. Her picture How did you know, Bevo? You could tell by the sound of her it's voice. Really a she already 40-year-old dude. Hey. Sarah. <laughs> hey, how you going? Sarah, what's happening? I knew this would get you on the phone. Hello, how are you? You're doing great. I'm in love already. Should I pull up uh, Sarah's uh, images while we're talking to her? Did you yes. pull Did up you get something them? else? She says, yes, she says yes, definitely. You got them finally? Um, yeah, I showed the, them to you. The staff I, has not seen them. I don't remember They're that at all, all, man. Can you what, Sarah? Um, I was just going to say I'm not Latino. I'm white. Well, no, so you'd be Latina. Perfectly but perfectly white right. boobs. So non-Hispanic. There you go, everybody. Here, this is no. Sarah, 36C, sent in this, uh, this really? picture during her during her drunk of the week endeavor, uh, in which she won, yeah, but, of course. Those are C's. Well, this time I just have an actual resume because I'm actually drunk. I don't. I mean, I was going to send in tits, but I thought I'll just. Go with my resume, Sarah. Always, Terrible always decision. go for oh. your first. Always yeah. go with your gut feeling. We, get, yeah. if we have a say in this. We yeah. prefer your first decision. Yeah. yeah, and maybe take off that boulder <laughs> holder. You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, JP! High five for that shit. All right, uh, go ahead and give us your resume. Okay, so we started kind of early. So first off, I had a big foot. From Sierra Nevada, you know that? That was nice. But then I moved on to Great Lakes Doppelback, but then I moved back to the Bigfoot because it was awesome. And then 
I had a homebrew, which we had a Belgian blonde, which was actually better than Leffa, I have to say. But Ooh. I won't tout that because we didn't submit that to anything. So, anyway, I thought it was good. Um, then we had a headhunter uh-huh. from Fathead. Okay. Um, and and okay, when, every time you say we, are we talking about you and your breasts? <laughs> no, 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 no. Yes, That's yes, what we're all thinking. three of us, we enjoyed it. We're all changing the wallpapers yeah. on our computers. Yeah. I like how, uh, without audio, uh, uh, Sarah's breasts are actually the soundtrack in the studio for this call. I just right. have it giant across my monitor, right? and it's just the, it's literally the non-soundtrack to this phone call. Well, you know, when you're in the car and you, you know, you're, 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 you're hearing something, you're looking at the radio, you got to make eye contact <laughs> yeah, with wherever the sound's coming yeah. from. It comes JP's from those actually, orbs. JP's actually really close to the monitor right now. <laughs> yeah. like the kind of close where your mom says, don't sit so close to the TV. You'll go blind. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, if I was going to go blind, I'd go blind from not looking at the TV. Or <clears throat> Carry on, Sarah. Okay, I'm sorry. Don't be. Okay, so all three, two of my tits and me. Um, so then I had two of the same Adams Latitude 48, which was... Um, Season actually, Good. Um, and then of course I had a celebrator, which is wonderful, uh, and a Saranac Bohemian Pills, which Lord. I was slightly disappointed in, but I believe that was just the quality of aging. What a jump. Uh, and then a Guinness for an extra stout. You are all so, over the place, baby. Solid resume. She's yeah. also still speaking. Yeah. After that resume, yeah, I know. Well, somebody will have a hollow well, leg. <laughs> What? Beer just goes right in their booze. Yeah, you got to keep those puppies fed. <laughs> well, I got to keep them perky with all that booze in them. No kidding, <laughs> We'll be the judge of that. Oh, we can't tell with the yeah. Uh, we needed to see a boulder uh, holder. <laughs> boulder holder. Brewer's <laughs> <laughs> code or something. No. Oh, sorry. What does that mean? It's true. I don't know. It's just what they yell at people when they say inappropriate things to me in the chat room. Oh. Yeah, we forgot what it means. I thought titties and beer was the starting two words of that of uh, yeah. the brewer's code. Yeah. Mitch, pick yeah. up your jaw. <laughs> done. Oh, actually, done. done. Actually, Mitch, Mitch had really just fallen asleep. <laughs> That's what it actually happened. No, no, I'm just entranced. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Sarah, listen. You know, last time you earned it uh, with your wonderful breasts. This your, time, that resume nope. is pretty, pretty, pretty yeah. is pretty incredible. Yeah, good job. Uh, I don't know what's better, well, the resume was, or her hypno boobs. Right. No, I was really working towards it. Because I wanted it, and it, it's not based on my boobs. I can drink. No, it's yeah. not. Yeah, listen, we don't yeah. doubt. Tell us how much you wanted it again, though, because <laughs> don't, we don't yeah. do lonely. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Before yeah. you go, okay. I want to see you in Cleveland, and I'm planning to take off work so that I can see you. Great. Will you ask me to sign your breasts when I'm there? Cleavage yes. in Cleveland? Yes. Then I will. Then Definitely. I'm. I'll show them full on. Full I on. Full what? frontal. No, I'm not clapping for that because I'm not going to be there. Scott and I are clapping. Yeah, right. well, fuck both of you fans. <laughs> Uh, all right, that sounds like a great... It sounds like a date, is what it sounds like. You know what, Sarah? Like. I would have more respect for myself than that, and I would not show them to these cretins, because they no, don't I'm appreciate really it. Hang on. See? No, I'm so excited. I, I wouldn't be. Then. That's because I, it'll just be a letdown if you show them to them. As am I. Uh, all right, no, wonderful. I'm excited. Good. Okay, great. We're all excited, and you are now in the running for Drunk of the Week. Hooray! All right, thank you. Bye. Bye. Justin, Bye. you want to sign the left breast or the right breast? Because I'm taking one. Yes. He's a righty, so you, you take the left. Okay. I, don't even, I don't even want you around. It makes you feel dirty if Moscow's around. 
He's watching you. He's watching me sign. <laughs> He's got that look on his face. Look at that's it right yeah. there. Working, <laughs> working the drool up in one corner of his mouth. That was the look. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, what geez. else do I have here? <clears throat> oh, feedback about last week's show. Hey, oh, I bet it was good. Just listen to the most uh, recent episode. Oh, just listen to most of last week's episode. And thought I'd give some feedback. The show just became unbearable for me to listen to. <laughs> Can't imagine why. Just a good part. Listen to this though. He's like, I made it to the three hour and forty two minute mark. Wow, that's where it became unbearable. <laughs> uh, and finally became he out after I did. And finally became crushed by the weight of sheer piss poor radio. Oh. Also, so there's no confusion. There's nothing specific that happened or that was said uh, during the show. It was just a build up. It, it just happened to be when I had. Shut it off. The poor radio started early and just continued throughout. Justin, I know you don't listen to the shows, but I challenge you to listen to this show in its entirety. Mm. F you. Mm. I'm not listening to that thing. <laughs> that show was terrible. I think it'd be good for you. It'd be a good cathartic kind of... You what know. he says. You yeah. want to know how much Justin hates listening to himself? I'll send him, like, highly cut up. Like, I'll pick out the best of the best shows, and then I'll cut it up, cut out all the pauses and us. and he listen. still hates it. I hate it. Can't listen. So some I. examination. Uh, some examination might be necessary at this point. No need to apologize, but I hope this trend doesn't continue. Looking forward to giving it another try when the next episode is available. Yeah. Why don't you take this episode, this recent one, and suck on it? Okay. <laughs> I do appreciate the feedback. We love hearing that kind of stuff. I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. All I would say is, uh, you know, one show is not a trend. It's for the BN. How long have you been listening? It's kind of par for the course. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> about, much. About every uh, six weeks, we tend to defecate. Yeah. So uh, it happens. You know, it wasn't an entire failure. We had a lot of fun. It was uh, a really funny train wreck. Yeah. I love having Mufasa in the studio. Pinkerton from uh, uh, Moon River. He was the big train. <laughs> was Yeah. <laughs> it was a good time. It was yeah. a good show. Instead yeah. of cold fed, he was cookie fed, which <laughs> might be a reason why <laughs> yeah. he spiraled way out of control. You know, the other thing is... Sometimes we just have to cut loose and have a little fun in here, yeah. and that's what we did. And if the guest wants to do that, that's our job. Yeah. We are obligated, sir. So. But th- all that being said, uh, I'm not making excuses. I agree that the show was not great radio, and uh, hopefully it is not a trend. It was uh, one of our one-offs. Right. We need to do shitty shows every now and then, so you appreciate the good ones. Exactly. You need a relative equivalent. Like this show. Yeah. Hmm. Which one's this? Uh, lunch meat. Good one. Uh, all right. Let's see. David writes in. Um, oh, uh, I, I think this is also about yesterday's. Uh, come on, you're like the street comedian. Come on, come on, yeah. let's go. Yeah, hey, where's Jamil? Kick your ass right now. I didn't have time to read <laughs> the feedback before the show. Oh, I think he just conti- that's the same guy continuing on about how bad the show was. But then the We're, next guy uh, writes in. Uh, hey, I wanted to say thanks for the latest Mufasa show. Whenever he comes in, he always seems to fit in perfectly, uh, right up to the creepy, uh, creepy be- Bevo comments. Yeah, <laughs> Those do kind of get going. They yeah. were real creepy. Uh, but he's writing in about music. He says, after enduring the butt rock you typically play, I was oh. shocked to hear something of value. Uh, hey. we, we played some blues. That's a good segment. And he says, you're a bunch of musicians in there. You should know what doesn't suck. So start playing less butt rock and more blues rock, he says. What's butt rock? I don't rock? think you like the shocker. Never heard butt rock. What's butt rock? You've never heard butt I think rock? Oh, uh, you're rock East Coast. Is uh, is Steel Panther? What, what does that mean? What? what? Well, it you know, it's rock like, metal. It like, sucks like a butt. I think what? it's the shocker. Oh, That's like the worst. I want to hear the shocker. Well, like, like butt rock. It's like just it's like a name for bad '80s metal. Like shitty rock. Yeah, like butt. Yeah. 
Why you not know, say like, it? Butt Ranger. I don't know. Butt Rock? Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's he a, must be Canadian. You're offended by He that. must be Canadian. <laughs> Only He's Canadians. being uh, friendly or something. Does Mitch know about Steel Panther? Steel Panther? I no, would no. give you the stars you oh, in yeah. the sky. You know it. You know right off the bat. Yeah. Steel Panther. Yeah. <laughs> Are you guys going to cover this in your next band? Yeah. Next, next show? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mitch yeah. is a guitar player. He yeah. likes a little butt rock, I think. <laughs> you got to, man. Yeah. <laughs> Mitch, uh, Whitesnake, thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, Chad, that's butt rock. That's butt rock. Yeah. Well, that's, no, that's like hair rock. Big hair rock. Same thing. Oh. Yeah. It well, is. Yeah. Hair, hair down is... your butt rock. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There I you go. That, I got that it. explains it. I yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Oh, man. I was feeling it. Butt rock, you know, it, rock. you know, it right yep. off the bat. I remember oh, yeah. this video: the oh, chick yeah. on the car and Tawny Katan. Katan, Katan, Katan. Can't contain she's pretty hot. things. She's probably not hot anymore. I think she's still, she has a lot of plastic surgery. Didn't she, she was on Celebrity Rehab a couple seasons. Ago. I was just gonna say she's got to be cracked out by now. When I was going to school in Providence, I, uh, they pretty much burned down a building with like three hundred people in it, didn't they? Yeah, this band, the pyrotechnic. No, 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 that, that was, was Great White. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great White. Way different than White Snake. Sorry, yeah. Great sorry. White sucks. Do you have any? Well, they killed a lot of people, so yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's yeah. That. They probably kill a lot of people with their music too. Not right. even that. That was pretty bad, actually. But yeah, that was terrible. That was Why bad. don't we play a little Great White? Let's, let's get a little name, different. Who can name the singer of White Snake right now? David Coverdale. That avoidment. his metal. <laughs> Do you remember Coverdale Page when they joined up and did an album and a tour? I remember the album. I, I don't think I ever listened to it, though. It was awful. <laughs> I mean, it was a great concept, but boy, was it awful. <laughs> kind of like this show. Yeah. Uh. Oh, hang on. We're just about to get to the butt rock part. We just at least got to wait for that. Likes it. She likes terrible music. She says terrible Wait. taste in general. <laughs> All right, there you go. That was a big tune. Yeah. What year was that? Fuck. It's all eighty-six. Was it that old? Wow. Yeah, that was. It yeah, was popular a long 80s. time. That was too. That whole big MTV time. Together, man. It yeah. had a lot of TV time. Yeah. Uh, eighty-seven. Mm. Ooh. I was three. Eighty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> hey, old hot. people. I was three. Wait, what? I was ten. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, anyway, thanks. For, yeah, thanks for the Mufasa show uh, and not doing the butt rock. And um, also, he says your show is a good cure for insomnia, which isn't really a compliment, is it? No, no, it's a positive. <laughs> it's a positive thing. Might be talking about Bruce Strong. He says I recently broke my leg and have begun to suffer insomnia from narcotic withdrawal. <laughs> I was on Percocet and Vicodin. We all relate to that, I guess. Which he says sound great on paper, but getting off them uh, sucks. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really have any trouble getting off. I guess it depends on how much, how long you do them. Yeah. You know? Well, you also didn't break your leg. I'm sure that you know hurts a little bit more. Longer Maybe. heel time. Yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, they are fun, though. Let's face it. Okay. What, broken legs or uh, what? what? Perks and Vicodin. Justin, oh. eyes, the, your eyes lit up like a Christmas tree. Oh. You got really they are excited. Fun. <laughs> Prescription drugs are great. If I wasn't doing the craft brewing network, I would do the... Prescription, Prescription drug, network. drug network. <laughs> Synthetic opiate <laughs> network. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, more on... God, I'm done with the feedback already. Angry Megan wrote in to us. Angry Megan? But that's a long one. I'll say oh, yeah. Is that a new character? No, New no, Angry alert. Megan was on like a year or so ago. Oh, yeah. I'm not familiar. I think we got uh, pictures of her naked back on the forum. 
naked back. Yeah, and she has a tattoo, a ghetto tattoo no, of the state no, of Michigan. No, that was Kate. No, that's Vermont. Uh, the oh, 802. That's not Angry Megan. Yeah. No, it's not Angry <laughs> Megan. Naked back. All right, here's a question, yeah, and and it's pretty sexy. I think there's back. only two questions in this whole feedback, which is why I made poor Mitch stay around a whole extra hour just to make sure he can help us out. <laughs> Um, but but it's for all of you guys in here, except for me and Scott. Um, uh, I'm brewing a Hefeweizen and did a little research on some online forums. I was wondering what your opinion is on using Warflock um, or something similar in a Hefeweizen. I'm doing an extract kit, and I read in the forums both that you can use it, uh, and also I've read that you shouldn't use it. More people seem to think that it was okay. What's your opinion? So, may just re- really quickly, why do we use Warflock? To, to help clarify, right? Right. So I guess his point is, is it going to clarify the Hefeweizen too much? Well, you know, really, if you look at the commercial Hefeweizens, the, the haze in there is, is mostly yeast as opposed to protein. So Whirlflock might be okay. I don't know why you'd use it, though. I, yeah, you know, there's no point. Uh, well, you, I think it keeps things out of the fermenter that you really want to stay back in the kettles. Right, you, right. I mean, you get a better, you know... Uh, Sludge in the bottom, uh, and when the whirlpool's over. But why is that okay. important? Well, those proteins or the, the, the proteins you, will will blind your yeast cells. I mean, yeah. it's really nasty. If you've ever brewed and tasted the trube in the whirlpool, which is a kind of a ritual that we make, we made all of our brewers do at a brewery I used to work at. You, oh. you understand perfectly why you want to get rid of it, you know, and why you don't want it to go into the fermenter. Uh, but it also will will kind of blind the yeast cell walls and kind of. Uh, prevent the yeast from taking up nutrients and excreting CO2 and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it can really muck up your yeast a lot if you have too much protein in your wort. Okay. So uh, So a good reason to use it. Yes. And if your Hefeweizen turns out too clear, there's some things you can do about that, too. Okay. Like some flour or something like that people do. Oh, really? Yeah. Just throw some junk in there. Just throw some <laughs> clouding agents in there. Yeah, interesting. You know, a lot of, a lot of I think. Oh, never mind. I can mention. Oh no, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, a lot of the commercial hefeweizens yeah. they add like a what they call a powdery yeast. It's a yeah. lager yeast that just yeah. doesn't settle out, and you know, and that provides the haze. The beer's fairly clear before it gets that yeast dose in there, and and then it's cloudy. Okay. All right. Good answers. Thank you. Uh, and then Jim writes in. Greetings, mavens of malt. I recently <laughs> brewed the Fuller's ESB recipe from Can You Brew It? And after listening to the recipe details from John Keelings uh, and his remarks on Burtonizing his water, I figured I'd cut to the chase and used ProMash to set my water up uh, for Burton on Trent. I now have a great clone of Bass Ale. Uh, not bad, <laughs> but not what I wanted. So uh, I, I thought we could bring it up here just because I think it was a kind of a quick an- uh, question. Uh, can you talk about Burtonizing? It seems to be a general term regarding water treatment. Um, but what the heck does Burtonizing mean? And we do kind of throw that out sometimes like we assume everybody knows. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's adding calcium basically to your brewing water. And, you know, the Burton on Trent water is very high in calcium. And that, that did a lot of things that... It, it it helped the conversion in the, in the mash kettle. It helps with your your hop extraction or utilization in the kettle. Mm-hmm. It helps the yeast settle out really well. And that's that was huge. But you know what? If you're trying to brew a Fuller's ESB, and I think it came up earlier tonight when when Mark was talking about the difference between taking a small beer from different you know a, you know a, a beer that's brewed to twelve and a half Plato versus a small beer, it's going to be different. And, um, you know, from second runnings and, you know, Fuller's is the big practitioner of Partigile Brewing where they brew a big beer and then they blend worts 
going into the fermenter, and that's going to be different than if you brew something to 13 Play-Doh. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. There you go. I knew it would be simple. Simple Sorry. enough anyway, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I read an article recently about Burtonizing, and uh, it's actually quite a bit of the uh, Burton salt you have to actually use compared to what they say. They say, like, one tablet is good for five gallons. From what I've read, it's more like four tablets per five gallons. So I don't know. Really? Well, are these I, the pre-mixed ke- uh, chemicals? That yeah. Have, like, a certain... Uh, yeah, but there's a lot of information out there and, where they just say, you know, uh, one tablet of this uh, Burtonized... Uh, you know, salt will will do it for five I, gallons. I don't think you can Burtonize without knowing what your starting water is. You there can't you really shouldn't adjust any water point. unless you know what you're starting That's a good with. You're, you could be now. I say that most home brewers are fine just putting like a t- at least a teaspoon of, of gypsum in almost any beer. Mm-hmm. That's not enough. That would, but it would help. It, you're closer than you were before, but you're really to do it right. You need to find out what's in your water and then have a target water and then see what you got to add to get that. Which is calling your your local water yeah, company and, yeah. and getting a profile. Or asking around, or yeah. if you're in a homebrew club, or no, you can go to your local brewery and they may know if they're using the same water as you. Okay, so just total hardness we're talking about, Mitch. Calcium or calcium just... levels, sulfate levels. Okay. It's all right. Chloride, yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, if you want to design recipes, you need software to do that, especially when talking about your water and salts and things like that, so you know exactly what you're getting once you've figured it all out. You can go to Beersmith.com, a great supporter of this program, and get a free 21-day trial of the software, which is pretty rad. Just go check it out. You don't have to take my word for it. Download the entire software at Beersmith.com. Easily design world-class beers at home. You can make your brewing day easier by designing a recipe in just a few minutes. And then uh, step-by-step brewing instructions that tell you exactly how to brew your beer. If you're a little more uh, advanced, you can scale recipes by batch size, equipment, or brew house efficiency. Uh, there's over a dozen standalone brewing calculators for quick calculations, including things for water, like we were just talking about. Organize and share your recipes, track inventory of your ingredients, uh, and even the prices of them if you really want to get nerdy about your home brewing. Schedule brewing activities, uh, mash profiles for advanced brewers. Pick any mash schedule from our preloaded table in just seconds. So go to beersmith.com, get your free 21-day trial of uh, Beersmith Brewing Software, which I know JP's been using using lately and That's true. Uh, likes it like I do. Been using it for a long time. Oh, yeah? Yep. Very nice. I, I actually th- used it, too. On the last batch uh, I did of uh, homebrew, my third batch, I used it because uh, Jamil's recipes call for, for six-gallon batches, but I only have a five-gallon carboy. Right. So I used the software to scale the ingredients so I knew how much to use of what. Easy to use. Easy to use. All right. Check it out. And I think they're coming up with a fully uh, revised version. It actually may be out already. I haven't talked to Brad over there in a little bit, but I know he was working his ass off on a brand new uh, edition. Uh, and last but not least, you know, JP. I do. He's uh, a good guy. I, I really uh, I really feel like I should make poor Mitch read our Adam and Eve copy. Why don't oh, do you? it? Definitely. Do it. <laughs> Mitch, this is your radio debut, man. Nobody, nobody's listening, are they? <laughs> no, no. Uh, all, we've been off the air for 20 minutes. Yeah. Just, okay, okay. just don't tell Adam and Eve about that. Yeah. <clears throat> Would you be willing to read our Adam and Eve copy? Well, I do you know try. what Adam and Eve is? Uh, I think I do. Don't uh, tell them. <laughs> there's nothing dirty. Yeah, it's, it's just not, it's uh, an adult okay. superstore. Yeah. We've all read it. You'll read it? Yeah. I'll, I'll give it a shot. Sure, yeah. and you—you you don't even—you can read it word for word or ad lib. We don't care uh, as long as you give the coupon code and tell us what it, what is included for free. Well, you know what? I it, it looks like this is written for a woman, but to read, but uh, <laughs> pH balance for <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Mitch. At this point, you're as close as we get. Yeah. Okay. Uh, very good. 
All right. Uh, fellas, are you yes. looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Yes. Indeed. Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Maybe. Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time, you only get 50% off just about any item. Yeah. But that's not all. Oh, oh no. It's not? When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration, yeah. plus a free extra gift. So sensual, we can't mention it on the radio. And it doesn't say here what it is. No. No. Uh, can't mention, can't mention it. Yeah. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. Oh. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BN Army for the offer code upon checkout. And when you do, you'll get three DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code BN Army at adamandeve.com. And. May I keep this? <laughs> <laughs> you may keep that. Mitch, you're better. I, I hate that's, to say No offense, staff, but uh, that's a better read than any of us have done. That's the best, <laughs> read, best read I've heard. That's yeah. a good read. Yeah. Forgive me if I've missed this, but Bebo, have you ordered anything from Adam and Eve yet? No. Why not? not? Yet. Oh. That's... Would Soon. you tell us if you had? I've actually ordered several things for Bebo. I just haven't given them to her yet. I see. I'm waiting for the divorce. Because we don't do that. Unless we're on vacation. That? And, and that's drunk. what happens. We don't that. Any of that? She did have that. Bebo yeah. doesn't do any of that unless... She's hammered unless in, in Hawaii. Unless I'm drunk and on vacation. Right. <laughs> I like that Sam also knows the recipe. I gotta get you drunk. <laughs> and then and have a you tropical sp- island. And then have you spend a lot of your own money. Yeah. <laughs> and then that really lubes you up down there it's in our South money. America. When you're married, uh, it's it's no longer your money. AdamEve.com, B-N-A-R-M-Y is the coupon code. Make sure you do that and get yourself some yeah. free stuff. Uh, do it right now. Love those guys. I need some new lingerie for myself. Yeah? Yeah. Definitely creepy. The old that pantyhose is, getting a little tired. That is creepy. <laughs> There's there is dude lingerie though, isn't there? A dude? No, there is. No, I get, well, I guess like Italian cut briefs or some bullshit. But I mean, ah. you know what else? No, uh, there are. Who am I to judge? Yeah, there's. Yeah, but it's for gay guys, it's not for straight Whoa. guys. No, Why do you have to judge? We don't care. I've Scott? never seen a straight guy wearing assless chaps. I'm just I've saying. never seen a gay guy wear assless chaps. Well, so. you've... All right, settle down, you two. James is on the line hey. here. James, what's happening? I'm trying to have a uh, hello. Hey, James. It's it's Ryan. Ah. Uh, calling for different call beef. Oh, just kidding. I don't, I don't even know. Beef. Where are you calling from? I don't know. Uh, Texas, unfortunately. Yeah, you don't like it any more than JP does. No, uh, I think JP likes it more than me or something. I heard, I heard Skeksis. <clears throat> yep, excited. What have you had? Uh, way too much. Um, uh, that that stuff. Wine? Penis? No, no, not wine. Um, homebrew <laughs> and a few shots of rum, and you only had two choices. It's all good. Are you by yourself? I mean, aside from us hanging out with you, are you by yourself? Well, my oh. my wife is like passed out and uh, kids in the other room somewhere passed out and well, go here. take a run at her man what are you doing here <laughs> I, I oh thought gosh. about it yeah <laughs> I think I, I think it will soon but uh, I'm stuck to a a wired headset so no one can else can hear this right good idea yeah no and no one else is listening either so you're good <laughs> well you know even if they were it's all it's all good right. All right, James. Well, based on that description, you are now in the running for Drunk of the Week. Why? Um, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for calling, brother. <laughs> Later. Bye. All right. 
And what do we have, Ryan on the phone, you say? Uh, Ryan, are you there? Yeah, what's going on, man? How are you, brother? Uh, real good. Drunk of the week? Yeah, we're going for drunk of the week. Uh, the old wife, Sarah, just called in, so I'm going to fucking try to take it off of her. Oh, you already do, do. You already sound more sober than she was. Yeah, well, she's, she's a wild animal. Can you send us a picture of your breasts <laughs> as well, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> Mine are, uh, are farly, uh, you know, vaguely less interesting than hers. But only vaguely so. Yeah, but only vaguely. His are bees. Which is still, which is still kind of alluring at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is your resume the same as Sarah's then, uh, assuming you guys shared all that beer? You know what? It was. It's actually really close. I was just writing out mine, like trying to get it in order. And uh, yeah, we've been uh, kind of doing the same, a lot of the same shit at the same time. I know that pretty much takes me out of the running. But in all honesty, with the Brewers Code, yeah, we've done a lot of the same shit. I just uh, the only thing I might have ahead of her is I put down another of one of my uh, Jay Z Belgian blondes, maybe. But other than that, pretty you much, snuck yeah. one in. Maybe he's not yeah, sure. Yeah, it's like when it just she went in to take a piss. I, I threw one down. <laughs> <laughs> that bitch is gone quick. Get another beer. Wow. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to put you on the list then, Ryan, as as Sarah plus one. As that's your resume. Okay. So, yeah. Is she passed good, out? Man. Is she passed out? You know what? She's still with. She's you know she's the real deal. I mean, she's oh, okay. got the cans and everything, but she's. She's, she can fucking drink. <laughs> she sounds really like it. Doing. So she's standing. She sounds like yeah. a real blast. How long have you two been married? <laughs> we have been married. We got uh, five years. So you're saying there's a chance. I, was... <laughs> I like to hear a five-year that's couple a... having fun because Bevo and Sam, they've been married less than that, and they hate each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what, Bevo and uh, Sam and Sarah and I, I think, are about the same age, and it's cool. Uh, it's it's cool to listen to everybody, you know, because we have a really good time. We love you guys, and uh, yeah, the boss, she's 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 good fun. Well done. You got a winner over there, and uh, one of you might win drug of the week tonight. We'll see. All right, cool man. Thanks. Thanks, brother. Later. Later. Notice how he classified me in a different age group as you guys. Uh huh. <laughs> That's true. We're now we're all now just lumped in with Tasty. I think people have seen us <laughs> what? enough. We are yeah. lumped in. Wait a minute. People have seen us, us enough. They just go. They go. Yeah, they're no. all the same. Their livers are all the same. They're all worn out. <laughs> they're all worn out. Yeah. I got a question for uh, Mitch. Yeah. Uh, Some weird off. I was going to ask him off the show, question. but this could be. Do it on uh, the uh, cone to cone thing. How did, what was the yin and yang of that? What 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 uh, what are the ins and outs of that? What, I'm curious. <laughs> cone to cone, game to I mean, what, uh, <laughs> what, did, what, what was the outcome of that? I, well, I think, uh, you know, when you're starting out, it's a great way to do it, you know, because most people, small brewers, can't afford to have separate tanks. But yeah. there's a lot of advantages to pulling your yeast back out of the fermenter and and taking care of it, if you, especially if you have to hold it for some time. Because yeah. when you're in a big conical fermenter and you've got yeast in the bottom and you're sitting there waiting for that yeast, 
for your next batch, it's under a lot of pressure. It's under a lot of stress, right. and that's not really cool. Right, right. So, you know, the big thing is, you know, take care of your yeast. If you're pitching right away, you know, if you're if you just finished your fermentation, you've chilled it down just a little bit, 24 hours or so, you can go cone to cone. You just got to be careful because you can suck a hole in your yeast bed and just pitch with beer, basically, which um, which is kind of a drag. You know, you're not going to get what you want, and you've left all the yeast behind. And most of the guys I talk to are looking through a sight glass, and they're kind of like saying, "Yeah, I'm not." I'm when they see the they see beer, they make a note and yeah. change or start hitting the cone with a hammer or something rubber right hammer. right you know and that's a pain in the ass yeah, i mean you know at some point you want to be able to bring your yeast back and have something that's fairly homogenous you know right. and if you're going to start doing pitching by weight or pitching by solids or anything like that you got to have a homogenous mixture and you can't do that with cone to cone right right like gotcha. milk well, it's interesting that uh, you found the best pitch is from your IPA, and, and why is that? A lot of homebrewers may not understand this, but you kind of made information to all the pro guys there. So, Yeah, it's, um, you know, when I first got to Stone, we were pitching from Stone Pale Ale and from Arrogant Bastard Ale, and we always thought the IPA wouldn't be a good pitching yeast because it's IPA. It's got a lot of hops in it, and yeah. the yeast would be stressed. Uh, you know, but as we started brewing more and more IPA, it became necessary to start looking at it as a possible source, and it turned out to be the best yeast we've got. And I think, uh, you know, from a viability standpoint, I think the reason is that it's like right in the middle of our gravity range. You know, IPA is 16 Plato. We've got beers that are up to 18, 19. We've got beers that are down around 12. And the IPA is kind of like right in the middle. And I think that's important because, you you know, your yeast conditions itself to your gravities. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why people don't pitch yeast from like, uh, you know, from a barley wine. You know, it's it's stressed out. It's not the regular fermentation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the IPA fell right in the middle. Uh, we came up with a procedure to pull the yeast off before we dry hop the beer. And that works really well for us. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the work, uh, like, I mean, the IPA, I mean, you're always turning over. That's also, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, so it's, it's 50% of what we brew right now. So right. we've we've always got IPA yeast out there that we can use for repitching. Hmm. Mitch, can you just give your talk over again? <laughs> I think I just sorry. did. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Good questions, guys. But All right, that was last call, stuff. and that's... then we're going to get out of here. Uh, caller, who are we talking to? Yeah, this is Dirk from North Carolina. How are you doing today? Dirk, what's up, brother? What's up, man? Uh, you want to give us your resume, or you have a question? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I got a resume. Not a boy. All right, what do you got? <laughs> Graduated high school. All right, I got, a, I got a, a laughing dog, a dogzilla bomber that I, that I started off with the day I dropped my girlfriend off with the real army. Uh, and then I got a, a gallon of old Mecklenburg's um, copper, which is an alt beer, about five and a half. Uh, and then I finished off with the old Guardian bomber. Oh. A bomber of old Guardian. Yeah. Even. What vintage? Yeah. Yeah. What vintage? Uh, well, it, it's from this year, two thousand or two thousand and ten. Okay. All right. It was last year. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, all right, Derek. You are now in the running for drunk of the week, my friend. All right, man. Thanks, brother. Glad it. All right, that's going to be it because uh, it's uh, another uh, another long one, and we have uh, I think four people in the running for drunk of the week. Uh, Sarah, thirty six C. Who I just wrote down as a lot of beer. A lot of beer. Actually, you just drew two boobs. Yeah, it's a lot of boobs and beer. Oh, okay. And then, of course, is that there's... a W? I don't know. And, of course, there's Sarah's husband... Yeah, it's on. You need it? Sarah's husband, Ryan... No more focus. Uh, Sarah's husband, Ryan, called in, who had lots of beer plus one. More, one more than Sarah. Didn't uh, seem as drunk as Sarah, though. 
No, he didn't. Uh, he's, he's probably but, slightly larger. Yeah, chicks are lightweight. Yeah. Actually, I see there you drew three boobs. Yes, I which drew is three, weird. an extra boob for Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, James called in. I don't remember what he had. I don't remember either. I remember he had a, an awful accent. Wasn't that impressive, I remember. Where was he from? I don't even remember. Texas. 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 Oh, yeah. Texas. He, he wasn't Texas. very happy about it either. Well, there's no good beer there. He, he had out. a few beers. <laughs> and then finally, Derek just called in. Who also had a few beers ended it with a bomber of old foghorn. Guardian. Uh, the uh, uh, the the only um, the only anchor. Uh, no, old guardian. Oh, it was old guardian. It wasn't yeah, old foghorn. No. Oh, it was even bigger. Oh, that's that makes that's that's important. And then you were about to lie. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that he was the only guy who did uh, who had an anchor beer. Oh, I thought you were going to say the only anchor beer that's in a bomber. <laughs> No, no, I was, was going to say... Call the you only, out right no, now. I was going to say me, the only contestant who had oh, our okay. official guest <clears throat> beer. But he had True. Old Guardian, which is an even stronger beer than the Foghorn. And it's so, our unofficial guest beer. Unofficial guest beer. Right. Okay, so those are your... Um, Drunk of the Week. Yeah, Drunk of the Week contestants. Uh, we will now go around the room and we will raise our hands. Uh, raise your hand if it is uh, Derek, our, our, our most recent caller. All right. Two votes. Two votes. Uh, all right. Raise your hand if it is Ryan, uh, who had lots plus one. Sarah's husband, Ryan. Okay. All right. Uh, raise your hand if it was James from Texas. And finally, raise your hand if it was Sarah, 36C, who had lots. I'm going to raise a nipple uh, for that. Go, oh, <laughs> I'm raising a nipple. JV putting in a nipple. Uh, Bevo exercising her double vote. Mitch yeah. being a guest is allowed a double vote as well. Uh, I, I think so. Bevo should pull out her double votes, if you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, <laughs> uh, would we like to take one last look at Sarah before we uh, make yeah, it official? Yeah, let's her double votes. There you go. Oh, uh, yeah. Folks in the studio, you can have one double final her score. look at There you go. Uh, once again, uh, and, Boulder, and moving quickly toward Drunk of the Year, Sarah 36C is our, is our Drunk of the Year. Listen, at least this Moscow. time it wasn't because of these. It was because of her yeah. resume. Moscow, you got a lot to learn about who wins during the week. Girls that send in pictures are always winners. Always. Yeah. It's getting easy to win this game. Yeah, fuck She's yeah, wearing a bra. I mean, come on. Doesn't matter. We don't care. We're they very, are stranger boobs so far. So far. Yeah. Here. It doesn't matter. You will always look at a stranger's boobs because you've never seen them before. Strange Even if they're small or big. Who... She sent in a picture of just her chest. She's wearing a bra. She I, is. Th- that's how Moscow is. He's an ungrateful prick that He's way. cheap. That's so Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You yeah. know, if we, if we were in Europe, it'd be full-blown, and it wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. You're right. right. You're right. So if we were doing the show in but Europe, I mean, he has a point. Chad's a little yeah. pissed right now. No, no, I'm just saying. Oh, okay. what, yeah. What's the big deal? What is the big deal? Come on, send some naked pictures. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm reinstating uh, Shad as the producer of tonight, just tonight, uh, for, for a wonderful suggestion. Uh, he's the producer of our final segment. Nice job booking Anchor, by the way, Shad. <laughs> yeah. you, cu- you coming in the world Listen, naked. Boobs go on. over guests every time, yeah. my scout. I think we should cut that last uh, speech out by Chad, <laughs> and that's a bumper. Yeah. Uh, all right. Are we Speaking ready? Yeah, we're done. All right. Yes. Uh, special thanks to Mitch Steele for hanging out with us today. Yes. Uh, uh, always love having you in here. Thank you. Just walk in the door whenever you're in town. You know that. You got it. Yeah. I'll be here almost every week then. Perfect. All right. <laughs> Perfect. And then, of course, uh, you know, what a, a great time hanging out with the guys from Anchor, Mark, Bruce, and Mike, all with us for a long time tonight and just yeah. sharing a very rich history of craft beer. 
and I really enjoyed that. So thanks very much to them, and a wonderful job, Moscow, getting that taken care of. And they brought us lots of beer, so thanks for that, too, as well, guys. Yeah, really. That was cool. All right, next week we've got a homebrew show for you. Uh, we are talking to the guys from, uh, they'll tell us how to build an all-electric brewery, right? That's right, for you cold-weather brewers. All right, we'll be talking to Cal from the Electric Brewery, and we'll learn about how to do that at home uh, with a homebrew setup. Brew. Yeah. Brewing. Good stuff. All right, pay attention to Facebook and Twitter for updates on the shows and blogs and different stuff like that. Of course, Moscow always does his post-show commentary. Uh, where he gives a rundown of what happened tonight, as well as interviews that happen off-air with our guests. That's so right. I know he got some of those with the Anchor Guys, and uh, that'll all be on the BN Army blog on our homepage. Bevo, great job tonight uh, doing the things that you did. Thank you. Yeah, and Jip, uh, well, you too. I didn't do anything. Right. Uh, all right, thanks. Hey, I did stuff. Oh, you did? Yeah, you got to three stars on Angry Birds. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> so? Here, let me play Angry Bottle Cat. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next Deflected week. Deflected Yeah, you know what I am talking about. But don't